Hey, how are you? <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's been uh, some epic past few, uh, three, four, two, three days, and it's kind of bleeding into one, you know. Oh, man. Tell me yeah. about it. I've been grinding. So, but whatever. I'm not complaining. You mean work wise? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you do if you don't mind me asking? I'm a music producer. Oh, are you? Yeah. So I, uh, I've been on a real crunch um, trying to get these uh, vinyl records done for this uh, big, not only is it a, a band um, mm -hmm. release, but it's for this big venue that's opening. And, uh, and it's really badass. It's been a year in the making. So, and doing the whole vinyl process is an education for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, like you're in LA, right? Yeah. Well, no, not in LA. I'm in San Diego. Oh, okay. Well, okay. LA has a, a number of the places that I'm working with and, uh, so it's a lot of coordination, you know, like you get a test lacquer done in Cleveland, you get something sent to Detroit, you get something sent to LA, you get something sent to Santa, you know, like there's all these moving parts, you know, so mm -hmm. a lot of logistics and not hovering and being a pest, but you kind of have to be the squeaky wheel, you know? Yeah. Especially if you're <laughs> waiting for other people to do their part in order for it. Oh yeah. Good. Right. You, mm -hmm. I find that humor works there. Like, hey, hey, could you guys drop everything you're doing and just attend to me? Okay, thanks. All right, yeah. good, super. Yeah. I need an assistant. Didn't you know that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, you haven't heard about me? I'm just... Right. I, Do you know who I am? <laughs> my reputation precedes me, yes? No? What? Okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I um, Man, I've been busy. Talk about busy. Kind of all over the place. Where... Yeah. Uh, so my profession is um, I'm a CFO, so I deal with oh, numbers. Oh, okay. I see. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Left so... brain. Left brain, right brains. Getting in there. Yeah. So yeah, you're That's grinding then right now. Then. Wow. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Make hay with yes. the sunshine. Yeah. And it, what makes matters worse is that I had a. Um, I hired an assistant, and unfortunately, didn't work. Uh, no, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I'm I'm going through the same thing. I I've, I've been interviewing one on Monday, and yeah, yeah. so there's that. <laughs> right. She's a great, and I so I had to I had to let her go. Um, yeah. Monday. Yeah, I had to let her go. Yeah. I couldn't do it. That's I unfortunate. I destroyed yeah you're like it's not that i don't like you i just no she's a great girl yeah yeah she's great and she she's uh very quiet but unfortunately i need someone with more experience yeah it's just that's just what it boils down to i don't have time right right to not know, not, need, her, not holding hands right no i didn't I, you know when i hired her it was because i was on crunch time already and yeah, I know, yeah the, so anyway. I know what you're up against. Just it's it's this whole litany of things that I probably shouldn't go down this rabbit hole, but it's just um, the, the, one of the more bizarre developments I've seen in the past couple of years is 
not only are a lot of people made to feel pretty expendable in the corporate paradigm, but there's this um, mm -hmm. entitled attitude. And then there's oh, yeah. this, then there's almost this contentiousness. So it's almost like you're the adversary if you're going, you know, and mm -hmm. it's this really like people are put out to do their job or to know anything about it. And it's, it's really a bizarre phenomenon. You know, it's like, it speaks to some deeper malady that I can't really diagnose, but it's there. It is there. You're not kidding. You're, and like I said, she's, other than that, she's great. She's punctual. <laughs> she's there. Other but, than not knowing how to do the job, she's great. She's great. And you know what? The truth is, it's not even about not knowing, right? Because I, <laughs> I, I knew she was, I knew some of it that she didn't know, but it was not asking when you don't know. I can't do that. Oh, wow. You know I mean, like, when I, I ask you, are you good? Do you have any questions? Um, oh, no, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, great. And I let no. you go about your business because I don't micromanage and I don't have time for it. It's just what it boils down to. And um, so, yeah. So, so now I'm doing a whole year's worth of work and I have to get it done before the 7th. So in a whole other lifetime ago, a long time ago, I was involved in let's just like the real estate world. And uh, okay. there was this contractor I'd run into and he was a big time player and I was young, you know, I was like mm -hmm. 26 and they gave me millions of dollars of uh, listings. It just cause they liked me, my hustle, my, my honesty. And right. he said, he said, remember these three things he said, this was way back. So he goes, don't get out of bed for less than hundred an hour. <laughs> wow. he, says, he said, number two, be more organized in your paperwork than the next person. Absolutely. And number three, if you don't know something, don't say you do, but find out. Yeah, that's my thing. Because when I go to get ready to, and that was it, when I went to get my uh, books together and I'm ready to download everything and give it to the CPA for the taxes, I'm like, wait a minute, what? And so I find one little error and it turned into a freaking snowball. Uh, it unspooled, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but anyways, enough of that. I'm so excited, I'm so excited. <laughs> I have you on the panel. I, I don't know a lot about you. I do know that um, I was, you know, you were spoken about very highly. I know that much. Well, I paid them all well. That's money well spent, see? Oh, there you go. There you Bribery go. works every time. <laughs> yeah, money always works. What's up, Salty Coffee? What's up, Big Daddy? Already. So, got a, got um, I wasn't crew sure. In already. I know, right? Oh, shit, we got one in the clip already? Damn. Hey, you know, Miss Cheesecake, I think. Oh, yeah, I saw her run in. Okay, let me, I'll grab it real quick. Well, hey, 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 it's your girl, Miss Cheesecake. I'm a good clapping tap and showing love. Everybody in the chat, make sure you all follow, share, and subscribe. Brie Talks, Inside the Mind of a Man. Guest host, Dub. Hello, Brie Talks. How are you? What's going on, Dub? Shout out to y'all. Shout out to the room. I'm listening. Hello, lovely. What's good? Why are you coming in here all silent, all smexy for, damn? I know, right? Sauntering in. Right? <laughs> Got a tumbler. I know. <laughs> Let me get my smexy voice on. <laughs> so dope. <laughs> well, well, well. Well, well. <laughs> 92.9 Smooth Jazz. 
You know what's so funny? I had so many people uh, say that I should be on radio, and I'm like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> no, you got it. You got it. I don't know. Maybe I should look into that. <laughs> I might have missed my calling. Carly Simon thing or something. No. I don't uh, know. Stupid angry. Big Daddy G, Salty Coffee. Thanks for coming through. Yeah, it was good, you guys. So I came up with this concept because I didn't really know what. Um, I didn't do my homework. Okay, so I'm be honest there, me being okay. transparent. I didn't do my homework, and normally when I um, invite someone to be on a panel, I like to know what they're into, you know, what their topic of choice is. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't right. know quite sure what you were into as far as, you know, talking about. Long walks off of short piers. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. <laughs> I know, right? But it worked out, though. It worked out because you're going to be the first victim of this oh. little series I got going on. Nice choice of words. <laughs> Thank you very much. <clears throat> Let me sit down. <clears throat> I don't have horns for no reason. <laughs> Truth in advertising. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was like, damn, what am I going to do? But I was really, um, I was strum, rolling, blah, blah, roaming the streets of stereo a couple of days prior, and uh, I was listening to a couple of people talking, and they were men, and it kind of just hit me, like there's a lot of things, you know. I've heard the woman's perspective, and obviously I'm a female, um, and I know how weak or my gender thinks, and we pretend or we think we know what men think, but do we really? is my question, you know? Cause some people say men are real easy and then some women say, no, they're complicated because they don't talk. You know, women are known for being gabbers and men are not. So what do you yeah. think about that? Shout out to Rada Data and Ramifications, beloved. Good to see you. And uh, um, well, obviously we can't speak with glittering generalities. Um, I just think that what I've noticed in the past few years is there's been a like a resistance towards dealing with complexity and that a lot of people want to make things into uh, um, a palatable uh, bumper sticker soundbite type um, synopsis of someone like they kind of they get a read on them. They think they have a, a pretty good estimation of what that person's about and then they operate from there, which, as we find out often is presumptuous, you know, because people are complex even more so than they might even realize at times because on any given day you could be feeling one way you could have some undercurrents going on there's some things occupying space in your brain uh you got stressors you've got responsibilities so there's this whole host of things going on and then trying to determine where somebody's at or where your point of connection there um uh it can be challenging you know because i think uh um there's been a real um emphasis on identity politics in the last 10 15 years of trying to assert oneself in a social context but it's right. it's a lot more fluid and porous than we would have thought in previous generations you know i think that the roles were a lot more defined even in my lifetime just right. you know, from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to and so on and 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 there's a whole host of reasons for that i mean that's a whole other tangent but i think that 
there's certain individuals that are, have a keenly developed sense of intuition. So they do have a good sense of what somebody's thinking about. Um, but I think a lot of times it's, um, it's a snap assessment or it's, uh, a, a, you know, uh, a rush to put somebody, yeah, yeah. To put it in a box <laughs> and to make it, you know, right. somehow be able to wrap your arms around it. So I think that that's a pretty broad thing to try and put down into an easy answer, you know? Right. So are you a, so are you a Gen X baby or a baby? Yeah. Baby? Yep. Gen X. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I just wanted to get more or less, uh, cause so am I. So I was just wondering when you said that, um, that it's Latch funny. Key too, generation, you know? Oh yeah. Tell oh, me yeah. about it. Broken homes and all the fun stuff, you know, crack era, all that good stuff. Gotta love it. Sorry, I keep getting calls here. Sorry about that. That's all right. If I mute every once in a while, I have a puppy that just barks all the time. So every once in a while, you'll hear him and I'll have to mute. Uh, no but, problem. Uh, What's your puppy's name? Um, well, the white one, He's uh, his name is Atlas. Ooh, bold, yeah. audacious. Uh, he just turned two. So his name is Atlas, the bully god. And then I have a five-year-old. Uh, his name is Kane, Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> Not even Kane and Abel or Alice Rudd. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Kane's actually a lot nicer than Atlas. Atlas, he, I don't know, he's very rambunctious. Yeah. But I don't know if you know, I have two pit bulls. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know. But, anywho, okay, so I have, I made a whole, I have like a whole bunch of stuff I want to ask, but we can't go through it all today. But, <laughs> So the reason why I came up with this is because, like I said, I did want to get into and start picking men's brains because I really want to know on some of the stuff how you guys think and not just assume how you guys look at things. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, like, for instance, one of my questions is, do you feel that men's emotions are cut off? Or do you really think that men are emotional and they do have emotions? Hmm. I think it's it's come to uh, the forefront a lot more in the past couple decades where it was a lot mm -hmm. more about the stoic um, kind of uh, just get it done. You know, like my mm -hmm. grandfather was, I don't know that he said more than 20 words to me in my life, you know, but he was uh -huh. solid, dependable, a good, good good man you know mm -hmm. um but that just was his way you know he was from a whole that other generation that it wasn't like contrived or because of trauma or anything it's just the way he was you know right. um and then like i said coming from the gen x everybody's got a call right now <laughs> right uh, um, yeah, coming from you know, this generation, or, or speaking from my experience, you know, we had to have a lot of uh, grit and determination just because we were kind of on our own. And, and um, so you had to learn to adapt and adjust. And, you know, I, I had some pretty young parents and they were, they were pretty wild, you know, and like from inner city Detroit and started out real poor and 
ended up pretty mm. poor, you know, and rest in peace, you know. Um, right. But uh, so I was I was in bars and in that whole scene ever since I was a very young boy, and so I I learned how to tap into tap those in. authentic parts of myself just to be able to, you know, deal mm-hmm. with adults. And and then as you grow older, I I saw value in 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 that in my own experience, but I kind of grew to appreciate it being a little bit more sacred, where it's not just being it's not my natural inclination to be, you know, just spewing out things, you know, willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of my friends are like that you know where it's we're just not kind of wired that way you know but um but i do admire it when i see it you know and there are people there's even you know a few on this app that seem to be able to you know in the face of it all be able to embrace like a holistic understanding of themselves you know like that that uh, natural mm-hmm. uh, masculine and the the divine feminine that exists within all of us if we're being honest you know right and um I think I've made progress in that for sure. And I can definitely tap into that. But I, I would say that for a long time, I was guilty of being, I would analyze my feelings. I would think my feelings, you know? Oh. And, and so that'll carry you for a while, but then mm-hmm. the wheels come off of that eventually, you know? And so it's, it's a question of, you know, what used to work doesn't or, or, what kind of worked could be better if you do this. So it's having the humility to really take an honest assessment of yourself of, you know, why do I want to be better? Why do I want to be in touch with these things? Why do I place value in that? Because I'm not the kind of person that really falls sway to social pressure at all. I almost have a delusional sense of self-confidence, but... But that was when I was younger. And when you get older, you realize how little you really do know. And that's not right. just saying that. You just get you get you get right sized as far as your place in the universe. And um and I've been really kind of in a very um contemplative place for a little while. Just uh, a lot of transition, a lot of um, you know, loved ones passing on and things like that. Where you just the, the sobering assessment that we're just passing through. And so, you know, so when we ask these questions, I think it's important to, to unpack it in a meaningful way and not just give some glib answer, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's like, I really appreciate that when people, you know, consider what they're sharing, you know, rather than, you know, like, again, when I'm younger, there's maybe a tendency to be sarcastic or there's a tendency to have an answer for everything when somebody asks you, you know? But sometimes there's real power in truly saying, I don't know. Exactly. I, yeah. Talking about that earlier with the, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and that's the thing. So do you think in the men in this generation, and I'm talking like men in their thirties and maybe mid twenties, um, have a little bit more of a better grip of allowing themselves to discuss their emotions as opposed to the silent but stoic type of the previous era? I think it's more permissive in the culture because as a result of maybe even pop culture had an effect on that, you know, and you've seen where the pendulum has swung and we're kind of, 
maybe kind of a broad way to say it is we're kind of in about a like a third wave feminism you know mm-hmm. From, you know Gloria Steinem in the 70s to you know wherever we're at now and hopefully striving to find some kind of equality of opportunity and outcome but again that's always an ideal and there's a big distance between the idea and the ideal right um, but right. to answer your question within um the context of where we're at now i think there's far more uh um permissive um air of you know acceptability of mm-hmm. of expressing oneself like that and not being thought of as less than or mm-hmm. um, overly feminized or something like that where there was definitely even in the 70s and 80s i mean it was still very much of that you know macho you know, stiff mm-hmm. upper lip kind of a thing. And that's still very true to a certain right. degree. But I think when the pendulum has swung in one direction, you know, the the men kind of came with that a little bit too, just to be able to hold the center, right? And also you look at the, you know, the baby boomers were a grab bag there. They were the countercultural revolution. There was the, you know, the civil rights and the, and the feminism, but then there was also the counterbalance to that, the greed and the and the and the self-absorption and the and the, the me generation. Remember that? Oh so, yeah. So there's kind of like <laughs> yeah. that toxic narcissism of a lot of that generation too, that kind of they were more self-involved. Mm-hmm. Where I found that a lot of the Gen X crowd are some of the best parents I've ever seen because of the result of them probably having a really tough childhoods that they made a determination mm-hmm. that they were going to do their best to, to really not right the wrongs, but provide a space where, you know, the kids got a chance. And so, yeah, I think that on a generalized level, there is more of a, a tolerant attitude now than there ever was. I, I think so too. I think, um, I think, the women are now like, and well, I have another question on that, but I think the women are now wanting to know because I think a lot of people, there was the divorce rate was so astronomical at one point. Uh-huh. Um, and then you get to the point where you're, you, you can't, we're not mind readers, you know what I mean? Um, I think we were okay with, hey, you know what, what's going on with you? Because at the end of the day, there's so many people that are in broken homes and some of the stuff could have been dealt with had communication been open, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. Shout out to Silverback, my brother. And with Goody, y'all. Thank you for coming in. So my other question, kind of um, devil's advocate on that whole man's perspective thing, do you feel the women have hardened because of it? Do you feel the women have become more um reserved as far as their feelings and mm. the pendulum flipped that way no but i mean you gotta you're walking right into a minefield here you're setting me up great <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no well first let me, let me, let me put on my help me, first hold on <laughs> for me let me just be clear i am very um open-minded i'm not i don't believe you know he's bad she's bad i always try to look at both sides um I don't lean either way, um, so I try to I try to be as fair as possible, 
You know what I mean? Especially yeah. when it comes to certain things. And when I ask the question Harden, it's because a lot of the times I was actually told that I was because I, I went too far on the masculine spectrum. Mm, okay. So I, that's why well, okay. I ask. Okay. So, well, I think it's a, it's a tiered question in the sense of, I think because for too long there was inequality, there was um, the scales of justice or, or fairness or were obviously way off kilter, you know, in the last hundred years, 200 years uh, with regards to men and women in general. But right. it's also, it's important to remember the context of what, you know, marriage used to be. It was more of a, it was almost like a work understanding, you know? Right. You know, come together, have 10, 12 kids, work the farm, die behind the mule at 37, you know? Right. And that was your life, you know? But as the consequence of, you know, the industrial age and, and civilization and people coming together and being prosperous and getting, you know, trading this off for that, um, mm -hmm. the roles end up changing. And if you think about mm -hmm. that, that, I mean, if we go back thousands of years, we're biologically hardwired to, to, um, to do certain things where you have predispositions okay you know, maybe a hunter gatherer maybe uh mm -hmm. you know you know all those kinds of things right? right so you can't really deny your biology in that we at least have to acknowledge that that's in there however like mm -hmm. i said we give up certain things to gain certain things and so even in the last 50 years or 75 years you've seen the roles change you know um I'll give you an example. Um, you know, <clears throat> my father and his two younger sisters, my two aunts, um, uh, their father died of cancer when my f pops was seven and then their mother died at when he was nine. So they were, oh, wow. they were, um, going to be split up. Right. Wow. And, um, my, his aunt, who I would later call my grandmother, Mm -hmm. was living in Detroit and uh, he was working at GM and they had two kids tracked house modest, you know, mm -hmm. and she swooped in and took on three other kids under one mm -hmm. household. So five kids. And um, she doesn't make that decision. I don't exist because my wow. father met my mother downtown Detroit, Lafayette towers. Wow. And, uh, uh so it's like making the right decision for the right reason at the right time and not because it's virtue signaling it's because it's what you do and that's who she was right and so he's the man i was telling you about he never said two words to me but he'd be he'd be there to smoke me at pool <laughs> he'd make a vernacular <laughs> and he'd be tinkering around in his workshop but you'd be things would be provided for and it's just yeah. what he did and it wasn't questioned. And so mm -hmm. it wasn't like a sexist thing or anything. That was just who he was as a person and who mm -hmm. she was as a person. I mean, she was a giant, literally, you know, just larger than life in more ways than one. Right. Um, and so that was just an unspoken thing. They were together 66 years. They died 20 days apart. Wow. And that's, and that's the thing. And that was something they, they would have never even had this conversation. It wouldn't even have occurred to them, you know, right. because they just, you know, 
get up and grind and do it and then do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. I mean, so honorable, you know, mm-hmm. I give thanks and praise for them every day, you know, and then I look at, you know, my parents were young, poor, um, you know, confused, kind of coming out of the counterculture in mm-hmm. Detroit and, and what a tumultuous time and place and city mm-hmm. that that is, you know, 60s and 70s and all the... The uh, hippie era? That, but also like um, the riots and right, right. white flight and the racial divisions and, and mm-hmm. the economics and, and, and then crack and then... Right, um, de- you know, devastation. Right, I mean, there was mm-hmm. there's been f- over fifty percent unemployment in Detroit since the seventies. I mean, yep. proper, right? It's worse and now so, too. Oh yeah, I, that's my backdrop, right? Mm-hmm. And so, the, my parents had real grit and, and determination, and they earned everything they ever got in their life. So I sometimes have a skewed perception of what it. Well, this is just what you do, you know. You you you, just, you get up and you go for it and you do that, and and it is what you do. Mm-hmm. But not everybody thinks like that. So, um, I guess I'm reluctant to speak with broad brushstrokes on those right. things because it it kind of depends on the context of who we're talking about. If we're talking about the millennials. If we're talking Mm -hmm. about the greatest generation, we're talking about the boomers, you could watch it in real time, how the roles were shifting. Even if you were to, like I said, look at the pop cultural perspective of that. Look, look at, leave it to Beaver to, 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 uh, to I love Lucy and, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to Mm -hmm. uh, the Simpsons or what, you know what I mean? Or or whatever that the mirroring of the culture was showing us whether that has any relevance. It's at least kind of gives you a temperature of the room. Right. And you can see that in the modern era, generally speaking, there's been a real kind of a backlash towards men in certain respects. And as far as Mm -hmm. pop culture is concerned, if you look at their roles on a TV show or in a commercial. It's always the dopey dad and the, right. you know, the strong right. woman and, and mm-hmm. da, 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 which is great, you know, but, but when the pendulum's that's far over and it stays mm-hmm. over there, I think people can get a, a skewed perception that there's um more of a contentious attitude than there really is. You know what I mean? Right. Cause that's not really what it's about is people are trying to hopefully like uh, fulfill their potential and do that. Right. Are, are coexisting mm-hmm. but a lot of times that isn't that isn't possible you know and that's the frustrating thing is you know you've probably even been in like that relationship where where it kind of fell apart not because there was anything wrong but because there really wasn't much right it just right you know what i'm saying where it's just kind of a breakdown there isn't really a i don't know if it's conviction <laughs> responsibilities or a clarity or or capacity to express uh, mm-hmm. certain things or, or the willingness to adapt or adjust or cooperate or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. Because there is a lot of confusing um, um, messages that are put out there. And it's hard to kind of wear any given hat on any given day and feel authentic, you know? Right. You know, well, it's funny. It Well, not funny, but I often say this and I, I, I started feeling this 
um because i'm in my uh, on monday i'm gonna be 46 yay Whoa. but um in my early 40s i started noticing and i really start to analyze you know the 70s and the whole you know woman equality and the feminist movement and all that and i'm all for it you know what i mean i i, I really do believe that as humans we should be equal when it comes to certain things um but i feel like within that struggle that we had within the fight for equality i feel like we somehow some way lost our femininity and Absolutely. our womanly traits um and i really feel like that was a big price to pay i agree i agree and that's a really it's 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 a slippery slope you know it's like you have mm -hmm. to be precise with your language there because that can get co-opted into some kind of like dismissiveness of that and that's not what you're saying what you're what you're speaking to is what i was saying earlier that mm -hmm. even within the best of intentions there can be complexity right and so and you know there's distortions and whatnot and sometimes it's mm -hmm. hard to really like get a clear understanding of what's transpiring you know right no exactly and i you know it's and in the same token, because of that, I think that's when the movement to where we see men differently, you know, we see them as sometimes, I mean, like you said, even in pop culture, just work, they don't talk, they don't really make any sense. They look like dopes half the time. They don't have emotions. You know what I mean? It's kind of like we dumped a lot on them while pursuing our equality. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, there's got to come back to a workable center because that really right. can't hold for that much longer. Right. But at the same token, I look at it this way, whatever works for the two people, you got to really be in sync with each other because, you know, you do have the, the households now where the women work and the men stay home. That for me, I didn't grow up that way. I grew up total opposite. The man went to work, the woman stayed home, yada, yada. Um, so it took me a while to really understand that, um, that perspective, but I do have a cousin who's my age and that's how their dynamic works. She imagine. works and he stood home and took care of the oh, kids. No. And, oh no. Yeah. Um, no, I, can't, first, I can't think of one instance of that. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. At first I was like, are you crazy? Is that motherfucker lazy or what? Cause that's how her and I grew up. But there was a little bit more, there was a little bit more of a background for that. He got into a major car accident. Uh, okay. And so, you know, there was a little bit of a disability there. So what he did do for work, he can no longer do. Uh, and so, so somehow, some way he started to lose his identity or whatever, but they worked it out and they've been married for 30 years. Well, right. excuse me, 26 years, 26 years. Um, and it works for them. Yeah. It's not something that I think I'm comfortable with as far as my relationship, but it works for them. Right. I can appreciate that. You know, I think I would have been a little more scorched earth about that when I was younger. But like I said, when you when you grow a little and you realize that, like you said, there's a whole host of factors of why mm -hmm. people arrive at a certain place. And it's not right. really my place to comment on that, you know, if it works for them. But, you know, I just know myself, you know, what I what I me too. <laughs> so do, I said it know? don't work for me, damn it. But nope. hey. No, but that's <laughs> that's cool. Different strokes, you know. Right. Oh, we got two in the clip. Let's pop them. Oh Lord. Yeah, we're not 
I see the word bitch in there. We not doing that one. Mm-hmm. So let's get rid of that. Got some trolling. I guess this is not the right room for that though. Yeah. I lose my patience very quickly. I hear you. Anyways, um, so yeah, so I, I just kind of, I definitely wanted to know that because, like I said, there was a, a room I went into and I was wondering, like, half the time men feel like they've been beaten down. Like I hear these guys and it's like, damn, are we really that bad? You know, like are we really, or are we that demanding? Or there, uh, there's a large cross section of people that are for sure. And so I think that's why yeah, it's important to be measured and precise when speaking to these kinds of things, because mm-hmm. there are no absolutes and, there, and, right. and, 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 you know, casting everybody in a certain light, you're always going to get that. Yeah. Well, what about this antidote? And, okay. Anecdotally, mm-hmm. that's correct. You know, but there are, um, uh, there's trends, there's, you know, uh, there's, there's a predisposition for, or there's, you know, that we can speak to those kinds of things. But, um, that, that has been a thing. I have seen that for sure, where there's a, uh, an aggressiveness or a dominance and, a and, mm-hmm. a, and, a, and a, almost like you will comply kind of an attitude. Um, mm-hmm. but that's, um, you know, again, that's a context thing, you know, it's like, there's a certain sector of society that's frankly spoiled you know right so there's a sense of entitlement that comes with that but it's like when people have really had to um struggle and and really know what it takes to to make it through a lot of Mm -hmm. the bullshit goes away real quick you know and Mm -hmm. and a lot of those that kind of stuff is just that's it's soft but it's it's mm-hmm. um it's kind of weak. It's manipulative when people are like that. I because I kind of lead with let's 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 go with dignity, let's have grace, let's let's afford one another uh, mm-hmm. an opportunity to understand. Let's at least start in a solution based mindset uh, rather mm-hmm. than kind of having this power struggle. And sometimes people aren't even aware that they're doing that. You know what I'm saying? Where if someone is insecure, let's say, and they're not really confident mm-hmm. in what they bring to the table, you find that more often than not, those are the ones that kind of like kick up the dust or put in some drama into the mix because subconsciously, if you engage in that, then they feel as though they're in control. Ah. And it's a weird little game that happens and and to what end, right? What are we even talking right. about? that point but there it gets into these weird like psychosomatic type scenarios and one thing i've really really strive to do is if we're going to talk with one another let's talk about the thing (laughs) let's let's agree about the thing let's disagree about the Mm -hmm. thing but let's how many times you've been halfway through a conversation you realize hey they're they're talking to somebody else but they're not talking to me you know are they talking to their dead grandfather are they talking to their (laughs) ex-husband because i don't know who you're talking to you know you know you're like whoa 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 pump the brakes on this because i'm not going to co-sign on anybody's bs let alone my own right right (laughs) so we got to at least you know you got to be willing to just check in every now and then and say hey hey, just want to make sure two plus two is still four right okay okay (laughs) you know yeah exactly Let's see, we got some D Karma. What you got for me, D? What's happening, Bree Talks? Duh. Um, 
he was just talking about y'all just talking about how people are entitled you know what gets me about a lot of women <sighs> men go through traumas too but a lot of women go through these traumas and they want to identify their worth and they want this man, primarily speaking. Some women want men to take care of them, pay all their bills and all this other shit. If he's available to do it and that's in him, he will do it. If it's not available for him to do, why do you expect for him to struggle just so you can be comfortable and not do anything except sit back that shit blows my mind well i think he's got an interesting um go ahead i'm sorry no no go ahead i was just I thought, thinking i think there's been this interesting phenomenon i've seen he's speaking to something that's really um it's become prevalent and and i'll and i'll i'll say it it's uh the the younger younger generation this whole only fans phenomenon okay has has created like this weaponization of sexuality mm -hmm. and because it's in the domain of the social media and whatnot it looks kind of like dating type sites but not obviously right it's an agreement it's you know right. it's the age old give me the money and that da, 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 right um mm -hmm. but what that's creating and i've seen this a lot is that a lot of young women are placing their value there and like in a very bold, aggressive way, and like you will comply with that. Mm. And I see that there's a lot of, you know, maybe other women who aren't as bold, who would be on the sidelines kind of looking that as the as modeling that behavior and mirroring that. And I'm talking primarily, a large swath of this is the, the 25 year old the on under crowd, right? But, mm. it's, but it's kind of like, I can see it. It's, it's really out there. And um, and it, I think it speaks to a bigger issue because I think it has a lot to do with the breakdown in the culture. You know, when you talk about systems and you talk about uh, institutions and you talk about family units breaking down, you talk about capitalism in and of itself breaking down and, mm -hmm. and where do people place value? And then within that, where do they derive strength from that, whether that's real or not, whether that's earned or not. And then that gets... Um, you know, hyper um, accelerated or, and a lot of people lead with that uh, to their own, um, you know, their own detriment, really, because right. it, 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 it makes it too one dimensional. Like that's my only value is this. And if you don't comply to this, well, then I'm done with you because it's so transactional and I'm on to the next thing. And it creates a real a course exchange where it's really impersonal right and it, and it, it lets um and there's a lot of young men that are um you know what do they call those um you know like simps and uh oh, know, a yeah, lot of yeah. you know where there's a there's a real warped mentality when it comes to uh sex and and the way that men and women are and the way that they court or date or don't and and i think what that happens is in those like concentrated centers that permeates mm -hmm. out and it kind of you know it goes into the atmosphere and becomes kind of this prevailing mood as though that's kind of the way to be you know whereas 
you know, people that were a little bit older, been around the block a few more times, like, oh, okay, I see what we got here, you know? So do you think, I, I like, because the first thing I thought of when D. Karma said that was, um, they're looking, they're within that sugar daddy realm. They're looking yeah, at sugar gonna daddy. Yeah, I was just going to say it. Sugar daddies you, and sugar babies. Look, you know what, Dove? Say what you got to say. My feelings sure. don't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, it, it just, it came to my mind when he said that, yeah. like, it's a sugar daddy kind of thing, sugar baby, sugar well, daddy kind of thing. And, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as the agreement is clear. And I think a lot of people right. are reluctant to to revisit those agreements, you know. And I think what mm -hmm. he's saying is, why is it imposed that that's what you will do and you have to do that? It's like if that's not the standard that can be met, or that isn't even something that is wanted to be met, then mm -hmm. you got to have the the um, empathy to be able to say, okay, well, I like you still, and can we do, you know? where it becomes very transactional. And I think that really speaks to kind of where we're at in the culture though. And I think that's a little bit more of a spiritual sickness than anything. Yeah, cause I mean, I have seen it, you know, where young women, you know, they demand all of this and demands all that. And then they kind of play on the guy, you know, they play with his heart, you know what I mean? So I've seen, I've even seen it go that far to where some guys, they get so um, traumatized from it because they promise all this to them. And then once the money runs out, so mm -hmm. does the affection. So does the love, so do, you know what I mean? <laughs> Causation chorus, yeah, all right. All right. Yeah, got some so, bubbles in the yeah, there. I, I get it, I get it. Um, let me go ahead. Oh, look at Dan Danielle, you twinning. We twinning, Danielle, I like it. I like it. Geography oh, class, couple. how you doing, brother? I had a couple of these in here, let's see. Love attraction. Ramifications. I think it's both ways. Hey, everybody. Ramifications here. I think it's both ways because I've seen and heard young women um, speak boldly about like, well, motherfucker, you better have some money if you're going to fuck with me because the guy is coming off like a trick. Uh, and if you don't know what a trick mm -hmm. is, look it up. I ain't got time. But um we got you, you know, got he's you. he's coming at her as if she was right. a prostitute. Right. And right. so she comes at him like a John, like a trick. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um That's true. We know men talk about sex fast right. and a lot. You guys are visual creatures. You like sex. I mean we all like sex, but I think that's why a lot of those younger women are coming at these men like that today. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's just my opinion. No, I think that's a very fair assessment. Because yeah, it takes two to tango. It's not just like mm -hmm. we're putting it all here or there. I think that's very a good reminder. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I agree. I, I feel like, you know, what she said as far as the men coming at women, like, you know, they're acting like tricks. I see that too. I see them being a little bit bold in the aspect like, yeah, all I want to do is just hit it. And they're like, okay, well, that's all fine and dandy, but what the fuck can you do for me? Like, right. if that's all you want, what am I getting from it? Because the sex exactly. will be whack. You know what I mean? But I <laughs> and it will be. <laughs> yeah, and half the time it is. Some young bucks don't know what the hell they're doing. I'm just thinking. But anyway, just... I'm going to stop. <laughs> all right, we got ramifications. I think the dating game today... Um, is, is like I was telling my mom, it's so different than 
when we were growing up and even when they were growing up, right? Mm -hmm. Because now everybody is all about self, 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 self. And it's all about the finesse game Mm -hmm. these days. It's not about connection. Mm. It's not about honesty. There's no God involved or whatever, how you're being that you believe in. There is no reciprocation. It's take, take, take. That's pretty much what these relationships are about. You'll be lucky to find someone who reciprocates the same energy that you do. And if you do, it's a blessing. You better hold on to it. That's all I got to say. My peace. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like a Tunisian knife fight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard a lot. There's been a lot of talks where um, they'll say, I don't know what, I don't know if it's red pill, blue pill, whatever. But I've heard a lot of guys say, if you're a woman who's hitting 40, that the likelihood of you finding a husband is slim to none. Right. Um. I want, you know, I personally didn't really care to get married. That was never my thing. I didn't grow up in that type of mindset. I needed to have a husband and kids or any of that. Um, I did have my child when I was 25 and she's older now, but the whole picket fence and getting married was never in my thoughts. Um, So I was single for a very long time, for 18 years. I actually had a great time. I was doing me and having fun and making sure no one got hurt. You know, I kept it mm-hmm. up front with the gentlemen's that I, whoever I spoke to or whoever I had an engagement with, um, they knew where I was coming from. I didn't want anything serious. Um, but now recently being in a relationship, which just came out of nowhere, came out of nowhere. And it's different. It's a lot different because she's absolutely right. It's like, okay, I found a good one. You got to hold on. <laughs> you got to hold on. But Loosely. <laughs> yeah, loosely to the go. point where, do you, you, and this is where I'm learning, even at this age, it's still work. You know what I mean? There's a lot of hardness in me. There's a, hard, a lot of hardness in him. There's a lot of unraveling of each other to become that one unit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I also feel within any relationship, whether it's, um, you know, personal or whether it's sexual or not, there has to be a foundation. The foundation has to be there before anything else can be built. And if the foundation is not there, that's not going to last. And it has to be built on solid, solid ground. I can, I'd say that you're both, if I can be so bold, you both are extremely dynamic individuals. So, uh. Uh, I think that that's, it's really heartening to hear you say that, you know, because I think that it's, it took a lot for you guys to earn the opportunity to be there for each other mm-hmm. at this point in your life, because I think you, you recognize the value in it far more than you would have when you were younger, just pure and simple. Yeah, absolutely. But, but what that takes, but what that takes, you know, it's a, it's a whole host of things as you well know, you know, but you got mm-hmm. a badass there. I gotta say. But you know what's so interesting? Um, yeah, he is. He's a, but so am I. So <laughs> feel sorry for him, not me. But anyways, <laughs> um, but what I do, what I do know is that sometimes, you know, 
sometimes you don't realize what it is that you're missing until you find it. Mm. Like no, I didn't but, but really realize that, that I was, huh? What does that mean? I mean, for you, what does that mean? For me, um, like I said, I wasn't the one to think of marriage. I wasn't the one to think of being with anyone committed or even in a relationship. That wasn't my thing. And so here I'm presented, you know, being in a committed relationship and it's so different than my last relationship, which was two decades ago, right? Well, look um, how much the 40s change you, though, too. 40s are different. Right. That is true. Yeah, 40s are fabulous. But um, it's not as much work as the other one was. It's not as hard as the other one was. This one is somewhat fairly easy because I think we have so much in common and we see life very similar that it makes it easier. And like I said, the foundation is built. So whenever there is a little scuff going on, when there's anything going on, we're willing to work at it as opposed to just walking away, which is I'm, not, I'm notorious for that. I'm notorious like this shit ain't working. Bye. <laughs> I could detach real quick, <laughs> real quick. But um, because the foundation was there and we do have uh, an enormous amount of love for one another, the willingness to work it out and figure out a common ground is on both sides, which in my relationship wasn't. Well, and as you as you can see, and I think a lot of people maybe here can attest to it, when, when you get to your 40s, you've burned away a lot of your uh, tolerance for bullshit. And, that you, and, and, and hopefully you have a good assessment of who you are, what you will mm -hmm. um, allow for, what you, um, what you were, are willing to compromise uh, at also, um, you just don't have the bandwidth in, in the ways that you used to, you got real responsibilities, you know, you got, you got right. you know, children relying on you. You've got, you know, you know, real world things in the path narrows for everybody. You know, the, the, the big, big friend circle that you had at 25 isn't quite there at 45. And that's not that right. that's just a consequence of life. You know, people, get married and kids move on, die, move, you know, all the things. And, and so that those who remain, it's like you curate a real quality, meaningful crowd there. And so it stands to reason that as you go into a relationship, you're coming at it from a, a really a lot more of a, a centered place in the sense that right. you're not going to get knocked off your square in the ways that maybe you would have previously. That is true. That is true. Um, let me grab these three and I have a question for you. Mm, yeah, we're not doing that. These little <laughs> kids, they're going to learn. They're going to learn. You're going to learn today, little boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let me, I'm going to play this one. Let's see. Xavier, Xander. Hold on. Why isn't it playing? Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. We okay. Yeah. A little too young for you. <sighs> oh, Bree, are you an Aries? Yes, ma'am. Getting, it's getting what it's supposed to give. It's giving Aries vibe and Aries season. Let me know. Aries yes, game, game. I'm just saying. Hey, um, I agree with her. I agree with her. Definitely would have walked the fuck away back in the day. Back in the day, if it didn't suit me, if it didn't fit anything, I'm like, yo, this is too much. I'm good. <laughs> right. I'm good. But I think that's the immature side of us. Once we grow up, right? Once we mature, it's like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to start over. Actually, 
love this person. I actually like this person, right? I actually adore (laughs) and value this person. So I want to keep at it. What do we need to do? Let's communicate. That's dope. I love it. Shout out to growth. Oh, wait, you you can like your partner? You know what? That... It's Weird. so funny because I tell my daughter this. I'm like, you're so lucky that I like you because I love you, but that doesn't mean I have to like you. Um, but <laughs> I tell my daughter that. She's like, As whatever. You threaten her. <laughs> right. That's my Aries way. Yes. I'm an Aries. Um, but yeah, so absolutely. I do. And it's absolutely true. You do have to like that person. And that's what I realized with the other person, um, which was my daughter's father. I genuinely didn't like him. I tolerated him. And that's the difference. Do you guys have a an amicable relationship now or? Hell no. All right. All right. <laughs> just saying. He's a Virgo. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Okay. All right. <laughs> what do I know? No, he, uh, yeah, he's setting it. Uh-uh. No, we just didn't. See, because of my personality and because, like I stated earlier, um, I swing, I, I lean more towards my masculine energy than my feminine energy. It was a threat to him as a man. And so we used to go head to head and me being Puerto Rican and being from Brooklyn, I wasn't backing down. <laughs> yeah. So, you Back know what I mean? I'm a triple threat right go. there, baby. <laughs> I'm a triple you. threat. <laughs> right. I'm going to cut you and eat a sandwich all at the same time. I'll play with me. But, um, that was the biggest thing for us. He would, it was his tone, it was his aggression. And for me, it was like, oh, this is how we doing it today? Okay, then let's go. All right, um, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's noted. with anyone, right? That's, but that's with anyone, for me. It, how you approach me, you'll get a response. So if you approach me, well, I feel like I'm gonna have to defend myself, then right. defensiveness is all you're getting. But if right. you come to me, you know, just like, yo, breathe. I don't like the way that you did this. Okay, mm-hmm. well, what was it that I did that you didn't like? You know, speak mm-hmm. to me regular. Don't come with your chest and the vo- the voice elevated. And no, don't do yeah. that. Drop the you bass. Know? <laughs> drop your, your, I'm going to need you to drop your levels. <laughs> drop your levels. But um, <laughs> it's fine. You know, I'm a work in progress, though. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> I'm still working on that a little bit. But, uh. Now, for the most part, though, um, my question for you was, oh, shit, I just had an ADHD moment. It had to do with women. Mm. Four bubbles. <laughs> yeah, let's get these bubbles. Let me see if I could get it. I don't know about this person. <laughs> no, come on, just let me. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I'm going to play this one. I'm going to give you one chance. So help me, Lord. Oh, boy. Here we go. Bro, come on! I was about, oh my god, just let me, let me see. Yeah, that's what I thought. Little boy, go give your mama back her phone, please. Thank you very much. (sighs) These kids. You know, God was really good to me. That's why he only gave me one, because I have no patience for kids. I don't like kids. You painted your masterpiece. Yeah, I made my masterpiece, and she's amazing. She really is the best thing I ever created in this world was her. She's an amazing person. Absolutely. But other than that, I don't like little kids. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Right. <laughs> the warm and Oh, this is my question before I forget it. What do you think? Um, you know, I'm sure you've 
had women in your life, whether it's, you know, romantic or not, what do you think is a, is the one detriment a woman has towards herself? What do you think holds her back? Um, well, as with self-defeating behaviors, um, uh, um, the self-talk, the story that can be perpetuated um, to mm -hmm. their own peril and the sense that we uh, obviously, you know, and I didn't really realize this until I had traveled a lot when I was younger, mm -hmm. that speaking in general terms, Americans right. as a whole have pretty warped attitudes about sex and, mm -hmm. and, and, and repression and aggression. And I, I can't think of a single woman that I've ever been with that hasn't been victimized in some way by mm -hmm. thing. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so there's a couple pathways you can go with that ultimately, because you can become defined by that. Right. Or it could be a catalyst for empathy or compassion or to be able to meaningfully hold the space for someone and say, look, I might not be able to make it better, but I'm here. And that right. that is something, right? And mm -hmm. so uh, it's, it's sometimes I think it's the self-imposed limitations that I can't do this or, yeah, you don't understand. See, my pain is a little bit more severe and, you know, whatever that thing is. And I, and I don't want to trivialize or, or, or minimize anybody's um, journey or struggle. Um, right. I've just seen that there's, um, there's points in your life where you kind of have to reconcile whatever that is that's haunting you or informing mm -hmm. your worldview and put it in its proper place and you keep it moving because you can become stagnant to the point of regression, right? And right. no one can do that for you but you, right? right. Because right. Because it's it's a woman's natural inclination to be intuitive, to be um, adaptive, and to um, have that grit and determination to you know to build and and also um, with a fierceness, you know, right? right, like a mama bear kind of thing. Where um, there's a, a other people that can be overly conditioned to thinking that they have to be in this fixed place forever and that they can't mm -hmm. transcend that even in the face of all of the solutions. So I think it's usually it's an inside job because like, you know, a lot of people's, you can't love me more than me. You can't hate me more than me. And that's kind of their mm -hmm. posture so that they can keep you at an arm's length, you know? So mm -hmm. there's not a real intimacy or there's not a real vulnerability. It's like this, it's this, um, you know, like a badge of credibility or it's their cloak, you know, that keeps you kind of one step removed. Right. Uh -huh. But I find a lot of times it's always a, it's an inside job, but whether it's good or bad, you know? Mm -hmm. So basically, a and I agree with you on that. Like there's a lot of women who um, have been so damaged and they haven't done the healing yet. Right. And, and you got to do the work. Yeah, you do. You do. And and then it's on both sides, too, because I also see men have been hurt in whatever capacity and they haven't done the healing and they haven't done the mending and the, and the inward work. And so they continue that cycle of hurt. 
so they find the next person and they eventually hurt them and you know and that goes on both sides i'm not saying just men um well so in, in your life like did you see that you had certain personality traits let's say as a teenager right or maybe mm-hmm. in your early 20s like you're saying maybe there was maybe you were a little tougher or maybe you were you know whatever the thing was okay mm-hmm. at what point did you remember where there was a turning point where like things that used to work for you no longer work for you and you you realize that I have to do something different if I want a different result here? Um, well, my story is a little bit different because I've been on my own since I was 12. So I had to learn how to be an adult way too early in life. But and when I was younger, I was very detached from emotions, completely and utterly. Like I didn't care about anyone's feelings, let alone my own. Um, but my turning point, ironically enough, was when I had my daughter. That was my, my okay. Well, and even with her, um, because I'm not the nurturing by nature type. I'm not the affectionate type. So having her, my first thing was, okay, I'm bringing forth this child. She needs things. It wasn't, oh my God, I'm gonna have a baby. No, no, it was, okay, I'm bringing a human in this world. She's gonna need this, she's gonna need that. And I was with her father, we bought a house and everything. Um, But it took me a while. It took me a while. But I made sure that the decisions that I made, I realized early on, even in my pregnancy, that every decision I made going forward had to be for her best interests, regardless. Well, um, would you say that I that's wanted... a consequence of your childhood, that you had to be very pragmatic, you had to be very sensible in the sense that, you know, the way that you navigated. And so that kind of went into your adult years of, okay, let's just be practical here. What do we, boom, 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 black and white on that. Or is that a holdover? Uh, wait, what do you mean? Say that again? Just meaning like that was always your approach. Like you were saying, like uh, just being very practical minded rather than being like starry eyed just like what are the things that we need to do here right well because when i so like i said i was on my own since i was 12 but even then my mother was never very uh, affectionate in that aspect my father was but i was already by myself and alone at 12 so anything under that i don't really remember too much of it um but what i did know was the life that i was living was not going to be conducive to a child no way in God's green earth was a child meant to be brought up in that environment. Um, and I've told my story. I was a crack dealer. Um, you know, that's what I did to survive. Mm-hmm. So I knew having this child and I also had angerment issues. I, I was very, very detached from humanity. Um, so I knew having her, I couldn't, you know, just punch somebody in the face because I felt like it. I had to deal with certain things because otherwise I run the risk of her being taken and put in a foster system or taken and given to a family member. And I didn't want to continue the cycle to where, you know, abandonment. I didn't want to abandon her or I didn't want to be selfish. Like I felt like my parent was Mm -hmm. selfish and chose. Oh, besides me, you know, I didn't want to 
that's a great okay. point. That's kind of speaking to what I was saying about what my observation mm -hmm. of a lot of Gen X as a whole is, is mm -hmm. not, not a negative reaction to what they saw right. as parenting, but like, okay, look, when I get my shot, this is how I'm going to navigate. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I didn't want kids. I really didn't. I didn't think I was equipped for it. I didn't feel I was shown the proper tools or given a good enough role model to be a mother. Um, because I had, even when I did have my mom around, she wasn't the type of mother that made cookies and cakes and didn't do homework and none of that. Uh, she was very verbally abusive and physically abusive. So I just knew that I didn't want to have kids because I didn't think, I didn't want to carry that on. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, oh, I um, so when I was blessed and had a child because, and because of my upbringing and all the trauma that I had physically, with all the fighting, um, I was told that having kids wasn't going to be an option without in vitro. So having her naturally without in vitro, I, to me, that was the eye opener. It was like, okay, this could possibly be my only child. Cause I even contemplated having an abortion because I was not, I knew I wasn't going to be with the father for very long, even though we were with each other for five years, but I knew that that relationship was so topsy turvy and so, um, toxic. I didn't want that to be a part of it either, <clears throat> but he wanted a child. And so when it, you know, when I became pregnant, I was like, okay, we've been together five years. All right. This is something he wants. I could do this. And this might be my only shot. And ironically enough, it was, I never had any other kids besides her. Um, so when I did, I said, okay, everything I do going forward, you can't be selfish. You got to do what's best for the child or the fetus or whatever stage I was in. And that's how I did it. And that meant I had to curve my way of thinking. I had to curve my reaction to things that normally could have landed me in jail or could have landed me six feet deep. But because of her, I couldn't no longer think that way. That Did you sense? find that you were, you were a little more measured or you, you, you maybe take that extra beat and consider something more than you would have previously? I was a lot more cautious on the, my surroundings and making sure that she wasn't put in an environment where that could even be a situation. Mm. So with like, for instance, with her father, it became so, um, so toxic that he literally tried to put his hands on me. And when that happened, that was the end. There was no, I'm sorry. I'm no, no, that was it. It was a one and done for me. And she was two years old and I never looked back. Was he in the life too, or how you guys met? He, no, 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 he wasn't. Mm -mm. Oh. No, no, he wasn't. Um, at the time, right. I think probably maybe six months before, I found that I was pregnant. I started to slow down on doing that. And I ended up being, <clears throat> I ended up starting to study in accounting and, you know, I was already starting my path in my career. So mm -hmm. it came at the right time. Um, because my mindset was already starting to change. And so I think with having her, it just pushed it. It did it a lot faster. Life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, to me, that's what changed me in that aspect. And not all of it, 
Don't get it twisted. There was times where I was like, mm. <laughs> work in progress, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, work in progress. And even with her, you know, I, and she could tell you, it took me probably six years to even allow her to hug me, mm. for me to show affection, for me to give that, oh, oh my God, that's my daughter kind of thing, because no. What, what changed? What was the, do you remember the moment? Yeah, I was with a girlfriend of mine. Um, her daughter's two years younger than mine. And we were, my daughter had just came from school. Her dad dropped her off and she came running to me and she went to hug me and I stiffed armed her. And I was like, what are you doing? And I was Not doing that. <laughs> right. And my girlfriend who's opposite of me, she's very, you know, she's just super, oh my God, my baby, you know, just real coddling. Um, I think two opposite, but whatever. <laughs> um, and she just looked at me and she's like, you know, you got to stop doing that. And I'm like, what? She's like, you have to stop doing that because eventually she's going to stop coming to you like that. Um, and what you're showing her is that you don't care for her. Kids need to feel hugged. And that was another thing. I was never hugged. So I never knew that that was a necessity for kids because I was, I never had it. Were you suspicious of it? Or you felt like there was a, um, something afoot? Like if you were shown that? I didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, my, oh, let me tell you, my daughter knows this too. So it's not a secret. When she would hug me, my stomach would curl. I would start oh. to just like, it was a, a literally, I had a physical reaction to it. Um, But when my girlfriend said that to me and pointed it out and I, that moment when she pointed out, I looked at my daughter's face and I could kind of see like something in her. Mm. And I said, mm, okay. Because my whole thought process, I want to give her the best I can. So if that means I had to sacrifice myself and what I felt, even mm. though I'm not comfortable with it, but if that's something she wants, then I'm going to do it. She was just um, very stubborn up until that point, kind of, this just, is who it, I am. It just wasn't natural for me. It wasn't natural for me yeah. to kiss you on the cheek and be like, oh, you're so cute. It, it, that just was never, uh, it wasn't a natural thing for me. Being affectionate like that wasn't natural for me. So I had to now? let her. Oh, now forget about it. It's, <laughs> yeah, forget about it. I see her and I, I smother her. her. Oh, yeah. I jump on her because she's bigger <laughs> than me. I just jump on her. She's like, mom, stop. <laughs> um, we have an amazing fucking relationship. I get on the nerves, awesome. she gets on mine, but I actually like her. <laughs> I genuinely like the person she is. So it's fun. She's like my road dog now. <laughs> yeah, she's 23 and I just, yeah, she's a great kid. Great girl. But um, awesome. yeah, it took a minute, but all right, let me pop these in the clip. Isabella, ooh, Vader. All right, we got the karma. I got a lot I want to say, but I'm a little irritated, and I know it ain't going to come out oh, right. But I'm going to try this anyway. Stay. Liking your partner is important. The problem with people getting in relationships, man, it's fine if you want to be wined and dined and spoiled and then to buy gifts and all that other shit. But you should be able to identify if that's what that person is doing. And a lot of people, a lot of men, will try and do all of that, and they ain't got it. They're trying to buy you. That's one thing I will not do. 
I will not try and buy a female. And if she want a motherfucker with six figures, okay, seven figures, okay, that has a love language of giving gifts all the time, okay, you be happy with that. I'm just, you know what? I'm listening. <laughs> so, so it sounds like to me, uh, what he's starting to see is a lot of selfish women out there. And a lot of women that are not courteous. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care about gifts. Because I can buy my own. I can buy my own purses. I can buy my own perfume, my own diamonds, my own rubies. Um, it To me, it's always been about the thought. I'd rather mm. you write me a love letter than give me a fucking car. Because I can get that. Show right. me that you took thought in what you wanted to give me. Show me that you actually thought about it. Anyone can order a fucking ring online, but let it be a ring with skulls because then I know you were listening to me. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It does. You know, but there are women and there are men too. I mean, that are selfish. They don't look at the, the actual thought behind it. They just look at, okay, well, what's the price tag? What? A hundred. That should have been a thousand dollars. No. What the hell? Like, mm mm. At the end of the day, if you if you want someone to get something for you, you should be able to afford it your damn self. That's the way I look. Yeah, at. and it should be kind of a, a clear understanding of the give and take there. Where, but but there is a very um, transactional attitude, you know, in the modern mm-hmm. day, especially a lot of it. I don't know if it's just maybe the 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 disconnect with technology too, you know, because true, you know, it just swipe this way, swipe that. You got to fit and. And there's something I've, you know, I've seen um, psychological profiles of a lot of, of like those dating apps and stuff. And I think one of the downsides of those is I don't think you're supposed to swipe towards the people that have all of these things in common with you necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Like in the sense yes. of. Yes. Like, said it, that the it, other it, day to me. It yes. shouldn't check all these boxes and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. uh, as far as I've seen the most enduring relationships, it's where. This person's providing that, that person's providing this, and, and then it makes this greater whole. And that's mm-hmm. just the natural consequence of, you know, not necessarily that uh, opposites attract, but that, you know, we're bringing different things to the table and we are genuinely better together than apart. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it work. It's those differences that make it work. You Absolutely. Know, it's, it's, it's like cognitive bias or like, or confirmation bias to, to, to say, well, you you gotta you gotta fit these fifteen metrics or else it's a no go mm-hmm. and whatnot. It's just not authentic, really. You know. I think a lot of the times, you know, we do want okay a checklist. He fits that. He likes this. But you're absolutely right because you do want to make sure you have something you know in common. Obviously, you got to have something that brings you together. But you want to make sure and like even with me and bliss, like there's things that he's great at that I am not. And there's things that I'm good at and he's not, but together we learn from each other and it kind of fits. We're like puzzle pieces where I lack. He has where he lacks. I have, and it's like a puzzle. That's how you grow. Yeah. And we still have a lot in common. You know, we are from the East coast. There's a lot of things we have in common that drew us together to begin with. And now we're just building on everything else. And whatever the differences are, we work on them. And sometimes right. we just agree to disagree and keep pushing, you know? Well, Can't fix that's, that. 
that's genuinely being invested too. You know, you don't right. want to die on this hill. You know, you see the bigger picture a little bit more clearly, you know? Right. Right. You got to pick and choose your battles. For me, it's always a battle. <laughs> I <fight laughs> but, you know, I have to give in every once in a while. Pre, pre, put, the, put the knife down. Put the knife down. There we go. Come on. There, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm learning, but no. But it, it makes Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> right. He's like, what do you do? put the knife down? What, what did you Sleeps say? Sleeps with one eye open. What? <laughs> He's like, nah, I got something. Nah, nah. <laughs> but no, but I think um, the one thing that I did realize, and I think a lot of women who have had similar upbringings, I think what I needed was the sense of security. Mm. And it's not financial. None of that. No, no, no. I needed to feel safe, which I never knew I needed. Ever. Well, and that those bonds are secure, that you're building on that. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's so interesting because I never realized it until, you know, being with him. And I'm like, I actually feel safe enough to now, guess what? Tap into my feminine side. Go on. Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> you? What? Yeah. I know, right? Um, but yeah, so to me that's what I needed. That's definitely what I needed. And I didn't know I was I didn't even know it was missing to be honest. Had no clue until I actually thought about it like why am I so different? Because I started to realize that I myself was changing. Um, naturally, it wasn't anything demanded of me. It wasn't anything that was required. I just started to realize that my behaviors was changing and I'm like, wait, what's the difference? Why, why am I changing? Then that's when I actually did the work and I looked at it and I said, that's what it is. The sense of security. I feel safe. So, yeah, and sometimes you know, it's those little things. You know, I, I asked you that question earlier about when did you see certain things change? And I remember, um, you know, when I was younger, you know, uh, a boy, teenager, was real mm -hmm. sarcastic and it was it, and honestly looking back it's you know it's the age old just vying for attention really right 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 and i would find in social situations i always got to get the joke in i always got to crack the joke you know and, right. and th sometimes there comes a turning point when you realize hey you're kind of spoiling the 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 mood here you know and i remember being at this party once and there's a bunch of people and something was said and I had this inclination to say that thing or something and it would have been a, like a dark twisted kind of a joke mm -hmm. and I didn't. And the uh. next thing that came out of somebody's mouth was this really powerful thing that we shared for everybody. Um. And it was a really beautiful moment, but inwardly I was like so grateful that I didn't spoil that moment because if i interject that comment now we're knocked off mm -hmm. into this area and that, right. that beautiful moment might not have occurred right and uh -huh. so it's like you realize that you're not the only person here you know and that there is a give and take and that mm -hmm. there is value in having an awareness of how you are coexisting with people and basically don't be an ass you know you know right. try to be you know just be aware you know a little bit more and i and i think that when that happened, it really gave me pause. And it was, a, it was a little moment, but it realized like, well, how many other moments did I miss because I had to get the joke in or, or whatever, right? Right. No, it's true. It's like once you you get that 
what I call like aha moment, you start to analyze like, wait a minute. So did I miss something because of my reaction? Couldn't, could I've thought about it a little bit more before I punched her in the head? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and also, <laughs> well, also like, you know, I was, um, I had this real thirst for knowledge and, and certainty growing up and it's just like, it was a compulsion, you know, like this mm -hmm. and somewhere, you know, late twenties into early thirties, for whatever reason, you finally kind of just pump the brakes a little and say, Hey, it's okay to just be in wonder. And maybe it's okay right. to just be in awe of the thing. And you don't need to have like this compulsion to understand everything because it's like, you're, you're kind of missing it. If you're sitting here having to have all these like defined answers and whatnot, because it's really, you're trying to control something that can't be controlled. And that's coming from a weird place, you know? And I think the more that you start to accept who you are as a person, then a lot of those little crutches kind of no longer useful, you know? Right. It's connecting to my car. Okay. Can you hear me? Connect with your car. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I have to go to the store because I'm thirsty and I need cigarettes. <laughs> I have a bad habit. I'm a smoker. But um, so my next question to you is because I know I've, I do know that you have a pretty um, good knowledge in certain areas. Um, and I've heard that you can be somewhat philosophical sometimes. And I want to tap into your brain a little bit. And I want to ask you this question. Do you think freedom is real or is it an illusion? It's absolutely real. Absolutely real? Completely. I like that. You didn't even have to think about it. What the hell? I was trying to stump you. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and, it's, and it's freedom for everyone. I think about my mentor, rest his soul. The very mm -hmm. first thing he ever said to me when I met him, freedom for everyone. And I, oh, really? when he said that, I kind of took that as like, what is he, some kind of flag waving nationalist or something? But mm -hmm. I couldn't have been more wrong because he's just talking about the freedom of spirit and the soul mm -hmm. and consciousness subjectively experiencing itself um, oh. and, and co coexisting meaningfully with other people. Hello, um, can you hear me now? Hold yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so there's there's many facets to that thing. It's uh, There's many okay. layers to that onion. So are you um, spiritual or do you have a, a belief system? Like, are you religious? I was fortunate not to be raised religious. Okay. Um, but my, but my, my father's aunt and uncle were Lutheran, um, but they didn't impose that on him. My mother didn't have any religion, uh, but my father, when I was younger, became a Nichiren Shoshu Buddhist. Okay. And so... I got really uh, a deep um, exposure to that, which, you know, I'm kind of grateful for in, in many ways because it's it's not religious. It's just more of an acknowledgement of the practice of life, cause and effect, and Nami Oho Rengi Kyo. And so... nature. Yeah, and, and coexistence and, and, and right. natural law. Um, uh -huh. You know, uh, um kind of like alchemy as above so below and uh right. but i've always had a, a 
powerful thirst to understand. And so I, I went for, like, I got rid of my TV in April of 1995. I haven't had a TV since then. And um, so I, re I replaced that with, with music, with books, with writing, with nature, with, you know, all sorts of things. And, but for, for a long time, it was, you know, I'd read three, four or five books a week. I'd, I'd get on a subject and I would just be obsessive, you know? So if I'm into string theory or I'm into metaphysics or I'm into, you know, if I, it's not enough for me to like Chuck Berry, I got to know who inspired Chuck Berry and who inspired Robert Johnson and, you know, go trace oh, it so all the way. So you hyper-focus and you dig in deep oh, yeah. everything. Oh yeah. I can't just be relaxed. I can't just enjoy it. No, no, no. <laughs> I got <I> to <laughs> obsessively like, you know, examine every aspect of it. Uh, but that's that's what I do, you know. Um, uh, but I, I always wanted to have a, a, a richer uh, understanding of the things that I appreciate. And you know, it's like with music, you know, I know that we're just all standing on the shoulders of giants. And it's always been important to me to acknowledge where we came from, you know, and, and I kind of find that way in life. So I think spiritual is kind of a catch-all phrase. I'm not even really sure what that means. I know people use it a lot. I kind of vaguely right. get in the statement of what that might mean, but um, I don't uh, um, adhere to any specific ideology. So, okay. like, um, do good. Uh, be good to your neighbor, you know? <laughs> be well, honest. Just, you know, the normal, <laughs> the what... Well, and that's the thing. I think all belief systems still have that core value, which sure. is, you know, um, be good to one another, you know? And I think there's real value in it. I think my, my feelings about that have evolved over time, that mm -hmm. I can see the... Jeez. I can see the real value in, um, in people having a structure or having ritual or having a framework for, for living. And that there's, there's, there's very much, um, a need for that, or that's going to be very good. Um, but I've, uh, I kind of always operated on the, uh, the perimeter of society of, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a wild world, you know, and that, ideas of security and, and, and things like that haven't really appealed to me. I've always been kind of curious to kind of keep going above and over the horizon, you know, but that doesn't mean that I would, you know, trivialize somebody else's experience with that too. It's just, but it's like George Carlin said, keep thy religion to thyself and also be kind to thy provider of thy nookie. <laughs> That's, a That's funny, but that kind of leads me into another question because we were talking about it earlier and got a little sidetracked. But do you feel now? Because I heard this today too, and this is why I, I, I really like this little series I'm doing because I'm gonna start asking them deep questions. But do you feel women have been too lax with their sexuality? Well. That's a, that's a very interesting question because I saw it up close and personal, you know, even in, in the family and, and, and neighborhoods and, um, it's not that long ago that it was purely a biological urge, right? 
and it's only maybe in the context of I don't know what you're going to say last 100 200 years that sex has taken on a whole other dimension on a broader scale okay as far as all of the implications and 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 so on um i think that media has done no favors to to women's perceptions of themselves okay. right when when you talk about like in the 90s when it was the kate moss look you know the heroin sheet right, right? Mm-hmm. but you know in a couple generations before that it was more of the the buxom jane mansfield marilyn monroe okay so there's like the the physical the optics thing right, right? Um, and then there was the sexual revolution, which was in theory, kind of like, I don't know if it's reclaiming something, but asserting the fact that, you know, you're a sexual creature and that there's a, um, um, a, um, a spirit of seeking or discovery or, or, or what have you not, that's mm-hmm. pretty wide and, and broad subject, but going back to what we were kind of touching on a little while ago in in the i would say the last 20 25 years mm-hmm. there's been a real premium put on the value being in in the sexuality right. i mean it's been there prior to that obviously but i'm just saying that it's been accelerated at such a clip that it's it's bewildering in the sense that you know look at hollywood you know if you're a right. woman actress in hollywood boy watch the roles dry up after 40 right right and then and look at like what people have to do to kind of maintain their their image and their and at all cost and and it Mm -hmm. and it kind of trivializes the other things that can be contributed right Mm -hmm. and then and then let's go into um porn culture you know because of technology and then you go into OnlyFans, and you go into um <laughs> well all, all of the and just the attitudes of um you know uh, how do i say this that's accurate in the sense of you know she's she's a go-getter she's doing it for herself yeah she's a stripper but she's she's gonna be a nurse and you know and this empowerment okay. thing that becomes kind of clouded in the sense of like yeah but no also you know, in the sense that you got to be really on sure footing about who you are and what your intention is, right. or else that's going to come back with real consequences one way or another, you know, in the form of right. addiction or, or violence or, right. you, know, you know, situations you just would prefer not to be in. And that's not to suggest that that almost has almost nothing to do with the thing. It has everything to do with the person. Right. right, and because we are very much of um, an optics culture, we look around mm-hmm. at, at magazines or, or TVs or, or computers or or whatever the stimuli is, and we look at that as a mirroring of, you know, even on a subconscious level of what we should be aspiring to, or, you know, your body's just not, you know, sorry about those hips, sorry about that belly, sorry about that, you know, all these things that that just just aren't quite good enough right you're just never quite good enough and and then um so there's a reaction to that right Mm -hmm. i'll be damned if i'm not good enough you know because because of the 
for a long time though kind of the warped attitudes that a lot of people had with that it's this mm -hmm. attitude like any woman could walk into any bar on any given night in any given city and leave with somebody right 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 and and, and a man can't say that you know mm -hmm. and so therefore they equate that with power which you know justifiably so but that can become weaponized ah and then and so that becomes that's the trump card and then okay you're gonna jump through this hoop and you're gonna jump through this hoop or you know you, oh, you're not we'll be that? withholding yeah <laughs> you know so, i like how you're so proper <laughs> well you don't have to be coarse you know come on let's have some decor i like that you're so proper <laughs> withholding i'm like you ain't getting that you ain't getting none of that booty no just kidding <laughs> um and so and then, and obviously, you know, and we're social creatures and we observe other people's habits and behaviors. And right. sometimes without even meaning to, we kind of pick up some of those traits and whatnot and assimilate. Mm -hmm. And and then it becomes our own. And, and maybe we're not even aware that that occurred. Right. And then that right. becomes this trend. And it's, first it's in your block and then it's in your you know, county. And then it's, you know, right. and you know, this seems to be the way people are now, you know, that's interesting that's because and, and then you could trace that back to you know what are the codes and modes of living anymore where is morality derived from what is right, right wrong? And, and if everything's mm -hmm. permitted nothing's permitted because we're living in a very chaotic age right and so there's there's this kind of uh, attitude that because i have an opinion mm -hmm. that my opinion is not only equal to yours but it's also right and that's just not true, you know? And so it, it really comes back to really, when you talk about that, it's really about people's thinking or or their lack of real critical thinking. Because to think that that's my only value in the, in the marketplace here or what have you, it's just, it's incredibly short-sighted, you know? So do you think, because what I'm starting to notice and it's on both sides too. It's like, I feel like we've gotten so detached from just common courtesy, or we've gotten so detached from just the moral compass that we're just kind of floating now. We're just kind of like grabbing at whatever we can find. Right. You know, we're hoping something sticks. Um, I don't know. That, well, that just... I think that's very much the case and i have some theories on that but i also know that that isn't going to get us far that what i see happening is we're going to have to you know rejuvenate or 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 re regroup and and maybe there's going to be different ecosystems where we kind of reassess or we we kind of take a look at our values and, and you do it on a personal level you look at the way that you know your 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 relationship is now as opposed to what one might have been 15 years ago even with that person right 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 and so you got to have that willingness to say okay you know all right this has burned me 10 times before but i'm willing to you know i'm willing to give this a shot and, and, and maybe attack it from a different angle because I, I think that there is value in establishing some kind of consensus reality some kind of acknowledgement that there is right and wrong and that there is empirical proof right because otherwise you're just left with chaos and i'm here to say that this has all happened before and that has a lot to do with empire 
and that has a lot to do with where we're at on the earth you know in 1950 there was two billion people there's 8.1 billion people now that wasn't that long ago and so as a consequence of that we're trying to coexist in a way that to the best of our knowledge there has never been this many people on earth at once like there is now and so you get desensitized i mean if you're walking down the street in new york city i mean you could very well walk by 10 20 000 people in an hour right. or two right Absolutely. and so it just becomes the sea of things and it is very detached and, and you become oddly enough more withdrawn more lonely in a sea of faces and whatnot so it's like you have to have that that awareness to be able to not only do the inner work of you know discovering who you are but also maybe having the patience or the discernment to to recognize other fellow travelers who are at least you know endeavoring to change or wanting to be better you know rather than just just kind of having blinders on and just keeping it moving right because otherwise look how many people do you know that have this jaded cynical withdrawn i hate everybody i just stay home mm -hmm. screw the world yeah i get it okay you got all kinds of reasons to to take that path right and i'm not right. even saying that it's not justified necessarily but i think it's almost revolutionary to be kind and i'm not mm -hmm. saying that to be naive i'm not saying that to be a doormat but i'm saying that it's an acknowledgement of somebody else's humanity right mm. it's it's not being on the cell phone in front of the person at the gas station and acting like they don't exist mm. there's nothing that irritates me more than when like you're losing an opportunity to have like this divine moment with this human being because because of what because you're talking to who mm. right i mean no thanks no thank you right. like you, you can at least take that 20 seconds to look them in the eye and i see you i hear you right. And so so it, do it, you so think? it comes down to you, you know, it comes down to you doing that. It comes down to me doing that and not, and us right. not to pointing our fingers at other people and the ills of the world. It's like, that right. is what being the change is. It is those I little agree. moments. I agree. Um, I think it was Tammy that put a, uh, soundbite and it said, do you think one person can make a difference? And I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree that one person can be that pebble that can make the ripples in the water. Absolutely. You know what I, mean? I, I truly sure. believe that. Time and time um, again. Yeah, so it, it is true. So in that aspect, would you say, because I truly believe this, I really believe that technology, as amazing as it is, uh -huh. it also has become a detriment when it comes to personal communication, when it comes to dealing with someone one-on-one. -on -one. Because Absolutely. now you, it's, you behind something or you're not even paying attention you're not willing to listen because you're too busy playing on your phone or wondering and scrolling through instagram you know what i mean well it's a it's you know what it is it's a dopamine it's a serotonin it's a i'm getting this superficial fix you know i i, uh, I i'm enjoying the idea of you just i don't have to deal with the messiness of the reality and so therefore you can kind of keep it at a step removed um, or it can be on your terms and it can be very conditional. And as long as those people meet all those metrics, well, then we're golden. But if, you know, if you take one cross step, well, okay, now we've got an issue, which is really, it's disingenuous. You can't really nurture something that has any depth or dimension to it. If you're just looking at somebody as a 2D representation of something, right? Because right. ultimately then they're just playing a character in your play, in your mind, right? And, and all too often, I think people 
they dehumanize one another and maybe maybe they don't mean to at times but it happens you know and and everything becomes this transaction back to that again right that it's, is true i'm gonna mm-hmm. swipe right five thousand times or left or this or that or whatever because you're just another face you're you're not you you don't have a story you don't have a life or responsibility you know what i mean it's just right or it becomes routine where you're you know you go home and you know you kiss them on the cheek and then boom you're on the couch looking at instagram or someone's well, watching tv or you know and it's on wanting the all the benefit it's wanting all the right. benefit without putting you know like getting your fingers mm-hmm. dirty or getting into the thing you know because uh that's and i and i kind of look forward to this era of technology kind of fading away because i think we have an opportunity to uh steer the ship in a different direction maybe it's a small opportunity but where you know that old thing where if it's free you're the product right so um we can have personal responsibility and maybe we can reinvest in ways that we didn't before or we take that extra beat and maybe we listen a little closer because how many times you've been sitting there talking to somebody and they just can't wait for your lips to stop so they can interject whatever they're thinking about and they didn't hear a word you said right well okay in my defense i have adhd so (laughs) so i have to say it yeah i'm talking to you okay (laughs) (laughs) listen we gotta because <laughs> I can't. I know they're there, but I can't hit them because I'm driving. You mind hitting them for me? Oh yeah, no problem. I will say this: while you have the uh, brain fart, real quick, Bree. Um, wanted to speak Library. on what Dove said earlier. Um, kind of, you know, backtrack a little bit. Um, I I do feel that women these days, hell, probably all these days, um, don't take men feelings into consideration and that's something i'm teaching all of the women around me is that hey they matter too you know they have emotions too they go through things too and so it's not all about you it's about y'all it's a us thing right and they'd be like no you trying to take your side i'm like i'm not taking any sides but i'm letting you see is that you need to take accountability for not caring about his feelings and only your own. You're not looking at things from a different perspective. Respect that man. That's your man. That's Salute to that. Keep it rolling. Yeah, I like that. Ooh, I'll answer that. That victim fucking mentality. Man, I had to check myself with that. And also not hearing the words that uh, a man says what he says is what he means so yeah hearing listening comprehending (laughs) understanding and victim mentality that is my truth ramifications out this is a great topic great discussion i'm glad you guys are having it great comment yes absolutely oh hey honey i see you down there now What's up, Bree Talks? What's going on, Dub listeners? I'm listening. I just got here, and I'm listening. All right, y'all. And yes, Bree, you're a great mom. I know you are. All right, here we go. Shout out Uh to Trip. High value, Emma. Ramifications, Isabella. Salty coffee, bliss, live wire. 
enjoying this conversation. It's been excellent. Yeah, it's been fun. Absolutely. I'm like sniper. There we go. Go ahead. I got you. <laughs> Shout out to the building. Everyone downstairs at the basement party. Shout out to Reese. Shout out to Isabella. <laughs> Salty Coffee. Live Wire. Dub Skeeter. This yeah. is a rare occasion, my brother, as I am down here. And you are up there. And not only are you up there, you are up there with my beautiful, beautiful goddess. Good evening, my beloved. Shout out to you. And once again, shout out to the building. I see ramifications just slid back in. Much love and respect. Y'all already. Respect, please. What's goody? What's up? Retox and dub, what's it do? Retox inside the mind of a man. Guest host, dub, that's what's up. I'm just here listening. What it do, big sis? Shout out to you. Shout out to you, dub. It is your girl, 222-RADARADASH222 in the building. Shout out to all the listeners in the chamber. Boom. Drop the mic. I love it. <laughs> What's goody trip? Sorry, I had to go get some liquid crack right now. I didn't get it earlier. So <laughs> the format. Yeah. Right Subtle. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get aggressive now, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, my aggressive needs are kind of... No, not right now. <laughs> not right now. Play, yeah, put a, put a check, bookmark on that one. Right. But, um, let me see, was that the last one? Oh, we have a kid. All right. Let me... Yeah. Pew, shot it. Yeah, we right. Good call. Yeah. Let I've been doing pretty that. good. Little house right. just, <laughs> Yeah, just sniper their little asses. Pew, be gone. <laughs> yeah. I have to do it. Um... But no, so my whole thing is, like I said, on this particular show, and I'm so glad, too, because I've learned a lot about you, um, and I've, I have wanted to dive into someone's brain, um, and then, at the same token, kind of learn maybe a different perspective of things, um, and having you being able to answer, you know, you've answered all my questions really well, and I appreciate that, and you said you were a musician. So, here's another one for you. What do you think about today's music? Well, I think about it a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, like I said, I've been an obsessive um, fan of every kind of music. And uh, I always go back to what Louis Armstrong said. There's two kinds of music. There's good, bad. And I play mm -hmm. the good kind. Um, and so when you, when you look back in the course of, uh, say the music industry, it mm -hmm. hasn't been that long that we've made money from music. You know, they didn't really start selling records till, you know, post-World War II because prior right. to that there were 78s and whatnot, but it came free with your furniture, like in the twenties and thirties. Um, but, but, and also in the time, you know, post-World War II, when the automobile industry 
blew up and made us arguably one of the richest empires of all time, you got this phenomenon of expendable income. You got teenagers and you got people, you know, willy nilly throwing money around in ways that they never had done prior to that. Right. And so there was an appetite for, for, for music and, um, and there was a limited amount of options. And so the bar was really high. So you go back to, you know, the mid fifties, you're looking at, you know, Aretha Franklin or, or Ray Charles, or you're looking at, you know, the Sun Records crowd or the emergence of Motown and the bar was extremely high as far as being able to deliver the goods, whether it was the songwriting, whether it was the performance, whether it was the singing, whether uh, the production, um, Mm -hmm. the promotion of it, it was, they weren't messing around because they were, they're looking to uh, provide a service and they, they were looking to make money, you know? And so, and, and that really carried through into the sixties and well into the seventies where if you were a band, let's say you, you better, but you, you had to deliver the goods to be signed to that label. There was no putting money out there and let's just see what happens with this artist. They just, that just was not how it worked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but as with everything, you know, money doesn't talk in this country, it swears, right? And right. so you get this corporate mentality that comes rushing in in the late 70s, early 80s, and they're just pumping so much money into anything that'll stick, right? And it, and it becomes this sea of options, okay? You get MTV, you get 500 radio stations, you have all these labels and independent labels and, and bar bands and this whole, you know, culture that exists around that, which ends up inevitably diluting the quality just because of the numbers. There's so many people, right? Right. And then you, you go into say the nineties into the two thousands and then that goes exponential. So I would contend that there's as much good music being made today as there's ever been, but there's just a sea of mediocrity around it. That's so much so that a lot of it gets swept away. And so on on a generalized level, there's still a lot of really great music, but the bar has been lowered a lot too, even like with a hip hop thing. Hip hop in the nineties is kind of the golden era of, you got a street sensibility, but you've got melody, you've got harmony, you've got, you know, structure, you've got, there's real meat on the bone, you know? And, right. and in, in the last 20, 25 years, there's been a, a degradation in the craft where there's a lot of people that, you know, they might get a loop and they might have some, you know, get all, you know, loaded on codeine and off we go, right? It's just kind of right. the lowest common denominator as far as, uh, the craft or the imagination or, or, or you know, and, and I, I see people who put a lot of effort into their music and it takes a lot of uh, heart and consideration and time as anybody who makes music, good music, will tell you that it doesn't just happen, you know. So there's been a real, uh, it's the paradox that some of the worst music has ever been is here now and some of the best you know but it's been devalued considerably even in the last 20 years as a consequence of technology because in the year 2000 the record industry sold more records than it had ever done okay but in 2001 
that sold the least amount. Oh, wow. Napster took everything down overnight. Oh, I remember and, Napster. And so what it did is it, it, um, it made it more of a lifestyle accessory. And there's a whole generation of, of kids who've grown up having never bought an album Facts. or, or, mm-hmm. or never paid for a service or anything. You know, there's, there's people that their golden years are talking about, you know, pirate Bay or LimeWire or file trading. And, and right. it's just, it becomes like these, it's literally binary codes. It's, it, it's impersonal where whether it was good or bad from our generation, you know, I'd save up money and taking bottles back and stuff just to save up to get that Stevie wonder album. And then I would right. obsess about it for the next three months. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd listen to it over and over again, or you look at the liner notes and you imagine, and it was kind of a theater of the mind thing, but it was also the, it was the experience. And so when you'd go to a record store and, and whatnot, yes, it was about the music, but it was about the culture. And I really miss that where it's like, you know, you, the people you looked up to that were musicians or, or ideas that were being talked about, or it was kind of this um convergence right and mm-hmm. with technology they became kind of this corporate monoculture where everybody kind of fragmented out and there isn't uh there well first of all there isn't the counterculture but there isn't that solidarity that there used to be because i mean i remember clearly in the 80s like what you listened to was who you were so if you're walking right. down the at high school there's the guy that likes iron maiden there's mm-hmm. the guy that likes ll cool j there's the girl that likes Susie and the Banshees, right? right. Mm-hmm. And never the twain shall meet, right? They're ride right. or die for that thing. And there isn't, you know, whereas nowadays because of, you know, iPods and uh, a sea of options. I mean, if you have Spotify, Apple Music, and SoundCloud, you got 260 million songs to pick from. Right. How can you have any kind of like interpersonal relationship with all? You just don't. It just isn't the same thing. It's uh. So in one way, it's kind of interesting because it's leveled the playing field and it's made it where the DIY culture makes it where there can be hip hop cats that can do things in their, in their spare bedroom, you know, and, and, and great things too. I mean, as you can, as you can attest to, even on this, this app, you know, there's some real talented people and, and, but that didn't just happen. They put in the time and the effort and the grit and the determination to kind of, you know, be able to assess that or, or they have the capacity for uh, critical analysis and they can kind of step back and look at that where, frankly, there's a lot of people in the modern era were just kind of allowed to get by on uh, laziness or the optics or they're just blasted on like Xanax and whatever and that's the shtick, you know. And it's a, it's a false equivalency is what's happened. But, you know, things always have a habit of coming back around again. And I, I kind of think we're heading into an era, hopefully, maybe I'm just painfully optimistic, is that there, there's going to be more of an emphasis on the merits of what you do, where the cream will rise to the top because you can't fake the funk. Well, and that's kind of what I was... That's kind of where I wanted to ask too, because and maybe I'm just biased because of the era that I grew up in, but it just seems like today's music, there doesn't seem to be a lot of um, the talent pool. It's like the labels are so busy looking for the next big thing, but the quality of music is not as good as it used to be. 
Like well, I don't also, see the actual look, art to it anymore. Look where the emphasis is though. You know, like you look in the last 20 years where something like MTV came more about reality shows or lifestyle um, issues and whatnot, not about cultivating artists and whatnot, because one of the happy byproducts of the influx of money that came into the industry, like in the, in the late seventies, eighties is there were major labels that would sign acts that needed development that needed time to grow. And so what they would do is they would sign them as like loss leaders. They're like their tax write-off, but then these bands kind of got good, you know? And, mm -hmm. and then, but now, you know, we're somewhere around the late eighties, early nineties. It, it's a one and done. Like if you don't, you don't pop out a hit and are generating some real revenue, like they're mm -hmm. showing you the door real quick. And it also, it, it's, it's almost like this karmic blowback too, because a lot of those record companies, I mean, that's pretty dark, you know, where it's like indentured servitude, where it's, it's like what Prince was trying to say. If you don't own your masters, your masters own you. Right. So, so do you think that the, indie artists yeah may bring back or not say bring back but kind of keep the art the artistry of music alive the indie artists well, because they do it mainly for themselves and not a big uh, record label yes i think so anecdotally and i'll tell you why because mm -hmm. i mean i've played music since i was a, a child and and i know what my generation was like you know i the cats that would practice five, six hours a night on something. We're living in an age where that just doesn't happen anymore. And I don't think that is going to happen anymore on a, on a mass level. Yeah. I mean, anecdotally, you will have those, you know, that prodigy that comes along or the people that put in the time like that. But for every one of those, there's going to be a hundred that don't. And I'll tell you, like, you know, a good friend of mine, his son is, uh, he's 15, he's a sophomore and he's a percussionist and he's exceptional. It's crazy. He's so good. Um, but I was talking to him and, and, uh, he was talking about his high school and his competing high school. And these are big high schools. Okay. Thousands mm -hmm. in both. Right. He said in both high schools, there was exactly one band. Wow. And you know, a bunch of buddies, like four guys in the garage playing in a band okay and i know that we're a lot more of a, a hip-hop culture now and so there's mm -hmm. the kind of the bedroom warrior thing and there's always going to be a vibrancy there but a lot of that is um disconnected but that not for long you know i think people do uh reassess or they reconfigure and, and never mm -hmm. count anybody out totally but i think our values have changed a lot i don't think that we we certainly don't look at fame the same way or idol worship, or you look at the intention of what certain musicians had gotten into it in the first place. Right. I mean, when real is real, real recognizes real, but then right. there's also the, the pomp and circumstance that comes with the whole, you know, fame or adulation or, or what was your real intention for that? Right. right. Um, but I really, I don't see on a mass level, the commitment to craft as much. Mm -hmm. And also maybe there's a shelf life to certain things. You know, I think that for the longest time, people would always say, well, is rock dead? Well, maybe, right. I don't know, or maybe it's not, but maybe it was only meant to last for a while because then hip hop like totally dwarfed it. It overtook it. And I remember, right. you know, in the eighties, I don't know if you remember, but 1984, 85, you thought, 
eh, hip hop might go away in a year or two. Oh yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Remember, they thought, you thought it was, it was a fad. A fad. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And then, like, you couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. it became exactly. the world. You know, it became, it became the culture. Became a subculture. Yep. Exactly. It, it became everything because of mm-hmm. you know the the sneakers, the graffiti, the dancing, the you know blah 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 the whole thing, and so. But I just don't see that kind of um, solidarity expressed anymore. It's a lot more fragmented, not to suggest that it doesn't still happen. I just mm-hmm. don't know what kind of galvanizing force is going to come along and just rally all the troops again, like a Tupac or a Biggie or a right. Kurt Cobain or a, an Elvis or a, a, a Marvin Gaye or, you know, where there's a, a, a luminary that kind of like people kind of come around or something. I just don't think we're really... I, I just don't see that happening again in that way. Maybe I'm wrong, you but know, I mean, the one thing I, the one thing hip hop did, and I don't think any other genre did, and that's probably why it blew up so much, was it spoke for the inner city kids, and it yes. also spoke for the less fortunate, and that goes to any country, right. You know what I mean? When it comes to poverty, when it comes to abuse, when it comes to struggle, it doesn't matter what culture, what skin color, none of that, because it spoke to everyone. Everyone can feel it. Everyone felt the the drug struggle and all. I think that's what it just grabbed. It just held everyone because everyone in the East Coast knew how it felt to be in the West Coast. And it was just so amazing to see how there was a voice for those people who really didn't have a voice at the time. It blew me away. I remember when that came out, you know, I was thinking of like, even, you know, LL Cool J and Run DMC and, and mm-hmm. all those cats that, that was just a game changer. There was nothing else like it, you know? And it felt like we've, like our generation finally had our music, you know? Well, you're right. Yep. Like everybody can come to that party. It's not just for mm-hmm. these cats over here or those people over there. Um, but it spoke to something bigger because it said, damn it, I have a voice and I'm going to use it. And I mean, you go back to the Bronx in 73 and they're plugging into the street lights and they're, right. you know, they're mixing craft work and, you know, uh, James mm-hmm. Brown or whatever, and somebody's doing some toasting because they're from right. Jamaica, and all of a sudden that becomes an MC, and da da ba 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 ba. But they're just doing it right there on the street, and it's mm-hmm. saying that that's what I'm saying about the DIY ethic that do it yourself if you want to do it, do it. And so there was a real robust movement in you know not just in hip hop but in like indie rock or in indie movies and and stuff right. where. People said, look, if it's going to get done, it's going to be up to us, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so there was a real passion, you know, and I've seen that on a larger scale, that's kind of subsided. I think uh, the 90s were kind of a high watermark for that with regards to, you know, hip hop and, and film and, and, and like indie music, you know, where right. these people were self-financing, they're producing it, they're booking the right. tours, they're doing the posters, they're, right. they're, they're putting the gas in the van, they're, you know, they're doing all of the things and cause they wanted it so bad. Right. Cause something's right. gotta be better than this. We gotta get out. Right. It's gonna happen. I gotta make it happen. You know, and and also doing it the way they want to do it and not being told you have to be a cookie right. cutter. And now you need to look at this person because that's what's popping right now. Oh, yeah. Like 
uh what was the there's a funny one where in 1981 neil young got mm-hmm. sued by david geffen because he didn't sound enough like D- uh neil young oh think about, wow. dark, think about how dark that is <laughs> oh, what, wow. what do you mean i i don't sound enough like me you know what i'm wow. saying so the, basically you need to you need to uh be a good little puppet and and just generate the revenue and shut up and and recoup you know our investment you know and it and it and the music industry has some seriously sinister uh qualities and a lot of it needed to burn as far as i'm concerned and you look at like a lot of people don't know like you know like what michael jackson was up against you know irrespective of his personal life and and anything right. like that there was people gunning for him you know and for his for his catalog and and mm-hmm. there's some there's some real karmic implications to a lot of that you know and i think that with real heavy consequences and i mean to the point of your i mean not to be dramatic or anything but it's like kind of a, a soul thing where right. you got people who are trying to you know i mean where you can't record under your own name that's what prince that's why he went to the symbol because warner that's brothers right. said you, you're, you're putting out too much product and it's diluting right. the marketplace and we're not selling enough. He's like, so I can't, you know, like I, I can't be Prince. So he, he went to a symbol. I mean, he did that and he took a lot of, you know, people don't flack. know nowadays, but he took a lot of flack for that. He yes, was like kind of did. a laughing stock for a lot of people. But you know, if you get down to the core of it, he was mm-hmm. right. He was right. And he had the last laugh because he owns all of that now or his family, you know? Right. But at what cost? Yeah. It took somebody like that to be able to be bold enough to say, look, you don't get to co-opt who I am, you know? Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, he did what he wanted to do. Well, you know, and I think there's people in this room that have done, they've taken the initiative to do it themselves. Hey, right. I'm going to make the beats or I'm going to, I'm going to write these bars. I'm going to. I'm going to produce, you know, and I'm going to pull in this, I'm going to collaborate. I'm going to, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to examine it. And that's really, it's really the only way it can be done on a satisfying level mm-hmm. because, you know, if you're at a major label and you have like carte blanche, you know, and all the money in the world, you're still doing that really. Right. Right. So you still have to hold yourself to account in that. Um, I just think things got distorted along the way as far as, um, I don't know if it was MTV or if there's blame or anything like that, but it just turned into this, uh, you know, product as with right. most things where it, it kind of devalues it a lot. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a long winded answer there, but I, I think that I, I, I hear what you're saying as far as there's been a real erosion in the, in the elevation of the game. But, but there's still some real powerful stuff out there too. I'm not giving up hope. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I do see a lot of um, really good artists out there with really good work. I definitely do see that. Um, Irregardless of their age too, because I've seen some people, you know, in their second part of life and um, they've been able to put out some really good stuff. I just don't think they get enough. they don't get enough credit for it because obviously the everyone's looking for the newest and greatest thing, but right. I still have hope that, you know, it'll get better. But I'm going to hit these two bubbles real quick. We got bliss.
Yeah, shout out to Dub for that, man. I think uh, another thing that you would see back in the days that you do not see now um, is these uh, record labels would take more time bringing artists along, mm-hmm. kind of and teaching I- them, you know, how to go about certain things and, you know, yep. kind of growing the personality. Whereas now, these artists come in as already created personalities, you know what I mean? And yep. it's all generated fake. Whereas you already, like all of the groom musicians, like even in hip hop especially, they got rid of those artists. And a lot of those artists never made too much of a penny um, from hip hop, like all of the pioneers and stuff like that. But these new people, you know, something completely different. It's crazy. Well, that's a great point. And, and here's the thing is you're getting rid of a lot of the people that loved music that were involved. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about like every record label at one point had a host of A&R reps, artists and repertoire. And their whole function was to interface between their management apparatus and the public at large and whatever their brand was and what that looked like. And it doesn't matter if you're Lionel Richie or uh, Cindy Lauper, right? It's like there's somebody that was interfacing with those entities to make that go along. But a lot of Mm -hmm. these people didn't just exist in a vacuum. You know, it took a lot of like nurturing. And um, there used to be this attitude in really up until the late 90s where for a fact, this is all documented, where a lot of these record labels, they would have loss leaders. So they would have these three bands that really didn't sell a lot. They maybe they could break even or cut enough, but they had the cool hip cachet. And that's what attracted some of the other artists to come in who were the big money makers that facilitated that. But you see what I'm saying? At least there was an attitude of like, well, we still want quality music and artists. And then right. after a while, it just turned into like this um, very superficial like 2D. Well, and mm-hmm. a lot of it's reality television stuff where it's like, yeah. you know, MTV can just, you know, do uh what was those first ones called the house ones or the reality oh it was the real world real world right yeah and they saw that how easy those were to to shoot and what a appetite people got for it because they're just jamming it down your throat but and then and then they don't have to put in all this money into you know a a garden variety band in the 80s and 90s i mean they're kicking out two hundred fifty thousand for the recording they're kicking out right. another maybe 250000 for the tour promotion. Next thing you know, this band's in debt, like one to 1. $1.5 million. So you're right. watching these bands that are you think are living in the lap of luxury or opulent lifestyles and whatnot. They're just keeping one nostril above water, which is a weird spot to be in when you see somebody in a, in a limousine or you think they're living high society. Mm-hmm. And that's all just smoke and mirrors because they're in debt big time and you wonder why a lot of these those they go bankrupt or suicide or drugs or 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 things like that is um they they can't they can't keep up right and and so now you're 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 uh just trying to keep the wolf at bay rather than being an artist and and that's why you you would see these head scratching albums and stuff that were put out just because they're trying to throw anything at the wall to stick just to make enough money to recoup, you know, and that that's the game, you know, and then you get into the darker stuff of payola and things that are going on right. behind the scenes. Right. And that's when it gets really like, you know, real you know. competitive. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one way of putting it, you know? Right. And, and so it's a, it's some real dirty pool there. And a lot of people, 
you know, as well, they should know, it just couldn't cut that, you know, those, the stakes are too high, you know, and, and now you're in a position like, for instance, I'm just get finishing this, this project right now that I've been working on for a year and I'm doing this, um, we're doing a vinyl press of it and right. there's only X amount of vinyl companies left now in, in America. Right. And oh. I was talking to this guy in Cleveland who does these, they're called test lacquers. So when you get the master, they, they pour the lacquer into a mold and that is what the initial record is made from. So they do a pressing from that, right? So that's the master. Well, this guy was telling me there was two companies that provided the lacquer in the world and there was one wow. in California and it burned in 2020 and there's one in Japan now. So there is wow. one company in the planet that provides the lacquers to all of these companies. If something happens to that company, it's done. The whole game's done. And the weird thing is vinyl right now has sold more this year and last year than since 1987. It's second only to streaming now. So wow. there's billions of dollars to be made doing this, but the record companies won't get involved because that's just not enough for them. And plus they're mm -hmm. not in the business of music, you know? Right. <laughs> Everything but right, right, which is That's, bizarre. It is, and 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 to be honest, I mean, yeah, you can stream music and you can listen to it on the go, but there's nothing like playing it off the fucking vinyl. Like it's literally it's so better, different. It's literally better. That's the thing. It is. It, it's, not, it's not just. It's not psychologically, it is better because mm -hmm. because analog has no ceiling and no floor, okay? But I don't care what the digital domain is, it's all binary code. So your right. brain fills in the gaps, it has a ceiling to it. It is literally better. And a lot of those right. streaming, they're coming from the MP3 days, which is about the worst medium ever known to mankind. It's like, oh, here's yeah. your delicious dish. Let's put a bunch of ketchup on there and uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it was good uh, enough for dial up. It's good enough for you. Come on, you know, right? It's horrific. The clip, real quick. We got bliss. Yeah, that's a fact, dog. Well, let me ask you a question based on the um, the Napster line wire type of shit. It kind of seems like now, given today and looking at the way streaming services operate. It kind of feels like Napster and Livewire, Live Livewire, Livewire were the test pilots for yep. what we now see today as streaming platforms. Like, oh, absolutely. What do you think about no, no. that? Like that correlation? Oh, absolutely. I think that because I've talked to a lot of young people that that, that was the glory days of, man, we can get all this music for free and all that kind free. of stuff. But it's it's also it's created. On one side has created these new ecosystems, you know, you got SoundCloud rappers and whatnot, right? It's because right. they have access and, and a lot of kids, you know, uh, don't have a lot of wherewithal, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, this is the best they can get, you know, they're trying to, they're doing their best and they're getting some fruity loops and they're getting a cheap microphone and they're, they're trying to do the yeah. thing. Um, so I don't, I don't, you know, bemoan that like, oh, these kids or something, you know, but the problem is it's devalued it to such a point that it's become more of like a lifestyle accessory. You know, you, know, you yeah, you have the rabid fans, the, the Beyonce fans and people like that and whatnot. But for a lot of people now, it's just like, it's music that rewards attention, but doesn't require it. 
it's the thing that's on at the grocery store and in the the quietly in the restaurant um but they operate on the premise that the artist shan't make any money <laughs> you know and like spotify and those things you know they got a lot of nerve in the sense of like they'll give you one one thousandth of a penny well let's mm -hmm. call it pittance you know for mm -hmm. per stream but they're building their whole empire off of that and so where does the artist come in this mix right because the artist right. is always the one getting screwed anyway right right but it was always you know the agents getting their money the the managers getting their money the uh the record people certainly getting their money the promoters getting their money the ba 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 and and if you look at the royalty rates that's how it was always based so back in the day check this out this is how insidious it got so in the 80s when you were buying records you were they were primarily they were 9.99 before cds right. came in right that was kind of mm -hmm. the pricing in and around there right, right and so right. what they would do is they would give the artist 10 percent of that okay so on any given sale you could get a dollar okay as the artist great now you get to turn around and you get to give uncle sam what 35 percent right and you give your manager what 20 percent yeah and then mm -hmm. you're giving your oh and then what about your tour bus drive okay and then what about mm -hmm. your masseuse oh uh, what about your ex what and then you know next thing you know you got five cents right right okay if that. that's that's one thing now check this out <laughs> this is where it gets horrific when cds came in we're talking about 86 87 right out of the gate they were 20 bucks a clip right and they didn't right. really change for a long time so basically from 87 to 2000 you saw the most sales that the record industry ever did and specifically you know the grunge era and then the hip-hop thing was obviously right. just massive the east coast west coast thing but then you go 95 to 2000 mm -hmm. that dwarfs all of it exponentially when you talk about the backstreet boys and the insincs and the christina aguilera's and the britney spears and the just blah 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 right? right to the point of like 10 20 30 times more and the record company was still paying the artists on a royalty rate based on 9.99 in wow. 1999 when they're selling it for 20 bucks you get what i'm saying so at so that time that they're selling more and still so what, where's that extra ten dollars going that's right. for the bigger it's for the bigger yacht it's for the third house in malibu mm. so as far as i'm concerned a lot of me is like let it burn wow you know and that and then what happened is okay yeah you got limewire and you got napster and whatnot and then you got myspace and like, ooh, okay we're reclaiming some power we can we can have our own little brick and mortar store here yeah mm -hmm. not really you're kind of making a new version of the old version it's right. only in this era now that you can cultivate a fan base enough that if you got some moxie and some grit and determination if you can cultivate a, a thousand people that are really paying for what you do mm -hmm. that's a damn good jump if you can get five thousand people who are consistently buying your music or your merch or coming to your shows or uh, uh, uh signing up for your patreon and whatnot that's a career so that's quite a bit right. different than 30 years ago when you needed to sell a million copies just to, just to break even, just to be broke, you know? The mo' money, mo' problems. I had a few friends that were in the industry and just got chewed up and spit out because you fall into this idea, well, yeah, okay, I, I got a million bucks. Yeah, well, cool, 
Um, how far is that going to go with the houses and the cars and the insurance and the taxes and the, 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 the you know? And then you're only making your money when you're out on tour, right? That's if you don't have right. any publishing, mm-hmm. right? So it's a real like deal with the devil there. And so, in a lot of ways, it's frustrating sometimes to do the DIY ethic and you know and literally pulling yourself up by the bootstraps literally but in the mm-hmm. long run you're going to own it you're going to believe in it you can monetize right. it and it's up to you as to where that goes and it's really difficult but so what <laughs> it's like if you have no choice and this is what you do then that's what mm-hmm. you do and it's on you then right because right. the paradigm shifts because you make it shift right we can't just continue to do new versions of the old thing. It just isn't going to work because people don't care. You know, it's like, when's the last time you bought a piece of music? It's been a right? minute. <laughs> now go, minute. go ask a hundred people that very question. You're going to get about the same answer. Right. Right. And so like, even in my life, I got the benefit of for a good couple of years there where I would have these artists that already had their fan base, you know, on a regional mm-hmm. level. And so then they could do a Kickstarter campaign or an Indiegogo, and then that would fund it, right? So, so basically that funded the project. So when they're coming out of the shoot, the the recording, the production, the promotion has already been taken care of. So at mm-hmm. least they have a chance to not only recoup but get into the black on that. So, you know, they could make ten thousand or twenty thousand or whatever. And, and for a, a small artist, that's a big deal, you know. Yeah. But but a lot of that has gone away, you know. Um, but I do think we're kind of heading into a newer era and I'm hopeful that maybe, maybe the promise of blockchain and things like that, that you can have autonomy, that you don't have intermediaries, you know, muddying the waters and that if you have, um, the ability to adapt and adjust or present in a new way, and you've got the goods and the quality Mm -hmm. and whatnot, or alliances that you can forge a path, but it's not for so the wait beach. a minute, wait a minute. You mentioned something and it, it, it piqued my curiosity. You said the blockchain. So do you see music and, and going onto the blockchain? Yes. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. That's that where it's going. Well, I'm not saying the so the music I'm just saying as a delivery mechanism. I, I'm not right, right, about right. The, yeah. So right. what you see, I, I I you can write this down, this is a guarantee it's gonna happen. Uh, web three and web five, that'll be the distribution model. And so I said, if the promise of it holds true, which, you know, we always screw everything up, right? Right. (laughs) But web three is already being tested on. Right. So what you, so you could say in theory, you could have like an app, like an app that you have on your phone, right? And somebody Mm -hmm. could come on there and you own soup to nuts, the whole thing. You know, like the IP, it's not like you're pointed at a a server for your website or there isn't, you're not beholden to an investor or people have put out like a, like an angel investor or capital, you know, that, that you're self-funded and whatnot. But then again, you own all of that and then you can do the distribution of that. And so let's say that hmm, there's somebody like, uh, okay, like comedians would do it and, and then certain mm-hmm. bands do it where you've got a nice little fan base and say you can go on a 20 city tour and you could fill out a 500 seat venue in each city. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're, and you're charging 25 bucks, let's say, and then, ta- you know, taxes and get some merch and whatnot. 
you can stay ahead of the ball enough to be able to establish yourself there, but also cultivate that brand to be able to have people come and engage with you. And then you could have a Patreon or something like that, right? Where people right. have a tiered right. system and they want to be engaged in you, but they're in the business of you. And, and people, it's one of the last frontiers where people still feel agency because you feel so powerless in most aspects of your life, but how you spend your money, you know, mm -hmm. you still have a say in that. So with blockchain, in theory that mm -hmm. i think it's going to be like newer newer ecosystems will break off like so what you know from 1995 to 2005 was web 1.0 and that was basically right. putting up posters and connecting them together right, right. you hop from right. one website to another and that's how you worked right mm -hmm. and then myspace or friendster comes in myspace comes in Mm -hmm. And then, you know, CIA made sure Facebook came in. And uh, <laughs> so they're, they're, they're making you the product, right? So what happens right. is big behemoths come in, okay? So you got the YouTube and you got the Twitter and you got the Facebook and you got the... And so everything kind of gets sucked up into that. You know, that's the new marketplace, right? right? That's 2.0, but it's very parasitic, you know, energetically right. and otherwise, okay? And now we're at a point where people are pretty hip to all this stuff, you know, whether it's algorithmic censorship, whether it's um, bots, right. uh, nefarious mm -hmm. forces, you know, all these kind of bad faith actors in the machine, as it were, mm -hmm. that the promise of technology could be that there is no intermediary anymore. So the onus is on you as to how you put yourself out there, but mm -hmm. you also enjoy the spoils if that could occur, right? And so if you just reduce your expectations to a manageable level you could be quite surprised at how well you could do right because if you like right. i said if you had five thousand people spending a hundred bucks a year do the math right that's not bad right 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 and then Absolutely. there's that ripple effect of that and but then i think it's important to genuinely nurture those fans and have that relationship there and so mm -hmm. when you create these new ecosystems you're curating that in a meaningful way not just a myspace account that has ten thousand fans because Tom doesn't right. care about you, you know, and Tom right, doesn't even exist, right. you know, it's like some Russian <laughs> right. bot. Everyone right? had Tom, <laughs> he was their you best know? friend. <laughs> and so I think that means that you got to have the integrity to really earn that as a fan. It's not about fanaticism anymore. It's more like a supporter or an encourager, a, a appreciator, right? It's taken right. the, it's, it's a little less of uh, the ivory tower sensibility or putting people up on a pedestal and like, you know, like it levels the playing field, you know, where it's like, you give me that energy, I'll give that back. And then we build this thing and it gets bigger. Right. And, and that's the, that's the magic of it. It's why we do that because there's nothing like that, that when we come together like that and, and the, and the sum is greater than the parts when you've had those, those holy moments at a concert or something, or that song that's the soundtrack to your life, or every time you hear it, boom, you're back to that spot again, you know, that just, right. it moves you like that. So it's easy to get, you know, take your eye off the ball and get discouraged because of all of the forces that come around that. But when you have no choice, you'll find a way, you know? Right. No, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. I'm going to go ahead and hit this bubble real quick. And then I just have one final question and then I'll let you go. I don't want to monopolize your time. And no, I'm going to have to sniper this one the words <laughs> chuck and dick i do not have to talk to you about that <laughs> you pulled the knife out like uh -uh, not gonna yes. do it Straight to we've got a heavy hitter crew here i got my uh <laughs> gentleman from the uh circle of the gods here we got silverback spoken thoughts and icon hello 
trip. Isabella, ramifications all the way through. Salty coffee been here since the beginning. Thank you. And bliss, you already know. So this has been awesome, Brie. I really, uh, really enjoyed this. I had so much fun. I, this was really fun. I appreciate your time. I just have one question because this has been lingering with me. So obviously Bliss does this show, right? It's called Pass the Ox. And it deals with people putting in music. And then if they get to a certain level, then the hosts give them a genre. And what I noticed was when it came to certain genres, a lot of people were unsure. So my question to you, do you feel if there's any genre of music that is dying out? Dying out? Yeah, because I noticed um, I don't see yeah. R&B and I don't see classical as, you don't especially see classical music. You don't see mm -mm. blues as much anymore. Nope. Mm -mm. Um, it's, you see it, but like what, for every Gary Clark Jr. there's who, right? Right. And, and nobody knows really much about that. And um, and then maybe stuff that was always a little bit more of a fringe, like um, like a Celtic or uh, uh, but then on the on the flip side, you're seeing this um, uh, resurgence of some things that I thought were going to die out, like bluegrass. That's a weird yeah. phenomenon that's happened in the last 15 years where and it really happened after the crash in 2008, where. A lot of clubs just didn't want to pay money for anything. So uh, if you could pick up a mandolin and know that and you could play, you got to know how to play it to do that. And right. I'm not even saying necessarily that it's my jam or anything like that, but there's this huge phenomenon that has happened with it. And mm -hmm. I thought that was going to die out, you know, but so you never really know who's coming along and, you know, that kid, you know, that's, got a twist on it you know and that's the thing and so i'm always cautious about speaking with broad brushstrokes when it comes to uh, it's always going to be like this or that or right. big grand proclamations like you know hip-hop's dead or there's you know right right beware of the man who says he knows you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? so out of i would say out of all the genres which is the one that seems to be lacking for better words what do you, what do you mean lacking like doesn't seem like the kids nowadays have no clue about, like seem to be missing some of the best music because they're not tapped into it and no one's doing it anymore. Well, I'm a big fan of dub. No, um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, boy, that's a good question. Um, I don't see rock and roll having the relevance that it did when we were kids, mm. you know? It, it really, I mean, if you think about it, name one big band that can fill a stadium that came out in the 2000s. I'll wait here all night because you won't be able to think of one. No, you're right. It doesn't exist because it was a cultural phenomenon. You know, it came about really, you know, there's a lot of contention about who really did it, but it's really like Ike Turner, uh, uh, Chubby Checker, uh, and, you know, Elvis gets credit, of course. And, uh, but, you know, it was a small, group of characters that were these real cultural revolutionaries of their time little richard you kidding me mm -hmm. a cat oh, yeah, like yeah. that coming out in the 50s looking like him playing like <laughs> him singing like him right that's wild you know i mean that really freaked people out you know james brown people didn't know what to do with him you know right and and so that had a real significance in the culture you know and then you look at like hip-hop you look at a cat like chuck d 
You look at uh, right. Easy E. You look at uh, uh, Nas. You look at Jay Z. Mm -hmm. You look at uh, Tupac and Biggie. They're coming yeah. from all these different elements, and we know their backstory enough now to know that the common denominators they all had a voice and they all had right. vision. And it might not have been that all of them might have been really different, but they had that. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think is really lacking. So as far as genre, mm -hmm. I don't even know that you can really assess it like that. It's about, does somebody have vision? Do they really have something to say? And mm -hmm. that's kind of where I put my flag in there, you know, and it's, it's less about where you would categorize them. You know what I'm saying? Because after a while, like, how do you categorize somebody like, Nas, I mean, he's a, right. he's a poet or something, you know, or how do you get some of these people kind of, they, they transcend the genre, you know, like, like Bob Marley. I mean, I mean, he went from a pop star to like a cultural dignitary, you know, and, and he's only grown in stature since he's been gone, you know? Right. Right. It, it takes on like a whole other thing. It's a whole other level, you know? Right. Yeah, but I do see that on a grand scale, there's, not as much visionary work as there used to be. I mean, for every, you know, the Marvin Gaye's and the Stevie Wonders and where these are just like paradigm shifters, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's because, well, it's a lot of reasons, but it's also a lot of it's been done, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's right. also that there's a lot more to distract you, you know? When you think about when you were a kid, there was days where you're bored, you know? Facts. You walk down the street and you're like, ah, I'm just going to go get in trouble because I'm bored. Like how many times does somebody just like, go what, go down any street and watch. Is there anybody just walking with their hands by their sides and just taking in the surroundings? No. How many concerts do you go to where there isn't like 75% of the phones are in the air? Right. You know what I'm saying? So there's always this, mm -hmm. the, there's this layer, there's this disconnect, you know, and but that's not to be negative or anything. It's just an acknowledgement that at this passage of time, this seems to be kind of the, the phase that we're at. Hopefully it's a growing phase, but it's hard to say, you know? Hmm. I like that. I appreciate you, Dub. I'm going to hit this last one and we'll just lock it down. Right on. Trip do say. Oh my God, I had so many in the bag for classical. Like, freaking... Chopin or Chopin, however the hell you say his name. Okay. Mm -hmm. Piano, um, Beethoven, right? There's so many options mm -hmm. to choose from. Mm -hmm. And I put, I tried to, I tried to help, but nah, it's okay. I think the one that was chosen was all right. It was just a bit much, but I agree with you too, Brie. What do you think is dying out? Um, you know what? There's two genres that I, f well, classical music. I mean, it, you rarely see anyone getting praised for them playing classical music. Um, and I think it's amazing. I would love to see it incorporated in more music because myself, and this is just me speaking, when I would hear classical music put into something newer and modern, it mm -hmm. just gave it more life. It right. just brought it out because of the, you can hear, you know, the cello, you can hear the bass, you can hear the, the horn. It, it just, it was so, it made it more dramatical with modern well, music. Like, look at like Pastime Paradise, Stevie Wonder. And then that goes right. into it's paradise, but you have those strings and all that, and that drama that mm -hmm. really elevates it, you know? 
Um, I think uh, there isn't as much great R&B as there used to be. That's the other one I was going to say, R&B. I miss the good, just love R&B. And it's not even about the sexual nature of it. It was just the the feeling, the being vulnerable and the missing and the affection that came out on a lot of those albums. It was just, and it was either men or women, it didn't even matter. You could tell right. the pain or the wanting or the lingering for you. You know what I mean? Like It just got bigger, you know, it was, it was there obviously big in the sixties, seventies got bigger, eighties, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't slow down until the last 20 years. I would say it's kind of been on yep. a, on the other trajectory, not that there isn't still stuff out there, but nowhere near as some of those high watermarks, you know? I agree. I agree. But thank you so much, Dub. This has thank been you. amazing. I um, really, thank you. I had so much fun. I had so much fun. And um, shout out to this room. Yes. This heavy hitters in here, huh? Oh, no. Much love and respect to each and every one of you. Thanks for coming out. And 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 really, thanks again, Briette. I'd love to do it again. This was great. Not a problem. Once again, thank you so much for being here. And thank you, guys. And I'm going to go get nasty with my baby. So, Whoa! Oh, you have any shows coming up? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Saturday night, 9 o'clock, Circle of the Gods with Silverback, Spoken Thoughts, Icon, and myself. Uh, talking about some some big subjects and uh, really getting a good good traction there and really enjoying that and we 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 uh, we're really having a good time with it. Yeah, I've hit some of your playbacks. It's actually a really good panel. You guys hit on a lot of topics. I like it. Yeah, um, I went into a, a room one time, but I didn't get to hear it all. But I've hit some of the playbacks. I appreciate um, that, I and appreciate uh, I'm honored to be on there with these guys. It's it's really cool. Yeah. All right. And um, I don't know what I got coming. Oh, I've got House of Elevations. Oh, if anyone has tomorrow, I've got a show with Isabella and we're doing um, Fashion Friday. So if anyone has any merch, we'll be doing that every Friday, Fashion Friday. Come out, hit my DM. We'll put you up there. If you got anything you want to do, selling books, anything like that. Um, we we want to start, you know, giving a space for the community to uh Come together and just start, you know, selling what you got, you know, putting money into people's pockets and just. Yeah, and has been doing a great out. job of that for quite a while. I know, I know. We had Trip. We were blessed enough to have Trip last Friday as our first person. So yeah, great. just hit us up and um, and that's pretty much it for me. I don't remember. Got- oh, and then Mondays, Mondays. What we got Mondays? Oh no, that's Bliss's stuff. He got um the aux. Make sure y'all hit that that. Pass the aux, that shit is fire. Make sure y'all go there. We got a comment from Ramifications here and we'll wrap it up. Great discussion and topic tonight, guys. I appreciate you guys. Shout out to all the listeners and the beautiful, beautiful panel. Dub and Miss Bree. Aries season is in full effect. Have a great motherfucking night. Pull up, drink, and smoke. All right. Out. Or whatever you do. <laughs> Thank you for all your contributions. Great, great comments tonight. Thank you. Facts. All right, Double. You have a good night, and uh, you too. hopefully we'll talk again. We will. Good night. All right. All right, y'all. Smoke bomb. Where is? What's going on, Bree? How you doing, man? 
Good. We might take a trip around the world. Oh, RJ, yay. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. Oh, shit. I thought we were going to take a trip around these stereo streets. <laughs> it's been a, it's stereo has, with the updates, have been going through some changes, but uh, we're working it out. Facts. RJ, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <clears throat> Do you guys know What's each up, other? Yeah. Square Biz. This is RJ, aka Hennessy. Hennessy with the Square Business. What's up now? What's going on, brother? I've been in a few of uh, Hennessy Poppy's rooms, man. Yeah, I've seen them around. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just making sure. Got to do the introductions, you know? I try to be the hostess with the mostest. But uh, I'm so excited for this. You don't even know. So excited. Oh, who's that sexy <laughs> hot mama down there? That's oh. my baby. Oh. Yeah, man. <laughs> Look at her. Look at you. I love that outfit, though. I love red and black. Hey, we're changing it up. We're changing it up for 2023. Yo. Moving forward in power. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Power couple. Just saying. All right. Let me get this real quick. We got Remy. I'm the first one. I'm the first one. Nanana nah, nah, boo boo. Hey, y'all. What's up, Remy? So fucking beautiful, girl. Red is your color. I'm just letting you know. Aries gang. Gang, gang. Oh, that's right. RJ, you a Sagittarius, ain't you? Yes. Ooh, we got fire. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, squares and Aries too. Absolute. What's going on, Bubba? Trippity trip, trip. Who's this? Uh, yeah, now let me lock this up real quick because you know we be getting some people want to come in here. Got to keep the space clean because I'm excited for this one. All right, we got Trip up in here. We got who that? Oh, Baba Wednesday up in here. Okay, Doughboy, what's goody? All right, let's get these clips real quick. Baba Wednesday. Yo, what up, Bree? What up, fam? How y'all doing? My dog, how you feel up there, bro? bro? Rami, you're the second one. I was sitting out here kicking, and then you pulled up. Big man. <laughs> That's what's up. What's up, Baba? Hold on, I'm sharing the show real quick in the group chat. Give me a second. All right. Let's see who we got up in here. Doughboy. Shout outs to the panel. What's going on? What's going on? It's your boy Doughboy tuning in, checking in. Bree Talks. What's going on, baby? Nah, and one. What's going on tonight? I'm good. What's up, man? Tell the wifey I said, what's up? He married to an Aries woman, too. I'm just saying, we, we everywhere. Out know? here at heaven. <laughs> <laughs> we everywhere. But, uh, yeah, so I'm excited on this. I definitely want to thank both you gentlemen for taking time out on your, you know, Saturday night to come share this panel with me. Um, the one thing I have to say about both of you, um, that you both are very level-headed men, and I wanted to get a perspective from different men that could actually, you know, communicate effectively and be from different viewpoints because square biz is a little older he has children he's married 
Um, RJ, you're single with no kids, right? You don't have any kids, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, so no I want, yeah. So I wanted to get perspective from different angles when it comes to the men um, and the mind of a man. And that's why I dubbed it that way, the mind of a man, because I think, to be honest, I think a lot of the time, number one, people tend to overlook how you men feel, how you guys think. Um, I think we don't appreciate sometimes your outlook on certain situations in life in general. Um, so I wanted to, you know, ask some questions. And um, yeah, so I'm excited. I don't know if you could tell, but I'm stoked. <laughs> really? No, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for creating a space. Oh, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. And feel free to speak candid. Um, I'm definitely not um, thin-skinned, you know. I'm an Aries, you know, I could take it anyway. I'm rough and tough as they come. And um, no, I'm not an extreme feminist, so nothing really tends to mm -hmm. shape me, you know what I mean, when it comes to females and, and, you know, what we may or may not agree with. So I don't take anything to heart. I'm not emotional in that aspect. So... I just want to put that out there. So my first huh? business is, so the title is The Mind of a Man, Pros and Cons. So I would like for um, both of you, whichever one goes first, it's okay with me, to give me three things that you feel are pros when it comes to being a man. And if you don't mind me having you say your age, because I don't really know. I think you're in your 30s, right, RJ? No, I'm 28. Oh, so you're younger than that. Yeah. Mm. So you have an old soul. In a way, in a way. <laughs> okay. Shout out to the wisdom. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Biz, you're in your 40s, right? I think. Nah, no, I'm 37. Holy shit. <laughs> Look at how oh you feel. Look at that. Absolutely. What? No way. You guys are like super like uh, so calm and so centered. Like I'm so shocked. Life be life and <laughs> you got to grow with it, right? Hey, you know what? <laughs> Facts. Oh, I'm loving it even more. Okay, cool. So, all right. Well, I'm 46, so I'm older than both of you guys. Okay, so let's go. Let's go. All right. Okay. So I need at least three. Can you each give me three pros that you feel you enjoy about being a man, regardless of what it is, um, whatever you feel? Take it away, RJ. You got it, brother. Yeah, uh, I think two that I thought off top was one would be very strong, I won't say strong mindset or straightforward mindset when it comes to handling things. Um, another one is, it's going, I got to word it right. Um, very straight to the point, logical thinking, really. Okay. And... The third thing will probably be oh, um, whew. I think the third thing will probably be um, 
probably how we focus on things as well. I don't know if that ties in with number one or if it's kind of separate, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It's wait, What's going on with my stereo? What? I don't know. What happened? Okay, but something popped up. Something popped up. <laughs> Something popped okay. up from my phone that said something about stereo and networks. I don't know. But yeah, I'll say um, uh, uh, focus, strong focus as well. But okay, would you say so, that kind of sounds like number one too? I don't know. Okay, can I have you repeat them real quick? Um, number yeah. one, uh, straightforward mindset, strong mindsets. Uh-huh. Two, logical thinking. And three, um, focus. Focus. Okay. I think those are three separate things. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Viz? What you got? So I'm going to pop it off. Um, my man, my man, Brown, Mr. Brown. It's man's world. <laughs> no. <laughs> but hey, listen, um, the, the aspect of the, the, the pressures, the pressures, mm-hmm as it pertains to um, leadership, as it pertains to management, as it pertains to everything that society looks for men to be, that what's what's historically been put on man show, men's shoulders. I look at that um, as a challenge and in a positive way. So just how society views men and stepping up to that challenge um, and exceeding that challenge or executing on that challenge is number one for me. Um, number two, is the creation aspect um from that same thought process we're inherently men and women both creators but i believe okay. that men within the society were looked at as being that that first bit um not to, to tap into philosophy or religion um but in those certain levels those certain constructs um it's that supreme being, the all, the most high, and you have it being split into fractals after that. But overall, uh, a lot of people would say that men um, would come second as it pertains to the responsibility with protecting and providing. Um, the third would be just what it is to be a man. Um, the the like like uh, rj said you know when it comes to the thought process um problem solving the the logic um the ability not to be wrapped into um heavily so much emotion and not that emotion is a bad thing but the the emphasis on men being extremely strong in their emotional intelligence, when to turn it on, to connect, to emphasize, to mm-hmm. um, communicate, and when to turn it off, to make decisions, to be swift, mm-hmm. and to take action. Okay, so uh, you know what I find really interesting on both your answers? It was more of a mental than it was physical. Mm-hmm. And okay. I found Absolutely. that interesting. I found oh, that interesting. What? I do apologize. I was going to slip that in, but it kind of got mixed in the priorities, right? Listen, I ain't got to push out no baby. That is bananas. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that is bananas. <laughs> but, I mean, if we really think about it, and like I said, I am not, you know, an extreme feminist whatsoever, and I truly believe that although women can do what men can do, I know 
that scientifically you guys are stronger than us pound for pound. You guys are built for physical work and hunting and labor as opposed to women. Not that we can't do it, we're just not physically built that way. Women are more physically built to bear children. So we physically can hold fat more. Our bodies are constructed, you know, to be able to, you know, twist and turn when it comes to having a kid. So I found it interesting that neither one of you really emphasized on that. Um, yeah, I just, I, it was more of a, of a mindset. So I think that's really interesting. It, it, it's the mindset that either makes or breaks the man, in my opinion, mm -hmm. my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. um, right. Men, we can appreciate the physical aspects of women. And we inherently know, uh, like you said, the, the contorting of the body, the organs, how things are set up to sustain life, to, to, right. to receive that seed and, and you know, multiply it. You, you know, that's what women do. You, a, a, a man or a woman even, right, can have a home, can have a house. Right. That space where a woman comes in, she makes it that home. She's a multiplier. Um, and, and men, once again, we inherently know these things. So we respect mm -hmm. it, but how society and how everything's set up from the everyday mindset of a man, it's just mm -hmm. something, since we do accept it, we don't challenge it whatsoever in the highest of spaces. <laughs> right. Um, right. It's, it's just... It's just, yeah, it's not, it's not there. Mm, that's interesting. I, I really, I do always think that men tend to be better critical thinkers because you're absolutely right, Biz, when you said that you have the ability to, you know, um, think rationally as opposed to emotionally because most women, and I say most because some women vibrate more on the masculine energy such as myself um, to where we have that ability to shut the emotional aspect of us off. But men seem to have that um, innately, if they're somewhat balanced, because you do have men that don't. You know, they are very emotional or their lack of emotion. So, and it's on both sides. Um, but I think inherently, men tend to have that ability to do it better than women. Um, for the most part. Is that a fair analogy? I would say it's fair. It's not like, I, I'm not going to always call for me. Personally, I'm not going to just, I, I give women the benefit of the doubt most of the time when they have problems, whatever. I don't automatically jump to, you're acting out of your emotions because you can really tell when it's an emotional mm -hmm. action versus them actually thinking through some shit, you know, and just talking it out. But yeah, I can, I can still see that, you know, we, most of the time, we're more quick to just try to figure it out. Now, that doesn't mean we don't act on emotions. We just probably do it in such, how can I say? It's like, you know, if we bottle those emotions up for a minute, when they do act out, it can be very destructive. So, and it's no telling when that'll happen. So, we could still act on our emotions, but it's just in a different way, you know? Right. Okay. I, I agree with that. Um there's been a, a number of conversations in various places about men and emotions. Um, and we're, we're talking general, right? Um, and it's specifically more so about myself and RJ. Um, mm -hmm. But emotions for men, they have to be taken care of in a, in a, in a different way because men and women are different. Um, right. For men, the aspect of um, 
just blatantly hopping all out into your emotions and expressing yourself how you feel all the time, it's dangerous for men because men have to go through a certain ritual, if you will, of um, manhood. And that, that right. process takes you down this hole of understanding how to maneuver in life with your emotions because a man's emotions can be very dangerous um, mm -hmm. if they're unchecked, if they're unbalanced. You know, so it's like, okay, I feel this way, but I, I may need to bottle this up. And when I bottle this up, it came out later that it, it was completely irrelevant. It didn't matter versus me, mm -hmm. you know, dealing with that emotion in real time based on how I felt um, because it can be a very impulsive thing. You know, from the broader spectrum, when we look at the differences between men and women and how we process emotion, think about in America how the general population is raised. When we think about TV, when we think about princesses and princes, when we think about the sacrifices that the prince goes through to save the, um, the princess or uh, holidays even, like uh, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, um, right. the beneficiaries of these things versus, uh, let's say, the, uh, the uh, Father's Day. Um, these things are done in a certain way. They're advertised in a certain way. And the requirements for validation are completely different. Although we're both human um, in the experience, our expectations of what we should receive or what we feel as though we are worth and desire are completely different. Um, and, and as it pertains to um, how it's shown, how it's, how it's uh, received. Mm -hmm. So, because the way I've always seen it, and correct me if I'm wrong, men, when it comes to emotions, you guys are more physical. Um, you, you're more physically driven to release that as opposed to women. We tend to be more uh, verbally communicative. We communicate a lot or, we, you know what I mean? We speak a lot as opposed to you guys seem to do more action as opposed to communicating. I can agree with that. It, it definitely when I've had moments where I've lashed out in my life, it's always some form of physical reaction before it's like verbal or just straight up vocal, you know? So yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think the spaces, you know, once again, um, young women grow up and they communicate with their peers, they communicate with their elders and like-minded people in their circles. And there's a lot of communication. Uh, men, we seem, we, we tend to study, we tend to watch. Uh, more mm -hmm. of a visual aspect. Um, my guy on, on the app, Emperor Taki, uh, even with the communication aspect, right? You'll hear a lot. Um, men will say, I think. Women will say, I feel. And the concept uh -huh. of uh, explaining. Um, but, you know, the, these words in themselves, I think and I feel, are directly tied to how we operate at times. Um, if a woman feels like something, it's because something's happened she's received it and interpreted interpreted like this to feel that way a man mm -hmm. may negate his feelings altogether um in the in the equation and say well i think this because of this but it it it, it, it you know we we miss each other in that communication because a man's basically going off of this concept of logic where he's thinking this because he's thinking um binary he's thinking analytical uh right one plus one is two a and b equals c and mm -hmm. the, the, the woman is thinking, I get that one plus one equals two and A plus B equals C. But if you talk to D first, you can still capture C or one plus one is two for sure. But mm -hmm. why not just multiply it and go to this step? 
and it it may take the man completely out of that loop because it's it's mm -hmm. a linear way of thinking at times okay so do you think like when it comes to certain things that women tend to convolute things with their emotions like uh, even with communication like um you both stated that you know you men seem to communicate straightforward or at least get to the point and as for women do you think we convolute things with our emotions and kind of go around it instead of just saying what we feel and expect you to you know just read our minds i i think it's i think it's more of women tend to try to bring up a whole lot of things sometimes to where Yes, this one particular thing probably set them off, but, you know, it could be a, a chain of different events that led to it. So sometimes for me, for some people, it might be you think they're just talking around the problem, but somehow, some way, all of this is connecting. And that's something I've kind of learned when listening more with women and understanding that they're just giving you the whole network of how they done got to this point, to why they're mad, you know, so... I mean, sometimes it could sound like that, where it's like mm -hmm. there, where it's all, it, it sounds like nonsense, but when you really listen or really hear what they're saying or you piece it together, somehow, some way it's all connected, you know, so it, it's not, it's, it, you, you got to listen. I was going to say it's easy to figure out. It's not. So you really got to listen. Yeah. It's, There's it's more not, layers. It, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a lot of layers. <laughs> Because it, it does come through, uh, you know, thick at times because women like men, some, well, once again, generally speaking, we right. care about each other. We really do. So right. from the nurturing aspect, she may take you around the world twice to try to pierce her point into your mind. So she's yelling at you pissed because you didn't take the trash out, but her anger has absolutely nothing to do with the trash. She just doesn't want to add on to the stress, add on to the day. So um, her her release, her breaking point, the camel, that, <laughs> the hay that broke the camel's back, is out of everything else that's going on, and you don't take out the trash too. That's it. I'm done. And she she uh, that knee jerk reaction. She snaps on you because of the trash, and you like yo you you're wilding, you're crazy. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you'll be all right. And now you're dismissive to her feelings when she hasn't expressed mm -hmm. her feelings because she's coddling your emotions in the in the in the moment and fear mm -hmm. of how it may be perceived, or she stated it in a way that you couldn't understand. Um, mm -hmm. So it went unheard and she kind of just kept it in. Uh, so it, yeah, it's, it's different. Huh, that's interesting. So if there's like, if you could have like your own little magic wand, when it came to communicating with women, if there was a, if there was one thing you can advise us to when speaking to you, what would it be? Like, what would you want us to do or how would you want us to communicate with you to where it would be effective? And I know it's in an individual basis, but I mean, kind of like a roundabout. Um, how would you think it would be more quick. effective? For me, it would be to completely throw away everything from the past. Throw away all expectations, throw away all experiences, throw away all thought processes, whether it was family, friends, exes, whether it was television, movies, songs, <laughs> throw all that away and talk right. to me like a person. 
talk to me like I'm your best friend. Um, mm -hmm. And in that space, mm -hmm. I believe that it's clear and cut because you don't feel as though you got to come some kind of way. You don't feel as though you're being weak, you're being too soft, you're going to be hurt. You know, it doesn't matter. All of these um, constructs and different situations that are not necessarily applicable to our mm -hmm. situation, this moment, our communication, all that gets in the way. Mm. Okay. I see. Yeah, and for me, it's, I can agree with all that too. In a general sense, it's like, yeah, just me person. Okay, personally, me, mm -hmm. I can accept either way, you know, because I'm as understanding as I am. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind accepting. It seems like it. You're not making sense, but I also mm -hmm. can see the sense the more I listen, you know. But I, it's one thing he said, talk to me like your best friend, mm -hmm. because somehow, somewhere y'all, y'all reach this level of communication where if it's around the world or straight to the point, it always going to make sense. And I think when you are bringing something to me or bringing something to my attention or whatever may be bothering you, I feel like if we're already on some form of connection, like I'm your best friend in a way, mm -hmm. then it makes everything easier. So it's really, for me, it's really not about the delivery. It's just about how we are, no matter how we, how we are and how we speak to each other already. And then here comes this problem. Our connection is going to help me really understand exactly what's going on or, you know, and especially be verbal about what you need when you do come to me with something. If you feel you, you need to just vent it out, tell me. If you're looking for a solution, tell me, because there are times where, like me and both said, we we tend to think logically, so we're automatically gonna try to jump to helping you solve the problem, but maybe mm. you don't need a a solution. Maybe you just need to vent it out. Just tell me that, so my mindset can get to that point where I'm just gonna listen and react and not help because maybe you don't need my help at this point, or, or tell me you need a solution, and then. Once you done told me everything, now I can give you a solution. That's important. Um, I actually took took that one. That was a jewel I heard uh, some years ago, and mm -hmm. I opened conversations with that. You know, when when certain situations are brought to me, hey, before we get started, I need to know up front. Do do you are you coming to me from a standpoint of wanting me to just listen? You need to vent, or do you need my insight? You need my opinion because I need to know up front because like like RJ said. If you're coming to me and you're um, you're venting, right? And there's mm -hmm. a problem. My response is okay, problem solution because we need to get past this. But if you mm -hmm. just need a space, a safe space to kind of just release, say that because this whole thought process that you should already know um, right. I'm supposed to be able to read your mind. Once again, that's that that's that radio, that's that television, that's that fairy tale. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, I think you guys are making sense because it is true. I, I, I like to say fix it, like men are fix it people. And um, even myself, I'm a fix it person. You bring me a problem and I want to fix it. And I think um, starting it off like, okay, look, I just need to vent. I don't need you to fix this. Just, you know, listen to me and let me just vomit, you know, verbal vomit on you. And that's it. I'm done and go away. Or, you know what? I do need your help with this. Like, I need you to help me figure this one out. 
So I think that is a, uh, a way to communicate between each other. I think it'll help because you're right. It would put you in a different mindset as opposed to fix it. Cause there's sometimes we don't want you to fix anything. We just want you to listen because you know, Diana couldn't pick up the phone and normally we just spew it out on her, but she busy. So now we need to spew it on you. Right. <laughs> yeah, let me let me know if I need to take mental notes. Or I just need to grab me a drink. I need to know what mindset I need. Right. To <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, let me get these two comments real quick, and then we'll get back to it. All right. All right. I got Doughboy. From my aspect of it, when it comes down to us as men to handle emotion, it becomes physical because it's not the fact that we don't know how to communicate well. It's more of y'all don't care about how we communicated. So now we got to come out in a physical form. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. But it depends on who you're dealing with on how they take your emotion. So as a man, it just depends. Like you can care about the emotional verbal form of me explaining things to you versus you care more with the physical way i explain it so it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing but i love the topic y'all got going on i love the topic y'all got going on that's what's up i appreciate your input though boy for sure and guys if you have any input definitely let me know i do okay. i do with that one go for it um Shout out to spaces like the Manosphere and uh, places that are digital where we kind of tap into um, mansplaining and what is manhood and the awareness and responsibilities of, of these places, right? Everything he said is, is truth. These are the pros and cons of, of men. Um, the, that, that would, I would look at that as a con. The pro to that, though, is turning that around. And um, this is just my perspective, right? That that allows those those crises moments, those moments where we're on the crux, we got to deal with frustration or friction, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's that space where we tap into that management of a man, that leadership of a man, um, and owning our complete environment, um, where it's like, okay, from a leadership standpoint, a management standpoint, if I had employees or I was a supervisor and I had this and that that I had to network through. Um, you know, okay, I got this type of person that thinks this way and has to communicate this way because that's just who they are. Their circumstances, their environment, their exposure has brought them to this level. But I appreciate them in my business, in my life, whatever the case may be. How do I navigate what I need to say to get through to that person so that we're on one accord and this thing gets completed in a harmonious way? And if, if I cannot do that, if my skill set if the other person isn't receptive to it, whatever the case may be, is this person something that I need to consider alleviating, freeing from my business or my life? Um, and then from that experience, from those results, sit back and reflect on that so I can put myself in a better position in the future. These, these are the uh, ebbs and flows of what it is to be a man um, in, in this space. And that it's not a, it's not a, it's not an easy breezy thing. These are a lot of life lessons and experiences where you have to develop this type of thought process if you don't have that ability to stand on shoulders of those that came before you in wisdom. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show was because I really did start 
I have, I should say, I've been seeing, it's been a while, it's been a couple of years where I'm starting to see how the attack on men from women has been. Um, there is a lot of good men and there's a lot of, you know, not so good, but it's on both sides. And there's times where you have a man that's truly genuine. And unfortunately she has baggage from a previous relationship. And now he's trying to mend her from that because she doesn't know how to release it. Or she's in that state of mind to where she hasn't truly healed and he's dealing with that baggage that she brings when it's not his baggage, you know, and it goes vice versa. There have been men that are hurt too by women and women are trying to help them heal. Um, but I wanted to focus more on the men because we always hear about, you know, toxic men and how men do this and how men do that, but we never really see or hear your side of things. I mean, is it really toxicity or is it the fact that we're becoming too um, needy or too complacent in how women are being perceived and just expecting men to just catch up or just to, you know, undo what they inherently know. Does that make I, sense? It, yeah, that, <laughs> I think it, we've learned a lot of different uh, toxic things or not so uh, healthy ways of how we handle things about how we, you know, we spoke on earlier, like with our emotions, we've learned so many unhealthy ways of dealing or processing or just going through like with our emotions where it's kind of like now, like for women, it's so many different things we're seeing now with how they are becoming more open about how to fix things. It's, we see spaces for men like that. But it's not pl as plentiful most sometimes when it is like it is for women. And right. then sometimes they don't give us that space to be in the same place. I'm, I'm, I'm an equal person. What I feel women do to support each other, I want men to do the same thing. And then what we do to try to listen to them and hear them, I'd I like the same thing back. You know, I don't want the, the double standard there. So if we're trying to help give you that space when you need us to, you know, vice versa, give us that space as well when we need y'all to, because the way y'all might want to vent or mm -hmm. whatever, like we might want to vent like that too. Like I, I've had a woman friend where I just, she'll ask me the same question I ask her. What do you need me for right now? Right. Oh, you just need to talk this shit out. You need to vent. Go ahead. And then I would just go. And then th that's that was our dynamic. She gave right. me the same thing I gave her. So I think that's the thing that I, I don't know. I, I don't usually see a lot, but yeah, that's something that I, I'd like to see more of. I think um, in, in that space, right? Uh, <sighs> toxicity comes from the lack, the lack of accountability. Mm -hmm. When we lack accountability, um, from yeah it's good baby from men and women alike um what ends up happening is we we want to project we want to take we, we start to look at the rear view mirror instead of the windshield our, our existence is always going to be the past and oh this reminds me of this or so forth and so on versus asking the right questions to make sure it's not or um, stating your emotions 
or your feelings or your thought process and instead of holding it in because of past experiences the last time i did that this happened right. when we take that accountability we remove any opportunity for fear you know mm -hmm. the the false expectation not appearing real or whatever the case may be however right. the acronym goes um being accountable in these spaces and it, it allows you to be your authentic self it allows right. you to place uh, the correct boundaries it allows a person to actually see you for who you are and they're forced to deal with that versus the 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 initial meet and greet and the cuddling of um you know you're a really nice person i want to put on this face so that you know i can you know this that and the third and then once we're solidified in a relationship okay this is me um mm. that autistic uh, that uh, authentic self um just being raw being who you are being accountable it, it takes away a lot it prevents a lot but once again that whole man manhood space mm -hmm. that's something that you have to learn at any mm -hmm. age and it's a continuous thing without that right. we we look for the validation because we're not we, we look for that understanding because our boundaries aren't clear when somebody right. says hey what kind of person do you want in your life what kind of life do you want? And you hesitate to respond. It's because mm -hmm. accountability, you haven't yet taken that, that, that space yet to figure it out for yourself. So when you're dealing with other people and situations come up, those, mm -hmm. that same thing comes up and people are looking at you, not from a judgmental place, but it's just like, okay, we're, we're starting to change the roles because if they don't know, I'm going to start pulling, I'm going to start leading. And, mm -hmm. and we end up in these top more toxicity. In the 90s, the agenda was a lot of men talking crazy and wild about women. Well, it's 2020 right. plus now, and it's, it's the, the shoes flipped. Right. <laughs> so it's right. nothing's new under the sun, but we just changed roles. Because men lost that grounding, that understanding mm -hmm. that I'm a man, this is what I desire, this is what I require, because I know where I'm going. I have my vision, and anything outside of my vision doesn't equate to me. So if you don't equate to where I'm going or what I'm doing, sweetheart, this ain't going to work. Now we're in the right. space of the chase where it's like, man, shorty, she nice. Um, this lifestyle, it looks nice. Whatever the case may be, it looks nice. But does this align with who I am? And when we take that accountability and we say it doesn't, we start to kind of eliminate a lot of things that don't make sense. We start eliminating a lot of these wants, a lot of these, you know, quote unquote needs, um, people, expectations, and it brings a level of balance, a calmness, centeredness. Now, when you say accountability, and I go to like, let's say if there was um, a misunderstanding or some type of error that occurred and someone needs to take accountability, Saying, okay, I'm, I take account of, you know, I take accountability for it, but not correcting the behavior. Is that really accountability? I would say no, because it needs to be a full thing. If I say I'm going to take accountability for my actions on whatever, the, whatever happens, mm -hmm. the, you know, saying sorry is one thing some people I, I, I learn from family you know i would fuck up and do things i'm not supposed to do and i will always say sorry and they would say oh you always say that but you don't really change so i started putting change into the accountability like i'm gonna take accountability for my actions 
And then everything I do going forward without saying sorry is basically going to be like my sorry. I'm just going to do my best not to repeat the same thing. And I think sometimes we don't really know what the accountability looks like in every unique situation. But Uh... for me, just for my, for whatever it is for me, I know for me, it's like, okay, just try your best. You, I'm going to feel sorry. I'm going to feel sorry for whatever happened, if it's my fault. But how do I act about it going forward, which would be focus on me, work on me, so I don't make the same mistake again. That's the the best thing I can do. My answer is a little different. I say Mm -hmm. accountability. When somebody wants to claim as though they're accountable, right, and they say Mm -hmm. sorry, and they still act within whatever they were doing or whatever the case may be that brought that sorry Mm -hmm. along, they're still being accountable. But now it's the other person that they apologize to to take their accountability on as well. Because if somebody says sorry, they apologize, and they're still doing the same thing, if you're not being accountable to yourself and realizing that this person doesn't have in that moment the right tool set, whether it's awareness, whether it's the how-to to to fix Mm. the problem, that's you being accountable to yourself to say, okay, just like you mentioned with uh, certain people dealing with life, life be life, mm-hmm. and they haven't figured it out and they have a whole bunch of baggage. The yeah. hope, the hope and the expectation that somebody can save somebody, that you can put the cape on and just bear and grit through it with them, that's problematic. That's mm-hmm. when we become invested in somebody else's change, what causes codependency and re- mm-hmm. resentment. Because I invested all this time in you and you said that you was going to do this and we've done all of these things and you still haven't changed. Where's mm-hmm. your accountability for sticking through that? You chose to be in that situation because you had the expectation that somebody was going to change their ways, although their words did not meet up with their actions. Facts. I'm, I agree with you 100%. 100%. That's why, I mean, people can say what they want, but... I'm always looking at your actions. Always. Absolutely. Because- mm-hmm. And the, the flip side is, once again, when we talk about manhood, how right. to be a man, how to lead. It's one thing to say sorry. It's another thing to be aware and really sit with self and reflect on, okay, mm. I love this person. I love myself. What did I do that was disingenuous? What did I do to harm myself? And if I love this person, that that still harms me because I wouldn't want to do somebody wrong that I love. I don't want to do anybody wrong. But if I'm doing it and I'm un un, if I if I just don't know, I gotta sit with self and I gotta really reflect on that if I care to know, which is more a character trait. And that's why I said mm-hmm. it's still accountability, because somebody's right. character can speak for them even though they may not be able to because they're unaware of themselves. Mm-hmm. This is all growth and awareness that we have that's to be accountable in all of our lives. Yeah, yeah. That that's why when I feel any emotion on whatever goes on, no matter if it's a mistake I made or whatever, whatever I feel in the moment, I really sit back and study. Out like, do I feel like this? Why am I feeling like this? You know, I don't be embarrassed about if I do feel particularly well on whatever it is. I might be fearful of something. I might feel embarrassed, or do I was like, what is it? accept that you feel like this and then I don't know how to operate with that feeling so I can change or 
do better with the situation or know how to really fix the situation once I know how I'm feeling and accept this is how you're feeling. Don't try to throw it away or swallow it down somewhere. Like just accept this is where you're at right now with your feelings. And and I agree with that. That's why I said it's dangerous, especially for young men or men that have come mm -hmm. from places right. that have been rooted in trauma, PTSD, shootings, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, just just the, just the streets, the grime, the, gr the grit, right? If you mm -hmm. just act impulsively based on your emotions, it can be a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. It can be a dangerous thing for yourself and other people versus through maturity through life, through kind of just sitting and reflecting for a moment, that stoic statue where the guy's kind of got his hand on his chin, you sit and reflect <laughs> before you take action. Because if not, your actions can be detrimental to yourself and society as a whole. Mm, that, that is true and that's very interesting too. Um, I think somewhere along the line, um, that little piece of information has been lost because you see a lot of young men not really, I don't know if it's because they don't have the space to or, um, you know, people who they can actually go to, but they do lose themselves in that action. It's by design. It's by yeah, design. It's... We, we uh, tend to, as men, we're, we're, we're very visual, right? And we're, we're mm -hmm. driven by uh, creativity. We're driven by goals. We're driven by what we can acquire, right? The whole thought mm -hmm. process, process of everybody being a king or a god or a man. It's all about right. dominion. It's all about taking what's yours, even if it's a small piece and not taken from a, a misogynistic standpoint or, or a theft right. standpoint, but carving out what's yours in this life and expanding on it, making it feel like home. You want to make it feel right. like home. But when we see that from a visual perspective, what does it look like if you don't have it within, in front of you in a, in a quality and a balanced home, a quality balanced um, community? It looks like everything that's not. It looks like television. It looks like the things that con are continuously impressed on your mind through advertisements, through through all of these things. So we, we see that and we want to attain that, but we don't know how. And the how is where you lose those gems, that wisdom. You know, be the mm -hmm. tortoise, not the rabbit. Be stoic, think, philosophy. All of these winding stairs that men had to mm -hmm. go through in a, in a space of manhood have been strategically removed from society mm -hmm. when you're talking about raising young men and it's been replaced so women are now looking for that traditional man which still will right. provide them a space for them to blossom into who they need to be and experience what they need to be without all of the um protection aspects where a man will say hey uh, -uh don't do that uh, uh don't wear that it's not because mm -hmm. a man is looking at it well you just trying to it's my body my choice and you want to just let me in and try to do this it's like well no nah, baby if if it's my job to protect you and certain yeah. situations come up in this situation this is now blossoming out of this, mm -hmm. I don't want to be in a situation where I got to protect you because of your choices and I got to protect you often, sometimes risking my life. I don't want that for me. So I may say this to you, but without the ability to communicate that and mm -hmm. the ability to have the awareness to properly vet somebody or vet certain situations that you are bringing into your life, that you are, that you are, that you are. Now you are creating situations for yourself and then turn around without that accountability and blaming the thing that you invited. Mm. So would you say by design that now society has made it to the point where women don't really 
believe in the man's abilities and trust in him to lead like he used to and more questions about it. You know what I mean? I think that when women are able to see it because they're tired of hearing it, when they Mm -hmm. can actually see it, when men can actually see men, when young boys can actually see men and their results are Mm -hmm. tangible, it's in their face more than what's happening on TV. If they can see the process, they're able to trust the process. When the trust Mm -hmm. is present, everything else goes out the window and they are willing at that point to concede with whatever it is that you're saying when they can see the fruits of what it is that you're talking about. But if you're just talking out of your ass and you don't have anything to back what you're saying, you're no different than that that, that person in the church that's just screaming and saying, okay, pass that plate around for the third time. And it's like, okay, here we go. Right. Huh. All right, let me get this bubble real quick. We got scruff. What's going on, Bree Talks? What's up, RJ? What's going on, One? How y'all doing? Uh, much love. Let's go. What up, um, I'm going to leave these two in because I don't know them, and I'm pretty sure they're kids. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, they look like little kids, so I'm not even going to play them. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because what I do... You know, you hear a lot, oh, the alpha man, the alpha female, dominant one, the submissive one. Um, What I started to notice in my own relationship and just, you know, with the man that I deal with in general, it took for me to really feel safe, to feel um, his ability to protect me, however, for me to actually be submissive and fall in line with my feminine energy. Um, Typically, I always went head to head because like I stated before, I'm, you know, I resonate with the masculine energy more. So being in that feminine energy is not very comfortable for me. And then lo and behold, it became a natural thing to be submissive with him because the level of protection that I felt from him and the level of safety without, and we're not even talking anything physical. It was just his uh, being and his at, you know, his aura and just in the way he is allowed me to fall back into that, you know, feminine role and naturally. So do you think, um, so my question would be, do you think now, it's becoming more of a head-to-head battle with that? And are they taking it out of context when they say submissive and dominant? Um, it's hard. It's kind of hard for me to say it definitely is a head-to-head as in like uh, women are trying to make it a head-to-head because, yeah, you look at how the world works for a single woman or a single mother. Like, they they have to be masculine. And then there are women who are just naturally like that. So when you talk about the dynamics of relationship and how both of these energies do come together, I think it is going to be some form of head to head if you don't want to bow out, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, and to me, I you think know. sometimes when people, <laughs> yeah, it's like sometimes when people, like you say, you, you fell into that. And it, cause some people look at, that mask energy and see okay this is something that 
allows me to feel comfortable to just fall into being mm-hmm. feminine. But I think sometimes it's head to head because some people, that's just how they've always been. And it's not just because of the world, it's just that's natural who they are. And then now you need to pick a partner where you can still have that masculine energy, but you're not butting heads. But some women don't want to pick the partner that's like more feminine or they're not going to challenge their masculine energy. Some women do pick them guys and they might subconsciously say, can you, can you put me in a feminine energy? Maybe not necessarily mm-hmm. telling them, you know, like really force them to do it. But like some women just right. might look for that, you know, and then once they find that, they're like, okay, bet I'm just going to, I'll share me in my feminine energy. But I don't know. Sometimes it's just, they might not want someone to be, to not to, to be that mask energy for them to settle. And I think that's probably why they want to butt heads because um, I usually don't see too many relationships nowadays where the woman is just naturally the masculine person. It's rare. I'm not saying I don't see it, but I don't right. see a lot of relationships like that, you know, That's good. because they want to, they want a masculine man in some form, you know. Right. So I would say that, um, well, first thing, man, RJ, man, stop that, man. You definitely know. Own it. You know it. Stop playing. <laughs> um, Secondly, though, man, um, so it's two parts, right? Mm-hmm. You have, um, once again, that cape aspect. Everybody, they, accountability. And, and I'm sorry, I keep going to this because obviously it's important. It's okay. When we, <laughs> we, when we see these situations, whether it's a man or a woman, let, let's right. just stay on men since we're talking about men, right? When, you, when a man sees a woman uh-huh. and he's like, man, she's beautiful. Um, she's taking care of her business. She she is everything that I am looking for. And they go out on a few dates and he starts to pick up things, um, these 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 markers, flags, whatever you want to call them. And it shows past traumas. And he's like, you know what? That's all right. We can work through that. I'm not them. That has nothing to do with it. What it has to do with is what that person is willing to let go, what that person is willing to see in you if you display it. Because she will concede, and, and you're absolutely right, submissive, because the word has been thrown around in so many different talking points. It's a word right. that nobody respects until mm-hmm. it's, it's necessary, until it's easily done because, oh, man, you're different. Oh, man, right. I, you know what? I see what everybody else is talking about. Now my mind has changed because it is an easy and seamless transition. When somebody mm-hmm. is living their truth and doing what they say they're supposed to do and they're going to do without it being asked. When you're right. introduced to something that just fits and feels right, you're at ease. It's like getting a massage. Your body starts to, all that tense stuff starts to kind of just, it's left on that table. That's right. what that baggage, that's what that trauma, that's what that masculine energy does. When it's met with true masculine energy, that masculine energy from the female, it melts away. You are because so right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't, can't be in two spaces at once. Now, the other side of that is when, like you, like RJ spoke about with women that choose that, they choose the submissive man. It's because they don't, they, it's not that they don't desire what they desire, it's that they don't believe that they can attain it. So they stop uh-huh. looking at it. They may see it around them 
And it's just like, nah, he wouldn't be interested in me. That ain't my type of guy. A person like that is already married. A person like that is probably a finesser. It's probably a, a player. He probably got many women. So they don't even shoot their shot of being, you know, the, the look, the interest, where he can't even potentially come up to you because you're approachable. It's it's not. I'm not even going. I'm not even going to waste my time. You you create a barrier. You create your castle that that princess is hidden in. Right. So it, it becomes a circle after that, and you start to choose over and over and over again what you don't want, and then you get mad at what you don't want because you want it to change when it never was. Women and men both get mad at the opposite sex because they saw all this potential, and yet mm -hmm. that potential was never actualized. And they get mad and they project it on the other person when in fact they're truly mad at themselves because it's like, mm. God, again, I was on it. Like, <laughs> this is why, with all these things that I'm seeing with men, like these them, those two famous people, when they were kind of telling their women, This is how I want you to be after. Mm -hmm. I get it. You do see potential in people, like, like you say, you, you see potential. But I think the problem is we have sometimes we ignore what we really want when mm -hmm. we see something good. And then when mm -hmm. we get something good, we want to put what we really desire onto them. And they're just not going to do that. Can some people make a change if they really choose to? Sure. But I don't think it's the right way That's of thinking to say every time to say, yeah, I once I find someone, this person's a so-called good thing. Now I want to throw all of these things on them that I really want. I I want more men to just write down exactly what you desire. Write down exactly. No, 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 hold on. So you do that on there on them. You said something that was important. You said something that was important. People find people that meet certain check check marks if you will right right and then when they find that person they add more on to them could you could you go into detail about that what does that look like it's like, like give us an example like okay i, I can use myself like I, i've met someone before and i might have had a list of how of type of person i always wanted but here comes this particular person they might not be everything but they're hitting like you said they're hitting some things that i'm like man, I don't, I don't want to pass up what I think can be a good thing. And in the back of my mind, I start thinking maybe they'll fall into all of the other things as time progresses. Maybe before I communicate with them and tell them what I want, maybe they might start to turn into that. And then down the line, they just don't. So now I'm like, damn, they're not becoming everything I, I would like for a person that I'm with to be with. So I think that's what some people do in relationships. They see you might have 20 things you want a person to be, to be perfect. Yeah. That one person might have seven. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, damn, they already got seven. I'm not going to pass up on them. Let me just see how they go. <laughs> and maybe they'll hit the rest of these as we go on, but they just don't. So question. Well, I'm not, not necessarily question. I would say statement. Yeah. Um, from from that whole aspect of manhood, growing into what it is to be a man, um, mm -hmm. this is where through once again awareness, experience, conversations, these stories that we hear, uh, well, I'm not gonna say that we hear, but stories in general, where we mm -hmm. can like the the rabbit and the tortoise that gives us perspectives in a philosoph a philosophical way that we can understand on so many different levels. 
that's where patience comes in. I believe the dating scene is so convoluted that people think they found something, right? And it's a good thing, like 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 mm-hmm. RJ said, and they don't want to pass it up, which is cool, which is cool. That's the dating process or even the courting process. But I think people jump in so fast and invest so quickly that mm-hmm. when it doesn't pan out, when out of the 20, there's only seven, which is less than 50%. So it's a losing, it's a losing <laughs> battle. Battle already, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, you know, instead of saying, okay, we're going to date, you know, I want to know more about you. I want to mm-hmm. see how you really operate. And um, this may take months because they're mm-hmm. not rush on your life. But people mm-hmm. are now so quick to um, jump in and let the other person drive them. Well, listen, I ain't going to be your girlfriend for so many, so much time or whatever the case may be. You need to make me a wife. Well, if she hasn't presented herself to you as a wife and you're waiting for the other 13, then this is where you need to be honest with her. But the honesty with her first comes from the accountability and honesty with self. Right. And we, right. we missed that class. We missed that class. So we go through this whole thing of being young and man, I got a I got a girlfriend. Oh yeah, you dating such and such, and it's cool. And it it it, it trickles into adulthood, and we become professional daters. Or we with the the the, the worst part of it is being a a man. All right, mm-hmm. so let me let me say this real quick. Uh, there was a show uh, someplace at another time, and they were talking about is it the same thing for women? to have a high body count as it is for a man to have a high body count. And they were talking about the differences between the man having a high body count and a woman having a high body count. Right. It's not as bad for men, but what is bad for men is when they have a high love count. When ah. men have continuously <clears throat> given their all, because when women, when women have a high body count for men that she loves versus just getting one off, it's problematic because she's going to retain that resentment. She's not going to give herself as much to the potential future, which actually hurts that relationship. Men don't operate like that. But when men give that love to multiple women, they will hold a certain level of resentment. They will become women haters and not give themselves as much to their relationships. So this is why we have to be patient with ourselves because it definitely has effects. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, but I guess it also varies too, because, um, I think it depends on the people, you know, obviously it's specific to certain people when it comes to body counts. Um, cause like for me, myself, I don't care because I don't really care to teach you how to do certain things at my age. I'm 46. Um, you know what I mean? I'm not looking to be your mama and I don't want to be your teacher at this point. I need someone that's gonna you know we can learn from one another and learn new tricks with each other but i think you should know the basics before you can <laughs> approach me <laughs> you know what i mean absolutely no. absolutely no some um, yeah yeah no some man we can build <laughs> yeah i feel like that, that's i'm not necessarily saying it, it needs to that's be part of the 20 but it's it's, it's kind of like a different thing like even if you don't know i think some if a woman don't know what to do if there's the man is able to do everything or know everything or know exactly what to do in the moments that seems to always be the better outlook than I, I, it never fails. I will hear women say, I don't got time to teach you. I don't got time to teach you this. I don't got time to teach you how to do this or show you how to do that. So it, well, I will say that that <laughs> is actually 
So I guess when we say that, it's like, okay, come knowing something. Because at the end of the day, when you're with someone new, you still got to teach them because you may not like the technique that they used on their last person. Everyone's different. So what they may have been okay to get away with with someone else, that's probably not going to work for you or vice versa. So you still got to teach them how you enjoy things. Be willing so, to learn. Don't yeah, exactly. What you've been doing is what you can do with everybody. Like, be willing to understand everybody's going to like something different. And you got to be able to listen to them and be like, okay, let me let me hear. This is why I agree with what he just said, like, really dating and taking time to get to know someone and reading them. The more I get really read and know you and listen to you and hear about the things you like, the more I can adapt. I have to be able to adapt to that and be like, if I really want to deal with you, then I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to jot this down and I'm going to remember this because if I really want to deal with you, I really want to build something with you, whatever the case is, I need to be willing to learn how you are so I know how to throw that back at you and give you what you desire, basically. Right. And I wanted to spin the block on what Biz was talking about, well, both of you, when it came to, um, you know, finding someone and they don't fit all of the checks on your list. Mm -hmm. Do you think a lot of the times people, instead of going and actually being with someone that they authentically get along with and can work with, they go with the potential of what they could be? as opposed to who they really are? Sometimes it's the potential. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I could say it's the potential because maybe they, it could be something about them that just is so strongly like something you did. It could be physical. Maybe they physically are exactly how you like, exactly right. how you like, but they don't got everything. And you're like, bro, I really would like for them to just hit the mark on everything. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't have it all now, but maybe they will. And I think that's that they fall into that potential of hoping that maybe physically they fit everything I want, but now I need the mental to get on board. And I don't really know where they are mentally to check all these boxes. Mm. So now I'm just going to be with you off the potential now. I think, though, that for, for me, for me, right, the mental mm -hmm. is priority over the physical because the physical is something that, if it is not, let's say exactly what I want, right? Maybe mm -hmm. we can go to the gym together. We can we can get it in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we can work on a lot. I gotta be flexible in that space. Physical right. fades, mental right. fades a lot slower. Mm -hmm. Mental wow. can create a living hell, where that physical is a beautiful devil. Mm -hmm. Um, it it's you can have somebody that has everything going on physically, but mentally. She wants validation from everyone else, including you. Mentally, what does that mess. do to you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're so hot like, mess. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm willing to take where I'm at right now in life mm. and something that matches me where I'm at right now in life. If that person mm. has the mental capacity to grow with me as I transition through life. But right. if that person is fixed, I will always and have in the past outgrown people. Where mm -hmm. it's been a situation, I'm I'm on a rocket ship shooting straight up that ladder, and that right. person is now sitting back, and they ultimately came out and basically said that they resented how I was moving in life. It had nothing oh. to do with me. It had everything to do with 
what they didn't feel was possible for them. It, we hear it all the time, right? When it comes to wealthy people, right? Um, you don't know anything about this person. This person isn't a celebrity. This person isn't in any type of politics, but right. they're driving a certain car. They live in a certain house. They may share select pictures during a holiday. Immediately, somebody will say, oh, they probably sold their soul to the devil. It's a projection based on mm -hmm. where that person is mentally, how they think and what they feel is accessible to them and what they will put in place as a safeguard so they don't feel bad about themselves. They don't feel as though they're lacking within themselves. They don't feel like, okay, I tried it a hundred times. I'm not gonna spin a block again and try it 101 for success. I've made a resolution to stay where I'm at and anything that challenges where I'm at, I'm gonna demonize it so I'm not I'm not pushed to, to do something. I'm, I'm happy in my uh, misery. And if you challenge my misery, I'm going to come directly after you. I don't need that in my life. I need somebody that's going to say, okay, I'm here, but I'm willing to grow. And and that's that's cool. I'm not above um, reproach. I'm not above mm -hmm. uh, hearing my mistakes and my errors and actively sitting down, listening to make change for our collective growth. But if a person isn't willing to, you know, in arms do the same as I'm willing to do, that's problematic. Yeah, that I agree with that. I agree with that, especially when all of a sudden you're moving forward and that person is still back there and they're complacent and they're okay with being back there, but yet they're trying to pull you back down. And that's let, yeah, let me Let me say that too, right? So if I'm going all the way up the ladder, right? And you're mm -hmm. sitting right there with your little house on a prayer and you're cool with that, I'm cool with that. We don't have to have right. the same type of thought process. But Facts. don't don't rain on my parade because I'm not gonna right. I'm not gonna try to pull you into a world that you don't want to be in. But if you're right. okay and you're strong with where you're at, I'm happy. I'm not trying to pull you into this this board meeting. I'm not trying to pull you into this space right. where you gotta show up and wear certain clothes and eat a certain way. Nah, we can come back home, kick our shoes off, wiggle our toes, and cut up some fruit and go in. You know, but right. I'm not. I, I don't want you to make me feel as though I'm doing something wrong because of my ambitions and my goals. Everything doesn't have to be 100%, 100% where you have to eat what I eat. You got to go to the bathroom the way I go to the bathroom. Respect me and I'm going to respect you. Right. Yeah. I agree. Let me hit these messages real quick. We got Doughboy. I want to answer on Bree's question. In today's society, I believe they've changed narratives for women to expect a lot more. But their expectations is not necessarily something... That's a goal mindset for the man himself. Women want to take the lead on a lot of things because they feel they can make a better decision. They feel they can make a better outlook and choice on situations instead of leaving it in the man's hand. Roles have switched so much to us. De-emasculation of men has been out here strong and heavy as hell. So a lot of women feel like they can step up into those roles. So when it come down to certain situations, I mean, let's just be real. If you a strong mindsetted woman, you a strong mindsetted woman. Go for it. But some dang times it's not exactly y'all. Oh, I Yo, think he got another I gotta, I, I, I gotta keep it 100 with that one though real quick, man. They step into that role because the role is absent. It's vacant. 
Mm. The moment, once again, that men say, you know what? I ain't worrying about no woman right now. I'm not dating. I'm in my bag of me. Everything that's all about me that I need to get in order, I'm going to do that. And when I'm done with that, or I'm at a certain point now where I can kind of slow down and focus on building a family, procreating, or adding to a family, so be it. When a woman is entering into that space, she doesn't have to be in a masculine role because you're in it. When there's an absence in the space, that space is going to be mm-hmm. filled. And if the man isn't willing to step into that space, he's going to step back into the submissive space where he's coining inside him with everything that she's saying, because the masculinity and the femininity, that duality, it exists in both people. So if she's leading, you're following. If you're leading, she's following. There's always Mm -hmm. going to be that duality. There is a sweet neutral spot. That's very rare to find, but there is a sweet neutral spot, but that comes with a lot of patience, grounding, Mm -hmm. and respect for each other. Because once again, as a leader, as a manager, you know the strengths and the weaknesses of your team. Whether it's at work, at home, on a sports field, if somebody's strong in something, you're going to let them drive that in. If you're strong in something, your teammates are going to let you drive that in. But that's a balance. Yeah, that I can agree with because that's always where my mind goes. Like I get when it comes to leading, if you got this particular type of energy or how you how you are you could be the leader or vice versa they could be the leader i always like for me i would like to picture any relationship i'm in i don't mind us both knowing when our strengths in a particular thing is needed instead of looking at the other person saying well you're the leader you're supposed to do this you know so i think a lot of people it is rare to see to see that's why i said it it is rare and and with that right going back to Mm -hmm. the mental space If we're looking for that, if we're looking for um, a woman to be like, okay, I know that this woman is strong in these suits. Is that woman strong in these suits truthfully? And if she is strong in these suits, is that woman okay with leading in that suit and then falling back once she gets out of that suit? These are the things that we have to look for, which does take time. Because if she has the mindset that, man, listen, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. You only do this. And she diminishes your value in that space or you diminish her value in that space, it's not going to work. So the mental aspect, although they may cover these bases, it's cool. They have to be Mm -hmm. mentally aware and still on the same path, still working together for the same team. You know what? I have to agree with you on that because, um, you know, I've learned, I've been dating, you know, Bliss for almost a year. And I've learned so much in this one relationship than I've done in the last two. And one of them, I was with him for 10 years. Um, When it comes to leading, what we've been able to do, and naturally, it's not something that we've actually, um, you know, set to do. It just happened where we take the lead when we know we're the strongest in that area. So when he, you know, like I always say, he's a lot more approachable, he's a lot nicer and kinder to people and accepting of people than I am. So when it comes to certain things, he'll take the lead on that. And then when it comes to like the finances, because I've been in business, I have a degree in accounting and all that. When it comes to certain things dealing with business, he'll let me lead in that aspect. So we've been able to switch it on and off. And I agree that's balance right there. We don't really fight for um, dominancy or none of that. We don't really fight for that. 
man, I want to say shout out to my brother Bliss, man. And you know what? You, you made an awesome point about the finances, right? Um, I, I don't want to let that go uh, without without saying, you know, salute to you on that as well, right? Men historically have been quote unquote the breadwinners, but guess what they do with that? They turn around and bring all those ducats and throw it right in a bucket and put it on the table. Here you go, baby. Go ahead and manage this. Go ahead and sit down and tap into all the particulars, make sure all the bills pay, whoop -de -whoop -de -whoop. but here's that abundance to do so. It's teamwork. People have gotten away from that, so it's, 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 it's a lot going on in that space now in, in our current society. But this is what always been done. It's, you know, when we look at these quality relationships, these uh, traditional-based relationships from the past, it was always teamwork. Right. Nobody wants to operate you, as a Saudi, team. Everybody's out for self. Real That's quick, crazy. thank you, Scotty Scotty, for being a fan. I just saw that. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Um, no, I agree with you. It is teamwork. And I think, um, I don't, like I said, I'm 46, he's 46. We're the same age, and I think it came with, you know, um, learning from past relationships and actually diving into our own growth um, separately and then now growing into a relationship where we are trying to, and I won't say trying, we're bringing in the best aspects and then working on those that we need to work on, whether it's together or individually. Um, but we hit a sweet spot to where we don't argue about certain things. And then if there's something we need to address, we try to address it as appropriately as possible. I'm hot-headed though. Like it's always, <laughs> I'm always the one that's just like raw. And um, you know, I have to take a couple days to calm down or whatever. And, but for the most part, we're able to get through it. Like it's never been something really detrimental. And if we did get to that, you know, to that point where we're like, okay, this is just, yeah, we're hitting a wall, both ends, we're hitting a wall. Then, you know, we've gotten advice from people who actually thoroughly stay neutral, but that care for both of us. And it kind of helps us see what the other one doesn't see and vice versa. So that's what works for us. But let me get these messages man, salute, real quick. And we'll salute back to you here. guys, man. It's a work in progress. I'm gonna tell y'all right now. <laughs> always is. It always is. <laughs> All right, we got Doughboy. Sorry about that message got cut off. But like I was saying, when it come down to it, times have changed, things have changed, and it's come a long way when it come down to having things set by a man and being pushed out versus we all know some women is the head of the household and the man can be right damn there. If she a strong woman, she a strong woman. I agree with that. I think I think some men. I mean, because <laughs> right, it's, it's like you know, some men mm -hmm. aren't. They just not that right? right. It's not that they don't deserve love, and and this will probably be the only time I use it in this conversation. The whole concept of the alpha and beta and gamma and so forth and sigma. <laughs> so all these right. all these different you know uh, boxes. If you are a beta man in that space, right? And you have mm -hmm. an alpha woman who is in charge and she loves you and you love her and y'all doing what's best for each other and it works for you guys. So be it. Everybody yeah. deserves love as long as it's healthy. If, if yeah. her being in that masculine space because you don't have the aptitude as it pertains to business and making quality decisions, but you mm -hmm. satisfy her in other spaces where she still respects you. 
Because that's that's the bottom line. That woman, as long as that woman respects you and she lets you lead in certain spaces as a man, you have you're not gonna have a problem with that because you know your role. You know what she's good at as the team, you know what you're good at. And if she's leading in a number of aspects and it's still going in a direction, if you have a direction that you're happy with, hey, so be it. Right, I agree. What's going on to the gentleman on the panel, everyone in the room? Hope you guys are well. I do want to ask the gentleman um, a question. I know we are speaking on terms of relationship right now, but I have to ask you guys this. How do you define your role as a man in supporting and uplifting other men? Please let me know. Thank you. All right. Remy out. I need you to stay out of my brain, Remy. I need you to stay out of my brain. Let me get these last two, and then we can answer that question, if you don't mind. Let me get these last two. All right, we got Scruff. Okay, one. That's something that I can finally get behind. Um, Personally, I see people as individuals. I don't see any gripe in this be a man, be a woman thing. Um, I think each individual has their strengths and finding those strengths in the relationship, finding that balance between one another and each other's strengths and weaknesses is the true balance. I don't think there's any uh, hard logic in masculine or feminine traits or roles, but... I'm just one individual. Much love. Let's go. One in the all. Appreciate that. All right, let me get those over real quick. Now, hear me out. Just hear me out. I'm a married man. Been married for eight years now. And been in the same relationship for 10 years. My wife is a Aries. I am a (laughs) Capricorn male man in December. When it comes down to having a strong-minded woman, that's a strong-minded woman. Bree, I ain't even got to explain this. You know, you know, you know. But at the end of the day, even though I'm the man in my role and I still lead, you just have a woman with a strong personality. Just like y'all were saying, you get some women that literally know they can take lead in certain things. Hell, if my woman want to step up to the plate, I don't mind stepping back. But that's a partnership and how you can work things like a well-oiled engine. Some people don't look at it like that. And that's crazy. You're a cappy with an Aries, my brother. Yeah, she's <laughs> funny, too. She's hilarious. I love her. I love him, too. They're both good people. Um, yeah, but, I yeah, I think that's ego that takes over. When, um, you know, I think ego takes over when you can't allow the other one to lead because I'm the man or no, I should lead this because I'm the one that's ego talking. I don't think that's productive in a relationship at all. I think, I think some people will get that big head. Like if they see, they take the lead most of the time, they'll start not even allowing you to, to do basically anything like you, you, you they're not going to let you do a damn thing they're not going to let you mm-hmm. take the lead in this they're gonna be, well you might not know what you're talking about so let me figure it out myself when you probably do but they just don't want won't let you because most of the time they're always 
feeling like they're always in every other situation. They're always in this leadership type of role with every mm-hmm. single thing else. And they're not even going to give you that chance. And I do think it is, like you said, an ego thing. They get the, they get that head swelled up a certain way. And they're like, you know what? I'm never going to give you a chance to s- sit there and be quiet. It, right. it, it, it definitely depends on personality uh, when it comes to ego. But it, it right. for me, for me, it more so depends on results. If mm-hmm. you have a consistent line of results that lets me know that you can take on this, you got it. But if I have any lack of trust based mm-hmm. on results in the past, I'm going to be hesitant to be hurt or take a loss in the future. Right. Um, you know, it's crazy. Uh, Scruff and, and my man uh, Doug was talking about, you know, like the whole aspect of masculinity and femininity. A lot of these... Um, spaces where we talk about alpha male and this that the third a lot of this came from dysfunctional relationships these uh, these nuances that have come up and have been major talking points for a lot of people and in kind of mansplaining and woman'splaining uh stuff and what they want it's because of people in dysfunction trying I still to don't know what that term spaces. means you know that I Which still one? don't know what mansplaining and woman. I still don't know what that oh, means. Man. I've heard it, but I have no clue what it means. <laughs> I have no clue what that means. So but, mansplaining know. is basically just you know it's it's cap for the most part. It's you, oh. it's you whining yeah. basically using um, a man yeah. logic onto a woman. Yeah, like, yeah, and and at, at the end of the day, it really doesn't hold weight. Um, so mm. it's just like mansplaining because if it was, you know, truly logical and, and, mm-hmm. and irrefutable, it would just be facts, you know, ah, it, okay. facts when you get into mansplaining, it's like, oh, okay. Her, her, it's, it's a conversation between Tell the me, boys. So you don't get, so you don't, so your boys don't chop you up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, but listen, man, that, that's what it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just, I get it. This from your male perspective, this is mansplaining. And then you're telling me this from your woman's perspective this is woman's planning at, at least at least that's yeah, where my try to explain that like nah. well i appreciate yeah. that because i hear it and i'm like i have no idea what that means but um so y'all want to take remy's question on um do you remember what it is do you want me to replay it what well, yeah, yeah and i was gonna say you you said she she read your mind I, did you have a way you wanted you worded the um, question as well or if you just want to play it again that's cool Okay, real quick. I have ADHD, so I don't remember half the shit I think of. But <laughs> I if I don't say it, I lose it. <laughs> we can play it basically. Again. Basically, what you it remember? was was as men, um, how do we take what we have to give to the future generations? How do we take yes. what we have to impart upon our other brothers? You know, so they're not in the space of dealing with basically trying to reinvent the wheel, starting from scratch. To, Facts. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. She in the back talking about that's not her question. Go ahead and run it again. Okay, we're going to run it again. I heard her back there. All right, let's see. Hello, hello, hello. Ramifications here. Hi, Bree. (laughs) What's going on to the gentlemen on the panel, everyone in the room? Hope you guys are well. I do want to ask gentlemen um, a question. I know we are speaking on terms of relationship right now, but I have to ask you guys this. How do you define your role as a man in supporting and uplifting other men? Please let me know. 
Thank you. All right. Remy out. There you go. Okay. Who want to take it first? I'll, I'll go ahead and have a, out, have a stab at it. Don't <laughs> claw at me. This dog was cat. Um, that new kitty's got you, huh? That new kitty. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. That's my baby. Um, as it pertains to other men, my role, if you're seeking information, I'll give you what I have to give. But if a man isn't seeking it, um, I hold my peace. You know, from the, ouch, that little bright hurt. Stop it. Um, from the, uh, from the thought process don't cast your pearls to swine i'm not in the business of converting if somebody all right so if how does that saying go a man that thinks he can, or a person that thinks they can and a person that thinks they can't are both correct i'm not in a space of fighting your minefield to drive home something of your to your benefit what i will do is I'll speak life into you as a seed and I'll plant it. Mm -hmm. If it grows and where it falls is where it falls. But young men, older men, I have ears to hear and eyes to see. I'll speak to them and give them what I have to give, not as advice, just as a brother. You know, whether it's a story, whether it's straightforward and cut to the, to the point, but I think mm -hmm. we all hold a certain level of responsibility for all of our brothers, no matter race, creed, religion, belief, any of that stuff, because mm -hmm. everybody's a part of the all, everybody's a part of the whole. There is nothing that's done in somebody's house that will not eventually meet you at your doorstep, whether it's mm -hmm. you personally, family, friends, or children. To let something go done, and it's, it's, it's flawed, it's criminal, it's vile, it's sick, it's foolish, mm -hmm. those benefits will eventually reach you. So if you have the ability, if they have ears to hear and eyes to see, to speak life into somebody, that's your right. obligation as a man. Mm. What do you say, RJ? Yeah, I, it's a part of what he said, before he said, I was gonna be like, I feel like I might be the opposite in a way, but he kind of touched on it. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to force an idea on anybody. But mm -hmm. as far as like things that I see that might be negative when it comes to how men operate or what they may do that I see as negative or destructive or that's just not a healthy way. In my mind, I, I always speak to it and say, okay, here's where we're wrong. And anytime I see something that's wrong, I'm just gonna go ahead and just throw it out like, here's why this is wrong, here's why we need to change this, because usually that's how I usually speak. I don't, the way I try to teach the fellow man, or in a way, maybe I wouldn't call it teaching, but in just trying to, like you said, plant a seed. I wanna put it out there that there's too much evidence or historical facts of how we've been doing this particular thing that's wrong. Let me give you the opposite. Let me tell you, there's another way of doing this. There's another way of thinking. There's another way of handling or solving how we can do better. And that's in any certain type of conversation or trying to tell men it's okay to be like this. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to talk these things out. It's okay to just, I think what I really try to do is try to take anything that's toxic out of how we handle shit, how we think yeah. about it. And sometimes I guess, sometimes it might sound like, yeah, you might be trying to just tell somebody something like, hey brother, that's wrong. 
Like mm-hmm. somebody stuck in their way sometimes ain't nothing I can really do. But all I can really do is it, it at the least is just say something in general. Just put it out there and hope that it does plant a seed or hope it makes someone think a certain way instead of teaching them or allowing the same thing that's been negative to constantly keep going and not saying nothing about it or not checking it. Like, I don't want to just leave certain things or negative things unchecked. And if it does land home with someone, okay, good. But I can't make it, you know. What I found successful, um, especially uh, with the younger fellas um, and some of the old guys that's kind of stuck in their own ways, but you you know when somebody's looking for help when there's a when there's a plea for understanding you you inherently know these things you know, intuition to kick in right and a way to kind of get around if you, if you, if you really want to to get around that that ego is to let mm-hmm. them lead and the way you let them lead is by asking questions but deliberate questions that's going to get them to answer their own question like a therapist right when you dealing with a therapist, you sit on their chair, they ask you questions, and hell, you're answering it, right? But the level and the lining of their questions gets you to actually think. A lot of people don't reflect. A lot of people don't meditate, and that's cool. Do what you do, right? It's your, it's your life, your purpose, however you flow, right? But mm-hmm. if you approach people that are apprehensive to being taught, man, old school, y'all always want to come down on, you know, you don't know nothing, y'all always want to, what, what are the results in your life, yada, 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 to kind of, you know, leapfrog that, you just ask the questions. Okay, man, so you in a situation with uh, the job. You in a situation with this lady. Why are you mm-hmm. in that situation? Man, because I got to do this and that and the third. Um, do you do you like it? Do you want to be there? I like it, but this and that situation is going on. What is it about this and that situation that you don't like? Well, man, this happened and this happened and that happened. Okay, what do you see that you could have changed that? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I couldn't have changed it. That's just the way it is. So if you don't, if you think that if you would have did mm-hmm. this, what do you think mm-hmm. would have happened? Well, it would have probably went this way. Would that have been okay? Well, yeah, 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 but it wouldn't. Have, I don't know if it would happen like that. Well, you don't know if it would have happened like that because you didn't try it. We just talking. But uh... I'm saying, do you think it would have went this way? Might have. Get a shot and let me know. All right, old school. I mean, it's your idea. See, see mm. you through. Mm. That's mm. interesting. Sometimes asking questions and allowing people to come up with their own conclusion, they don't feel as though they're being talked to or preached to or are taught, you know, as somebody like you're superior to them versus figuring out their own problems by you just asking critical questions that they may not that they may not be aware of based on their thought process, their emotions and their Mm. exposure, but you're still giving them the game. Right, because you're allowing them to come up with the answer on their own accord, although Absolutely. you already knew it. Yeah, you I just got them. That's it. They'll probably be able to see their their error in right. You know, right. If and it is them, yeah, they'll be able to see as, that. As a father, yeah. it's been fundamental. As a father, mm-hmm. when you when you talk to kids, or even as a mother, do you think that was yeah. right? No, you don't think that was right. Okay, well, why did you do it? I did exactly. it because it is. Well, you did it because it is. So we're in the options of acting impulsively. You did it because you wanted this. Did you think about the other results that was potentially going to come up because of that? No, you didn't. Did you? It's like, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Now, after experiencing that, do you want to experience that again? No, I don't. Well, let's not do it again. Yes, sir. Right. All right, let's go. Now, that leads me into the next question. That's a good segue to lead me into the next question. I'm going to ask it, um, and then I'm going to hit some bubbles, and I'll have you guys think about it. 
So my next question is, obviously there are a lot of women, a lot of single women out there that are raising young boys. Um, what is your advice to them? How can they help the male species as a single mother um, to give them the tools that they need at, you know, to their best ability? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm a woman. I don't know how to be a man, nor do I want to be a man. But if I have a male child and yeah. he doesn't have a father in the home, what would be your advice to them on how to raise him? So hold on thought, think about it, and I'm gonna hit these messages real quick. We got Remy. I just wanna give a shout out to all the Aries motherfucking ladies hey. in the fucking house. Oh, okay. And the fact that you guys are married to Aries women. Y'all welcome. All right, Remy out. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Aries gang gang. That's it. All right, we got Anna Code. <laughs> Greetings, beautiful souls. Shout out to the panel, Bree Talks. Nice RJ1. Everybody in the room, appreciate you. Checking y'all out. Just stopped in to see what's going on. What's goody, Anna? What's up, she's, lady? She's cool as hell. All right, we got Doughboy. I'm the emotional supporter. When my brothers need me or my friends need me or the ones that is close to me as the men in their life, I'm more of the voice of reason. I reason with you and no matter what your choice or your decision is, I don't judge you for it. I'm more of the I understand and I'm going to give you my perspective. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to question you or anything. I support my brothers. That's how I find myself in a man's role in my men's life. That's what's up. And I honestly feel I like as, I mean, I, I don't know how comfortable men are in doing that, but I really do feel like if there was the ability to come together and congregate together, the men to actually help, um, you know, uplift one another and, kind of put the ego aside i don't even know if that's even possible but it's not. if you can yeah <laughs> see i don't yeah that's the thing i don't know because <laughs> i mean let's be honest it and i know people say oh well there's no male there's no female yeah there is and we're to this topic we stick into those two genders right now so for the male <laughs> we already know <laughs> that you guys are innately um combative you know what i mean and not so much combative but you challenge each other you're innately at, at odds with each other because you want to win you want to have the bigger family you want to have the more money you know just in general that's how you guys are so can there be a way to come together without that being an issue or no and no. i think you said no right and, and the reason i said no is because like in a relationship with, with a man and a woman right nobody mm -hmm. can be everything for you you have to have a right. plethora of friends. Your man, your woman is not your everything. You need right. balance outside of that. You need to go kick it with the boys. She need to go kick it with the girls. It's, it's a balance. <laughs> so with a man being that confidant for his, for his other brother, his, mm -hmm. his uh, psychiatrist for his other brother, his um, accountability partner for his other brother, there isn't a singular man that's gonna fit the bill for everything. Within that mm. manosphere group, you got a brother that's the priest, 
You got a brother that's soul brother number one. You got a brother that's the psychiatrist. You got a brother that's that super, super duper alpha. But everybody uh-huh. has a role in society okay. and the community. You got to know who is in your circle and you got to build your circle and purpose so that it fits uh-huh. your life. But once again, this, these are manhood principles. You, this right. is why you don't cast people aside. The law of 33, right. and my baby knows I talk about it all the time, you have three levels. You have the uh, level above, the higher 33%. This is where you are quiet when you enter these spaces. You come to these places to learn. You come to these spaces to uh, gain awareness and perspective. You have that middle 33%. This is your regular, regular, every day that you work with, that you hang outside with in your neighborhood. And then you have the lower 33%, which is where you pour into, you build. They call you old school. They call you wise. They call you preacher. And you give to. Mm -hmm. There has to be a balance between these three levels. And as you go through these three levels, they're interchangeable. Somebody that was once somebody that you sought sought guidance from took your Uh guidance, took it and completely ran Uh with it. And now they're in the higher 33 and you're, you know, hitting them up on the phone. Hey, little dude, you know what I'm saying? Hey, partner, I see you took that thing, man. You took off. Hey, uh, help me out. I didn't I didn't know all that. You know, I see you out here moving. Throw me a bone. What what am I not doing? And they can help you out. So they're always interchangeable, but you need to be flexible and you don't cast people aside. You let them play the position that they're in currently in your life Mm -hmm. respectfully and you entertain Mm -hmm. conversations, loyalty, so forth and so on accordingly. Right. Because those, I think, are those are, you know, actual foundations, loyalty, respect. You can build on that because those are solid foundations. It's when you have the deceit, it's when you have the competition or when you start having the um, different intents behind it is where things start to fall apart. And that's with anything, regardless if it's men on men. You know what I mean? That's with anything. Um, So my question, what can you tell a single mother who's raising a boy? What would be your advice to help her, you know, you know, construct and build a, a better man without having an actual male figure. What's the best thing we can do? I mean, obviously we're not men, but we do have, and we play big roles in these kids' lives. So how should we approach that? Um, for, that is how I think the way I would, I would tackle that is I would have to base it off my experience because I grew up, um, you know, my father, passed away, you know, early on in my life before I, mm-hmm. as I grew up. But um, for me, the best thing I would do, because it was hard for me to even find a father figure. So what I usually did, even if I tried to latch on to somebody, there was something negative about them. It was always mm-hmm. something negative. So I would take multiple people, I would take certain traits from them. Mm-hmm. and kind of try to uniquely find myself and study how men are and to try to understand how I want to be. So mm-hmm. if I was, I think that would be something I would say to a single mother is, you know, allow the child to see different types of men, see different male figures, you know, cause mm-hmm. I don't personally think for me, I don't think anybody should, I get some men model themselves after certain men. I do get that. Some men model themselves after their father. And if they don't have a father, they'll model themselves as someone else. I personally don't believe that. I like people being uniquely them. Yes, 
you need to see how people operate. But then once you see that, now you can dictate how you want to be. And I think that's something I would say to a single mother as in like, allow your child to see different forms of men, different types of men, you know, allow them to see the good and the bad. And then you give them that type of space to kind of allow them to figure out, Hey, is this how I want to, is this how you want to be? Is that how you want to be? Do you not want to be like this? Do you not want to be like that? And then I think that's a way for them to probably uniquely build what type of man they want to be, especially if a man just isn't present instead of telling them, go find a father figure, go find someone, try to introduce another man to them. You know, I, I get it with the big brother programs and all those things, which are good things to do. I'm not, I'm not shitting on it, but right. it's always good to look at different, you know, just from me, from how I grew up, I don't see a problem with looking at different types of men and being like, okay, what's good, what's bad? How do I want to be? What do I agree with? What do I don't agree with? And I'm not saying you said it directly to a seven-year-old because they might not right. understand the full concept of that, right. but right. just kind of getting them on that path in a way Mm-hmm. As they grow up, maybe the, they, they start to get it as they go on. So they're still being uniquely themselves. But when it comes to trying to understand what it's like to be a man or understand that, the more they mm-hmm. watch other men, the more they'll see it. So I, I think I would tell them, try to get them to be as vigilant as possible when it comes to men. Okay, I agree with that, man. Um, absolutely. So driving at home, more so men are visual, period. Okay understand that right as a as a woman with a young man uh an older man whatever the case may be understand what he's saying understand who he is if if little man currently is in the video games cool if he's in the architecture cool if he's into uh crypto if he's into youtube um you know content creation mm-hmm. is if mm-hmm. he's into mathematics if he's into the sciences um if he doesn't know, whatever the case may be, hear him. And from what you hear, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's almost in this space, right? It's almost like dating your son. You need okay. to attentively listen to what's being said. And then your action needs to align with what's being said while remaining uh, malleable, while remaining flexible, right? Because children change their mind on a whim. So right. when they tell you something, you need to, as as you're dating them in that space, right? You need to right. go and date the mature version of them. You need to vet uh-huh. quality environments. Um, 300 black men in the space of African Americans, Boys and Girls Club, um, you know the uh, Boy Scouts, places that you vet to make sure that people aren't touching on kids, people are doing right by kids, and they are who right. they say they are. If you were to date this person, do you feel comfortable with this person? how they operate, their presentation, who they are, being somebody that you would allow your kids around in your home. If not, it's a no. Um, If it's somebody at a barbershop, if it's somebody, and then with with men, a part of that whole manhood phase is about exposure, what you can see, because it's not real to you if you cannot see it. The whole concept of, hey, you know, we see these movies where it looks cruel, where they take these young men and they send them out into the world and you have to hunt and you have to do all these little rituals and pass all these tests and trial and come back and then they're crowned a man. That's what it is. Mm. That's what it is. They have to go out. 
they have to see different things outside of their environment for them, excuse me, as visual beings to realize it is a reality and it is possible. If not, they will assume the position of their environment. A lot of people don't travel 100 miles away from where they're born. So they're limited in that space to what they have been exposed to. If you want great things from this little man, he has mm -hmm. to become great, which means his environment has to show him greatness. He has to be seen around greatness. He mm -hmm. needs to go to an art gallery. He needs to go and, and visit neighborhoods where houses are bigger and nothing needs to be said. He just needs right. to drive through so he can see right. the, the size of these buildings. He needs to drive past a certain car lot. He needs to pull up to a certain convention where they're talking about ideas that are relatable to the things that he's interested in the, in the moment. Everything that he's interested in, it needs to be seen, but it needs to be seen at its highest level. It doesn't need to be uh, uh, something that's content. It doesn't need to be something that's small. He needs to strive to reach mm -hmm. the level of everything that he's interested in at its highest level. If that's you taking a weekend um, mm -hmm. and going to the best veterinarian cl clinic in your state, in the country, if he's into, you know, things like SeaWorld, stuff like that, if it's something right. where, you know, they have a conference for video games or even with comics, right? Take him to Comic Con where he can meet some of these people and it becomes real for him. And they right. tell him at that point, that this is one aspect of my life, but I'm also right. doing this and this and this. So his modeling mm -hmm. then changes from, I need to be just this versus, oh no, there's so much more to the big picture that I didn't even realize. I don't know nothing. I don't know shit. I got to tune mm -hmm. all the way in. And then he becomes passionate about education. He becomes passionate about networking. He becomes passionate about foundational level things in his life to reach what it is that's his goal versus the shallow version of the goal that he sees in front of him, which is extremely limited. Mm, I like that. I like that. Now I have a second part yeah. to that question. We nine plus right now, so let me hit these. But my second part is, what is the one thing that you see that single mothers are doing wrong? Okay. Man, so, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thoroughly, I, I, yeah, I want to hit these messages. <laughs> All right, we got Amy. Shout out to the panel, came right in. Shout out to Bree Talks. Nah, it's RJ. Shout out to you. Just came in as a one was dropping that wisdom. I definitely gave him a follow. If y'all did not, y'all should. I can't wait to see uh, the response the gentlemen give because uh, I definitely am a, a single mom and I have two sons. So excited to hear the responses. That's what's up. I hope you were able to catch some gems on this because um, I think that was a really good answer from both gentlemen and different perspectives too. So I like that. All right, we got Remy. Cause you know, I asked you guys this question because I do hear a lot of the back and forth of the gender stuff with men and women and women and men. And I think the accountability starts with who we learn things from first and what kind of role models we have in our lives as far as men having male role models and friendships and women having uh, female role models and friendships that are quality over quantity 
And, you know, are these people are assets to your life to help with your growth and development or are they liabilities? Because that's going to determine what kind of man or woman, but since we're talking about men, that's going to determine what kind of man that you end up being. Just being honest. Mm-hmm. I said what I said. Okay. Rammy, <laughs> motherfucker Aries. No, I'm talking about gang gang. The fuck out. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> we got Trip Ducey. Shout out to Bree motherfucking talks. RJ and one uh, fucking um, 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 Square Biz. <laughs> My bad. But um, thank you, Bree, for hosting this panel. It is such an amazing uh, thing to see when you can have a safe space, a respectable conversation, and respectable people amongst each other where we can talk about this kind of stuff and it'd it be very informative. So I appreciate you, love you, and uh, yeah, keep going. I'm here listening. Oh, I love you too, sis. What's yeah, up, Trip? Doughboy. So, your question, Brie, when you say, can men get together and yeah it's not the fact that we can't it's never been the fact that men can't come together get along and get some shit done it, it's never us it's the respect of our woman depending on who they are and what they do my woman may not get along with the next man's woman but me and my homie that's my homie we gonna get along that's just something that happened when it come down to it, trust me, when there's balance and peace somewhere, it ain't always balance and peace. So trust me, it's not the fact that it's our fault or anything else. And we can't force people. Can't force people to, to like what they like and don't like what they like. It's just the fact of we under we understand each other on a unspoken message. Okay. Yo, I gotta speak on that. I gotta speak on that. Go for it. Um, respectfully, right? Men may not agree with the women, the women friends, right? But mm. we and and, and <laughs> excuse me. So I've been drinking, but um, men may not um like all of our our counterparts' friends or their husbands, right? Uh, a lot of stuff be shady, especially if you are the woman in the house with your man and you telling him about, you know, venting, verbally vomiting, just releasing that stress that your homegirl just dumped on you. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say that's happening in my current situation. I don't want nobody thinking that nobody, you know, coming around me and she telling me anything because that's not happening. Um, no. But previous relationships, right? Um, yeah, the laughs. If you're <laughs> if you're telling this woman something and she's bottling up a lot of this trauma, a lot of this stress, she's going to have to release it. If she's in a comfortable space within her home to talk to her man and she doesn't want to go out and talk to another female friend and this information come out, she's, she may release it and, and just have that conversation with her man and look for maybe even some type of understanding from him that she may not have about what's going on. All right, mm. so that being said, he knows he has a picture. His first impression of somebody he never met is negative. Mm. He don't want to, you know, so it is what it is. But he's not going to deny her to go and hang with her 
based on mm -hmm. things that have been discussed between them. Whether if she's being infidelity, you know, if she's cheating, if he's cheating, if she's mm -hmm. toxic, if he's toxic, if he's just a bad guy, she's taking an L for whatever reason. That doesn't matter. That's not going to stop them from being friends because there's a certain level of trust. Because like mm -hmm. I said, remember the power of 33. You got people that you may hang around back in the day from the block that's still shady, Brady, still doing things that aren't the best for them. You'll stay in those places for a quick second and you're gone for your safety mm -hmm. and your uh, sanity. You're not going to say that you can't go around these people anymore. They're beneath us. So as women, respectfully, as a man, you can't tell a man that he cannot go around a certain group of people unless you do unless you don't believe that this man can control himself in environment and he's influenced by his counter his his brothers if you don't believe that your man is a stand up man and you don't trust him enough to allow him to be free once mm -hmm. again to be free as a human being and travel about and then come back home safe and respectable and not do anything to cross any lines within your relationships, that's a problem. That's a control problem or a lack of trust. That should mm. never be. Yeah, yeah, because that's rocky foundation. Mm -hmm. And that really doesn't, I mean, it takes a toll on both sides. Agreed. It definitely Agreed. takes a toll. Um, all right, we got some more. Let's get these real quick. Doughboy. And my advice to a single mother raising a boy I don't have advice. It's not my position to tell her how to raise her child. It's not about, oh, he didn't have a father. Oh, he didn't have a mother. We need to kill that narrative. It's about what strong parent you had in your life, whether it was mother, whether it was father. Because I know some strong single fathers and I know some strong single mothers. I'm not a single father. I'm not a single mother. I am a father with a woman that's in my household. So my advice to anybody that's a single parent out here is stay strong. Do what you got to do. Have diligence. That's my advice. Okay. Let me grab these other ones. We got Eugene. Oh, the mind of a man. To be honest, I did an experiment on stereo once where I changed my character to a female. In fact, I changed everything on my stereo profile to a female. I made an Instagram account called Olivia and I changed I changed my name to my and I made an Instagram account called It's Olivia. And I and I spent the entire day, I didn't change my voice. I just changed my profile to act as a woman. In fact, I even changed my, my bio to live, laugh, love. And I got listened to more. In fact, no matter what I said, I did not get reported on stereo because of it. Oh, okay. All right. We got Remy. So guys, um, again, the gentlemen on the panel and in the audience, ramifications here. I have a question. Um, in what ways do you all challenge harmful stereotypes and expectations um, placed on men advocating for more inclusive and diverse representations? That is my question. 
Remy the fuck out. All right. Oof, she on her game tonight. Go, Remy. All right, so, yeah, so that one, right? I'm going to change. It's not PTR on this one, but I'm going to change my photo, right? And uh, uh-huh. we're going we gonna to see exactly what that looks like because, once again, these stereotypes are based mm-hmm. based, based on uh, presentation. Once we change the presentation, that doesn't mm-hmm. um, equate to the stereotype. Immediately, the stereotype is broken. So uh-huh. we have to become visible. We have to become visible representations of the complete opposite because if the narrative is and you fit the narrative so mode it be it just it's just going mm. to be. and that's because men are more visible they they rely visibly more on, as opposed to women do right yeah I, more yeah, I yeah like what what we tend to see we're going to automatically start what we tend to see, we're gonna automatically just go ahead and create uh, the thought of what it mm-hmm. really is based on the aesthetics and how things look. And then in our own way, we might start giving off with our own aesthetics, our appearance. And, mm-hmm. you know, those ways we might see a certain aesthetic or appearance that we want to mirror or image and then bam, we mirror image that and put that out there. So, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you look at the uh, the picture now, if I was okay, as a gentleman mm-hmm. to, you know, open a door for any lady, right, uh, that mm-hmm. was behind me into entering, what is going to be her perception of stereotypical perception of a black man dressed as such that opens the door? It doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to embody what it is that you want to be that vibration that's pushed outward. It doesn't equate if every black man is this, every, Mm -hmm. for you to have abundance, you got to have a certain amount of chains. (laughs) You got to have a certain Mm -hmm. group of people around you. You got to smell like a whole pound, you know, yada, yada, Mm -hmm. yada. If you change up the narrative, whether it's a suit, whether it's what I had on prior, whatever the case may be, if you embody that and you walk and stand in that, First off, you don't you don't blow in the wind based on what somebody else says. You have to mm-hmm. be strong within yourself. And when you present that to the world for whatever it is, your own uh, fashion, your own desires, when you can mm-hmm. present that in a world in a um, articulable manner, mm-hmm. it, it shatters so much. And you, you hear that when people talk about kids. Oh, they're so well mannered. Yes, they're supposed to be, aren't they? Right. Once again, you ask the question. You don't. You don't get out of your pocket. You don't. You know, show the lack of emotional intelligence and get angry because if you get angry at a certain comment, that shows that that person has more power over you than you do over your own self. When right. You because to, it could be yeah. that they never saw uh, exactly. anything other than that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When people mm-hmm. have no interaction and what their interpretation is, man, think about it like this, right? How many people mm-hmm. have left the United States? Pause. How many right. people then from other countries, from other places within the United States, from other cities and counties, they don't run into too many black people. Mm. They don't run into too many quality men. And all they have is the news. All they have is social media. Right. And Which is always the, train, the, the worst of the worst. Exactly. Of course. Of course. It's, it's, work, it's, yeah. what, mm-hmm. it's what grabs your attention because that's how they pay the bills. It's just like mm-hmm. it's just like social media. Whatever can have you on the channel, the broadcast station for longer, they sell the advertisements, they get paid. 
So if it's taboo, if it's controversial, and you're locked in, then, you know, if it's good news all the time, there's no reason for you to tune in. But if it's terror, if it's drama, if it's things that you need to watch out for, out of the human Mm -hmm. nature of self-preservation, you're going to be aware. And from that same stigma, anytime you see anything that looks like that, you're living in the past. You're living from that previous Mm -hmm. information, and you're trying to make logical decisions in a moment to survive. Right. Yeah. That wow, that's interesting. Huh. <laughs> that is true though. That is true. Yeah. I mean, they put things out there. It's always like a fear tactic. It's always uh, you know, they keep you on your toes. They want you to and I honestly think it's the agenda to be that way, to keep the division between everyone. Um and it it releases endorphins, it releases adrenaline. You know, it does things chemically to you when you see things, you know, because it can be a natural flight or fight reaction, you know? Yeah, I, uh, other, yeah, I agree with that. The other night I uh, was doing a show and this uh, girl from uh, across the pond came in and at first it was certain conversations she was having about how she perceives black people and things we might need to be talking about more or how we need to be handling a little situation. I'm like, okay, cool, you know, fine. But then it got into her spewing out so many different stereotypes that are mostly negative. And she's speaking as if this is exactly what it is. And the main thing I said in response to that is, well, someone on the panel was like, you're seeing that through like European lenses, but, and I agree with that, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you're only seeing what you might see on TV or what you might see in, in media or what is pushed in your media about us instead of looking directly at, at us or right. directly coming into contact with us to figure out how things really are and how we actually do operate instead of going with what you're just seeing like anything you may see on the news or anything you may see you know in, in what you in how your social media goes with your news feed every day that's not right. going to always be the 100 percent full story you need RJ. yeah go ahead where was she from uh i think she's from no 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 she um zimbabwe okay so check. Um... you know what to cut through that like butter asking mm-hmm. the question do you think it's fair that European media um, puts out to the world that all Africa is, is poverty, is, is children that are malnourished with pot bellies? Wow. I, don't think it's fair. I don't think it's, it's fair that they do that to us in America either. And mm-hmm. she would have said what they exactly. instantly knew. Mm-hmm. And it's so many times where I've heard, and I've, I've seen videos, I've heard people from over there speak about how their uh-huh. country is, or just literally, I don't always naturally just think, yeah, it's skinny children or what we might see on them commercials when they're asking to send money over there. Like, it's, right. it's, it's way more beautiful. It's way more advanced than just that. So that that is a good point. I wish I, I, wish I had said that to her. Damn. But, that's a good one. That is that no, was but a good one. True. But yeah. yeah, I could easily stereotype you as that, but I know not to because I actually look at y'all and I listen to y'all and I actually hear how y'all are over there. Yes, those are real things over there. Right. But, but that's, that's not, not how all it is. there is. Exactly. That's not all right. it is. Right. I agree. All right, let's pop these. I got nine plus. All right. Yeah.
Yo, so I like the question that Brie posed um, uh, with the influence of a male. Um, or, you know, the question was, how does, what advice to give to a single mother um, and how to raise a son without a male in the home? Um, I, my household is, from my experience, is one where there was no male in the home for the beginning part, which means my oldest one um, definitely experienced that. And what I did to the best of my ability was to, because I am, I'm not a man, of obviously, of course, um, he, and I, I can't, it was, um, I was very young, so playing the father figure role and the mother role, um, I didn't find a balance in that. The only thing I could do was to teach him every single day how to treat a woman and how to be respectful to, to me as his mother um, and to all women in general. Yo, I, I got to, I got to, I got to. And this kind of goes towards uh, Bree's follow-up question once we clear the messages on the things that uh, single mothers that, that are doing that may not be as beneficial as they would like um, mm -hmm. for the children. Um, so there is absolutely nothing wrong, first and foremost, with instilling the respect for women as women are just as important as men. But key words, they are just as important as men. If a young man is only getting one side of the coin, it becomes problematic where he starts to pedestalize women and starts mm -hmm. to worship the ground that they work on, walk on, which mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it's, it's well, I ain't going to say nothing at all. Let me, let me go ahead and backtrack. When a man does not see himself are a place for himself as a young man, as, a, as an adult man in the world. You know, the other aspect of what I was saying when, you know, men fall in love too frequently is potentially bad is because they're giving too much. When you give too much, when you're an overgiver, it's a bad thing. But when you overgive because you have the perspective that the woman is more valuable than yourself. When the woman is somebody that you need to build your life around, like the Disney movies, where you have the princess and the prince, where he's willing to sacrifice himself to save the princess. We, you know, we live in a real world. You know, Disney aside, there are men, young men and older men, that are sacrificing their entire lives, their children's lives, off of the strength of a woman. Well, you know, baby, I wanted to come and visit you, but she just wouldn't let me. I, baby, uh, I wanted to be that man, but I had some prior obligations that were in re re relation to some woman. Um, I was in a bad emotional space because of my relationship that didn't allow me to be what I needed to be in business uh, for myself, whatever the case may be. So there needs to be a fingerprint, a, cos a Cosmo-based fingerprint of an understanding of what a man needs to be for self because you can't be at your highest level for anybody whether it's your mother your sister your brother your wife your girlfriend your pet at home who can receive anger that's undeserved because you don't understand who you are the moment you understand who you are and you can truly value yourself your perspectives mm -hmm. change your goals change and your results and what you put in and what you get out, you start to own it versus pawning it off on women. This woman didn't do this for me and these women are this. 
because you inherently believe that you're supposed to be this for women and everything's going to work out for you because you never mm-hmm. thought about yourself in the in a picture mm-hmm. you negated yourself now does that so because that can obviously breed toxicity right so yes. can that and i I had read something about this and I wanted to throw it out there since you brought it up, it kind of falls in line with it. Um, let's say you're in a relationship, right? He grows up, he's in a relationship and now he, you know, is with a woman who ultimately he says he loves, she loves him. They're trying to grow. And yet out of nowhere, he starts to change the narrative. Now he's turning off his phone. He's not talking to her on the weekend. And this becomes a pattern to where the phone goes off on Thursday. It doesn't come back on until Monday. Um, in that aspect, what do you say to that? What do you say there? To I see. Be- let's call it speed speed. Um, you know, for me, <laughs> the way you start is the way you finish. Um, don't create. Uh, don't don't have this trickster energy, right? This false narrative of um, mm-hmm. you starting something under the disguise of attainment, and when you attain it, you back mm-hmm. all the way off or become a completely different person. Mm-hmm. There needs to be communication. If you completely start ghosting people for a select period of time, which is continuous, and you haven't stated these facts that are truths, um, that during these times I am doing A, B, and C, and this is a known thing. And I'm giving you a heads up out of respect and love because this is what I need for self or whatever the case may be. And mm-hmm. you know this to be a truth because this person isn't this trickster energy. They haven't lied to you. They haven't been deceptive. There's no reason for you to think otherwise uh, until mm-hmm. proven such, which is something that you shouldn't go looking for because the moment that the light bulb switches outside mm-hmm. of past experiences that haven't been released, toxic nature, the moment these things haven't switched over, the moment these things do switch over is the moment you need to release because a person is not worth a person that is not truthful that is not based in dignity and respect is not worth the implications that they can have on your life and those that love you and those that need you in the future because in those moments people make rash decisions when they're angry when you get angry your brain releases chemicals that actually lower your iq so when people are angry they do things that normally they wouldn't do that's not the best situation to be in. Stress kills people. Mm. Is this person that's not benefiting you now worth you dying for later? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Let me get these real quick. Cause we nah plus. <laughs> All right. We got Isabella. Shout out to you, Bree Talks. This is a great, 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 great build so necessary to have this discussion shout out to you square biz and mr hennessy poppy all right listeners this is a great topic y'all all right i'm listening hey isabella i appreciate you sis all right we got shea butter good evening to the panel good evening Bree talks Good evening, Hennessy. Good evening, Square Biz. And good evening to all the listeners. Dr. Poetry, Doughboy, Elevated Bliss, Trip, Submissive Tam, Jim, Ramifications, Amy, and Lion. 
Um, I just came into the talk pretty late, but um, I heard something about um, black men getting, being able to support each other and getting together or, you know, um, and something about women not getting together. Something, I, I don't know if I caught it all the way, but, um, you know, I just think that, I don't know if I caught it all the way, so I'm not going to speak on it, but I'm listening. What's up, Shea Butter? Hey, What's butter. going on, Shea Butter? Shout out, Isabella. Hey. Oh, we talking about single parenthood. Oh, okay. That's something I know a lot about because I'm a single parent. Didn't sign up to be that, but um, had to accept it. You know, I was married. I didn't have my kids out of wedlock. But um, I'm divorced, and I've been a single parent now um, probably since they've been born. <laughs> Uh, um, but, um, yes, um, it's not easy being a single parent, but it has its, um, it has its benefits and it has, you know, its stresses. But, um, one thing I was listening to, I think Doughboy saying something about, I guess, are you talking about dating a single parent? Um, I don't agree with women allowing men they meet to discipline their children, um, especially while dating. Facts. All right, I got some more. And vice versa. I had a boyfriend at one time when I was dating. I, I'm, right now, I'm choosing not to date, but um, when I was dating at the time, um, he wanted me to discipline his kids, and I was telling him no. I I, I didn't feel like I was at the point to discipline his children. Um, they have parents um i'm not going to uh, we're not married and um i'm i don't think that's my place um i think a lot of times when single parents do give access to their children too soon to other individuals to me i feel like especially when they're dating them you don't really know them um i think that relationship has to be built um and not pushed you know, a lot of women, you know, try to instantly make men be, you know, try to make that family dynamic, but you don't know him. You don't know him. He's not their father. So I agree with that totally. Yeah. I, I hear that. Oh, boy. When it come down to image and stereotypes, to answer the question that was asked, uh, image is what you painted of me. A stereotype is a narrative that was already put out there about me. Mm. To go against that image and to go against that stereotype and to go against that narrative. Just be the person you are, you know. No matter who people try to paint you out to be or see you as. If you're a real person, if you're a genuine person and you really know who you are from the get-go, you ain't got to worry about that. Because people can say what they say. People can put any image on you. Actions speak louder than words. And if you don't know me, hell, I let it rub off, you know. Goose feathers, goddammit. Shit, let that shit trickle down, you know what I mean? <laughs> trickle down. <laughs> <laughs> Not goose feathers. All right, I'm going to hit these. And then um, I want to answer that final question. And I'll let you guys go. Because I don't want to keep you all day on your Saturday. So let me just hit these bubbles and then um, you can answer. And I'm sure you guys remember it, right? The question. The film of the question. The negative part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. All right. Dope boy. And to give that a more deeper meaning, I am a black male inside of the healthcare profession. I work inside of a nursing home. I am a certified nurse's assistant. I work inside of an area with people that is necessarily more women than men because women are a little bit more weaker in their older age. I hate to say it that way. So when it comes down to them looking at me, they think that, oh, he's a big, burly black guy that is out to hurt me. I am a freaking teddy bear. I kid you not. I look intimidating. I may seem intimidating. Hell, my haircut may say something different. But my actions speak louder than words. And the way I treat them, they love me to death. So image versus stereotype versus how they see things. Just be different. Be you. Stay true. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Trip motherfucking do sick. I just went through all of this and Squarebiz did not, you did not even change your, your biopic. Am I tripping? Is that what, what was said? Somebody <laughs> help me, please. I, I thought that's what was said and I was like, oh shit, okay, let me refresh. And, okay, it's the same picture. But anyway, keep going, y'all. <laughs> I'm here listening. He's more casual now. He was all suited up and booted up. Now he's more yeah. casual. Right. Change the bag. My bad. My bad trip. <laughs> That's it. All right, we got Shea Butter. Yeah, I heard your trip. You know, and I told we we actually me and my friend was talking about this because she has sons. See, I have daughters. I don't have any boys. I have two daughters. Um, I hear what you're saying, and I told her the same thing that I'm gonna tell you. Just be the best mother you can be. You could never be their father. I don't care how hard you try. <laughs> You don't have what it takes. <laughs> and I hate when they tell women happy Father's Day, you know, because you're not a father. You're not a man. You're not, you're, even though you try as hard, it's like a losing battle. Just be the best, awesome mother you can be because and enjoy Mother's Day because that's who you are. Don't come out of your role. Your role is his mother, and that's all he will see you as, is his mom, not his dad. I love I the conversation, speak. though. <laughs> I got to speak on that, man. Um, as, a, as a man and as a father, from this side of the fence, um, with a lot of things that are going on in today in society, women are in up, in, up in arms, and, and people wanting to define what it is to be a woman or redefine of what it is to be a woman. The the energy, the emotions felt behind that are quite similar on Father's Day for a woman to take the the uh accolades of happy Father's Day. It's it's mm. it's it's blasphemous. I don't I empathize with women that have gone through um treacherous situations, painful situations, unfair situations. Um, but by no means is that woman who could be a great woman, who could be a great mother, a nice. great father, or a father at all. It's it's one and the same, respectfully. I agree with you. And I, I, I really feel like it... Um... I feel it's disrespectful to the men um, because 
on the other aspect too, if it was a man saying, being told happy mother's day, you're never going to know what it is to be a mother. Cause you can't. Right. Um, so I do, I agree with you there. I think it's disrespectful to the men and I think it's demeaning to them as well and their role they place in society and in the life of children. So I agree with you there. It's just taking this spotlight spotlight off of them where mm-hmm. it, we get yes it when it comes to dad protect conversations, men leaving the household, leaving them to be single mothers like mm-hmm. you know it, it's historically always going to be a, a heavy topic, a sad topic, mm-hmm. you know. So for the most part, I do it's not that I'm justifying it, but I understand why it's so much hate to where it does go into that. Oh, well, my mama right. was. The, the mama and the daddy, so I'm gonna tell her happy father's day. But it's it shouldn't yeah, I agree, it should not be like that. Like at the end of the day, it's fathers out there that are doing those things. That Absolutely. are being be that single fathers or fathers exactly. with with the mother there, you know. Just I'm gonna keep it simple. It's just they have their day. Let me just put it like that. Right. And then the men have theirs. If if we if we go down that slippery slope, um, and we allow, because children will be children, right? Some children will mm-hmm. see things and hear things, and they'll try to bring it home. They'll try to bring it indoors mm-hmm. and, and repeat that. You got to draw mm-hmm. that line in a sign of respect. Like, sweetheart, I know our situation ain't the best situation. I know that this 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 person this this um this displacement in the house is something that you know, and you feel it's not here, but no. I am your mother. Give me my flowers on mother day. I am not your father. I am not a father. So mm. I don't want you to go around and giving me flowers on uh, father's day from the standpoint of, you know, moms, he, he goes some flowers on father's day. Cause my father isn't, you know, blase blase, but you know, mm. happy father's day as well. It's like, nah, draw the line in the sand. It's like, baby, I appreciate the flowers on this day as well. So forth and so on. But, you know, respectfully, I'm I'm not your father, I'm your mother, and because of the decisions that were made uh, down the line, we're here, and that's just what it is. But I am I'm a woman, and you're a man, you know, and it's just it's just kind of what it is for me. Right. No, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And like I said, I think it diminishes the place of men when they do that, and vice versa. Um, and there are a lot of single men out there that are raising kids by themselves and that are doing an amazing job, you know, as best as they can. So, yeah. Yeah, everybody's saying happy Mother's Day to, to Pops. Pops ain't having it. Right. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, let me get these, and then we'll answer that question, and then we'll be gone. So we got Shea Bud. And please, I say this in a respectful manner, Trip. Don't, don't, don't think I'm saying it disrespectful, because the thing is, you're you're um you're you're doing something out of your element that's not your element you don't you don't know you know you don't know what he feels you don't understand when when he come when he becomes a young man you don't understand what goes on with him becoming a young man you know and the best thing i can you know if you if he doesn't have any um male role models um, you know, I would just try, my brother, he said what he used to do is look at some of his teachers and professors and, you know, find somebody who, um, he admires as a man and, um, and, and, you know, maybe ask them or whatever, you know, 
Um, but we do need more male mentorship. That is something we really need um, all around the board for these young people because there's so many fatherless kids. I definitely do agree with that because um, I tried doing that with my coaches. Like I tried to look at certain coaches and try to learn things from them. But like I said earlier, like it's, I always thought the negative, so I couldn't just be like, oh, coach so-and-so is my – and mentally it's my father figure. So it's – it's yeah, I do agree. It needs to be so, so a few more men, programs like this. Men do what RJ is talking about with um, the partial mar- modeling, if you will, right? You'll have men yeah. who have both parents at home, a father and a mother, and it's a quality home. It's a quality relationship. But as it mm-hmm. pertains to that child, that man child in that house, he may aspire to be more than his father is. Uh, he may want more out of life than his father mm-hmm. does. So guess what he'll do? Mm-hmm. He'll emulate things outside of his father while still holding certain foundations that his father's put in place. Think about how many young men who come from quote unquote quality backgrounds that still idolize um, certain figures as far as celebrities, that idolize uh, sports s- stars that idolize comic books, Superman, mm-hmm. Batman. It's because there's a certain nature of coolness that they desire to attain. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they, they, they model these other people. So men don't necessarily model a singular person because that's not their mm-hmm. character. That's not their, that's not their all. They may take a 19 keys, mix it up with a Malcolm X, grab a little bit of five, uh, him 500, you know, right. tag on a little bit of um, Les Brown and Miles Monroe, slap in a little bit of, um, uh, you know, this, that, and the third, you know, Tony Robbins. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it creates some them. Jay-Z on there. Yeah, sprinkle a little bit of Jay-Z, a little bit of Tupac, a little bit of Nas. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? On, on the back right. end, you got a little bit of Method Man. Right. <laughs> you know right. Exactly. Flavor Flavor in you. I like it. Yeah. So let's um, tackle that question real quick um, as far as um, the single moms and what they're doing that really are not helping the situation. Um, The acknowledgement, the awareness. Mm -hmm. What I see, excuse me, what I doesn't see doesn't matter. And the, it, it comes from the lack of awareness that men and women develop completely different. Like we were talking about the modeling of what a man is and how a man becomes may have been completely new, a nuance to some some listeners, maybe to some, maybe not, right? But that's the reality. Um, I wanted to add, like what RG was saying with sports, sports, uh, whether it's football, baseball, golf, tennis, swimming, it's fundamental. Karate, boxing, it's fundamental. If those parents are in the household, if we say, though, that we're not going to allow our children in sports because it's dangerous, we don't want uh, foreign men around our children because it's dangerous. We're removing all aspects of men outside of the ones that we are dating if we are not. And, and, and even in that, right, just like I mentioned, in a quality household, a husband, an actual father is not enough. Because you can't live vicariously through your children. Children have their own mindset and their goals that may may drastically differ um, from that of the, the parents within the house. So we have to get out of this mindset of wanting to capsulize um, our young men in the house. 
because we're we're tired of men and this situation that men have placed us in um, based on relationships, based on the work that we now have to put in to provide for the children that we created. That negates the exposure, the awareness that he needs to survive and thrive. You know how difficult it is for a single father that has a daughter to communicate with a daughter who looks at her father when she's going through menstruation? How mm -hmm. difficult that is to come to her father and actually communicate and he understand that? Now place mm -hmm. that from a man's perspective when he's coming right. into awareness of himself and feels uncomfortable talking to his mother. He doesn't want to be embarrassed or feels like his mother can't relate as it pertains to certain situations that's happening in that school amongst other men who may have the father, who may have the flow and the swag and the masculinity that's brought upon from being around other men. He feels mm -hmm. less than. He feels like that quote-unquote beta that people are talking about. He right. feels like, you know, he doesn't know how to communicate with women. Or if he does communicate with women, he's not balanced and he, he wants to be a player because he got the game from all of his sisters, cousins, beauty salons, etc. Right. And it's going to harm him later in life. If he doesn't get ahead of his life and make choices and have responsibilities that he's not prepped to take care of. It's a balance in all things. If we don't want to provide that balance because of our own perception that's harming them, if we want to put more on the shoulders of a young man that's saying, saying to him that he's the man of the household and he assumes that responsibility, as most young men will, including myself when I was growing up, you will mm -hmm. forego opportunities that will make you a better man for yourself, for your family, and for your future. And you will jump early into the workforce to provide negating out of duty. Mm -hmm. Men out of duty will throw themselves in a pit, will sacrifice themselves for a woman, include number one woman, their mother. Most women right. model their wives from their mother. Mm -hmm. I think a woman should do this because my mother cooked. My mother clean, she busts ass and do this, and you telling me you can't, I'm all right, then I'm good. If they will model, model their wife after their mother, if they look for their mother for approval or a sign-off for their wife, what are you creating? In hindsight. So you... Sorry. Okay. You good. No, what was going to so do you think it's it does more harm than good for a woman to turn around now he's 17 15, 16 15 18 and say okay you're the man of the house now does it yeah. do more harm than good yeah it does. Um, because if, if he's the man of the house at 18 now he becomes he's in a situation of um son husband he doesn't necessarily want to leave the household. He builds himself around the household, and he's kind of locked in because of his love for that mother. Unless he mm -hmm. steps into financial abundance where he can take care of multiple households at once, he'll never be able to release that if he holds true to that. Right. He will always put that as priority, which it is in his life. We, mm -hmm. we prioritize things. We move in structure. We move in logic. We move in order. If I am the head of this household, I am not going to abandon my household because if I abandon this household, I will abandon others after it as a rep uh, a, rep um, a continuous trend of my past. This becomes my habit. This becomes my um, traits, my, uh, my uh, what do you call it? Um, my, um, my pattern. Character? 
Oh. Yeah, my character. I, mm. you know, I was the head of the household at my mom's house. You know, after a while, it was frustrating. I didn't like it. I left that, but I, in 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 my own head, my own thought process, I took on that responsibility. Whether I left it or not, and everybody coddling my choice to leave it because it wasn't right doesn't matter because I accepted it, and with that acceptance, that became my my priority, my journey. When people stepped in and said, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not right. It's okay. That was mm-hmm. my scapegoat. So now that I'm in a relationship and my homeboys, the random chicks that I talk to that really want me to be in a relationship with them, they give me the same sca- scapegoat. So it becomes a pattern. Right. Yeah. I get that. What do you think, RJ? Um, I think what I wanted to speak to on the, the question is I don't want to see uh, single mothers giving or allowing their their sons to see or hear 100% of the time negative viewpoints of men. Um, because it is a frustrating thing when things happen in their relationship with the men and then they you know, fuck around and then dip off or whatever, you know. But the personal issue with that, I think it's a different story, you know, when it comes to raising the child and trying to keep them keep them away from certain negative things. Like there is a truth to the matter when it comes to the parents aspect. You know, the child's gonna end up being curious, where's father, where's my dad, blah, blah, blah. And it is a moment where it has to be a truth to it, but to automatically make it fully negative the entire time, as in when you speak to men or speak about men around your son, that's something where I'm like, I I wouldn't necessarily want to see that because it is true. They are good and bad, but to only give them the idea that it's something bad or it's always something negative towards men, that's where I'm like, okay, I wouldn't, I, I definitely wouldn't approve that. I understand that's a truth that needs to be told, but to constantly give that negative appearance of how men are, how men operate, men ain't this, men ain't that, I wouldn't want to surround, I wouldn't want to see a single mother surround their child with that particular thing, you know? Okay. The, the music, the conversation with the homegirls, mm-hmm. the beauty salon, the apps, mm-hmm. What mom's says is law. It holds more emotional weight than the mm. impressions that happen over time. If mom said it, and this is the provider, the protector, the one mm-hmm. that I love that did not leave me, and this is her mm-hmm. perception that is drilled into me from conversations that I hear her speaking too loudly in her room, the conversations mm-hmm. that others like her relate to in certain spaces. If I am exposed to that, I will take that on and that becomes a part of me. Mm. Man, um, when it comes to being truthful with the children, I have no Mm -hmm. problem with that. I have a problem with gauging the emotional intelligence of the child Mm. prior to opening Mm -hmm. Pandora's box. You know what? I agree with you there because the one thing I did, and I don't have a boy, I had a girl. And uh, I was with her father for 10 years and I left him when she was two. 
And the one thing I told myself, regardless of how much I despised him, I would never say anything negative about him to her because she can never see him through my eyes. She just can't. <clears throat> so I ultimately left that up to her, whether they built a relationship. I, you know, because she was young, I made it, you know, my responsibility to make sure that there was communication and there was, you know, at one time he had hurt himself and he couldn't pick her up. And I made it my responsibility to take her to him, to make sure he was engaged in her life. And he was. Um, but as far as character wise and his flaws and things like that, whenever a conversation came up, my answer to her was always, that is your father. You respect him. When you get older, you will see him for who he is on your own. And that's, hey, you it. Know, that's I, all I ever said. Hey, you know, my, uh, me and my sibling that we had, uh, different fathers and, you know, with my father passing away, like he, my mother tells me stories about how he always respected my sister, you know, and how he treated her in the way she did. But when it came to her father, it, I never, or not once really saw my mother speaking very ill of him towards her. And then every once in a while growing up, there were times where, yeah, he would appear and come and come over to try to speak to her, you know, or try to be around her. And they did develop their relationship as years went on, but that was solely on them. It wasn't because my mother forced it and then my mother didn't speak ill of him. She made the, my sister made a decision to start to want to interact with him more based on the times where he attempted to deal with her. So yeah, I could feel where you come with that. Like, cause just seeing that, you know, before my eyes, it's, it is a thing where you're going to have to, you got to tell them the truth, but then when right. it comes to how they are, when they deal with them, yeah, it's an experience that they got to have. And it's not like you're setting them up for failure. You're not saying, oh, you're going to see what I saw. No, right. you're just saying, no. hey, when you deal with them, whatever you mm-hmm. see is what you see and how you want to deal with him going forward. That's how you want to deal with him going forward. Uh, I think right. the worst situation to be in with young men is mm-hmm. to have a young man who's intentionally kept away from his father, who's told negative things mm-hmm. about his father, and he grows up and starts to experience relationships <clears throat> in his mm-hmm. late teens, early 20s, uh, hell, even 30s. And mm-hmm. then he is curious about his um, his character, where he's getting some of these uh, traits from. Um, Because you'll get some traits from your mother and you'll also get some traits from your children, right? We give the best and the worst to our children. I can see your father in you. I can see your mother in you. That whole concept. When people come come into awareness and and start to realize this and they start to seek out things for closure for themselves later in life, you Mm -hmm. don't want to be on the opposite side of the fence when they meet that other person and it doesn't turn out to be everything that you said it was because potentially Mm -hmm. people change. And then right. your children resent you or they see based on their own relationships with women, how things can potentially be. And you now get lumped into a certain category and your children stop calling. They stop coming around as much. Right. And you start hearing about their connection with their father. Right. Well, and that's the thing for me. I always felt that, I mean, obviously 
I was his girlfriend and she's his daughter. So the relationship and the dynamic is different. I always thought mm -hmm. the way he treated me, he won't do that to his daughter. Our relationship is different. So why would I instill in her how he was as a man or a partner when she will never see him like that? She just won't. Perspective. Most right. People, most and and I think you said it earlier, Bree, it's, it's through your, you, you're not trying to teach her how to see him through your eyes, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and they have their relationship. I think you said that um, you're as an as an Aries woman, right? Um, mm -hmm. You you're more analytical based on you know your life and how things you know panned out for you and and it, whatever it is, right? You're more analytical, yeah. so you think from different perspectives. Um, most people they don't they don't they don't do that. They deal with themselves, their emotions. own emotions, and how they truly feel. How they truly right. feel is only one one slice of that pie, and it only involves mm -hmm. them. Most people, right. they're completely, you know, that cognitive dissonance as it pertains to mm -hmm. what this may mean for somebody else. Stepping in somebody else's mm -hmm. shoes in a relationship or even another life, another being, as far as their right. children and what it's going to mean for them. It's, it's fundamental. Well, and that's the thing. For me, like when I had my daughter, I took the role of a mother very seriously. And I knew that everything I did, regardless of how big or small the, the decision was, it was going to affect her. So I needed to make sure that I did the best I could. I'm not perfect, but I needed to make sure whatever decision I made was going to mold her into the best human being she can be. And because I was solely, you know, the one that was around her the most, yeah, she's going to draw from me. So I had to put my ego, my feelings, and my disdain for him aside because mm -hmm. it was the betterment for her. So, that's with me. Yeah. But, no, oh my gosh, I love you guys so much. Um, let's get these. Let's wrap it up because I know, you know, Remy over there drinking and feeling all smexy and stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I got um, to go to work on the business. Right, you got some business. You know what? So. I'm writing that down. Thank you. <laughs> so, I'm going to go ahead and hit these messages. Um. And I'm going to give it two minutes, guys, if y'all want to leave messages. And then I'm going to close them up so that we can let these gentlemen leave. And thank you guys so much. And I'll just say my closing and uh, we'll be out. It's been a pleasure. So we got Shea Butter. And yes, I hate racial stigmas and assumptions. And I hate that. You know, I being me living in certain places like Colorado and places like that, um, when you live in, like, you know, I visited, you know, like, uh, Utah, you know, there, a, lot, a lot of places don't have a lot of black people, you know, and, um, you know, so they were, they were trying to figure out, you know, trying to communicate with me, but they came at me, some people wrong, you know, assuming I know the, the weed man, like, <laughs> Do I look like I smoke weed? <laughs> you know, not, nothing hitting nobody who smoke it, you know, but I'm just saying, do I look like I roll up every day? I mean, you know, it just, I don't know. It was just, a, it was just a lot to take in. Right. All right. We got some more. And, you know, and that's how society trains us to view things. You know, because they hadn't, a lot of them said, you're the first black person I've seen actually, like, 
really seen in person. I've seen them on TV, and my friends just were like, they lying. But I believed them because it took me a while before I saw another black person. And um, I could imagine how it was before then, you know. But the television and the media trains them to view us in a certain light. You know, um, you know, just like they train us to believe, like, I mean, they, they keep us, they, they train us to believe that every white person is rich and successful. You don't see them, you know, doing nails for Asian women. Um, you don't see, you don't see a pictures of white women being, um, servicing black men and women home, you know, uh, as, as a butler or maid or, or a Mexican woman is a, a, you know, you don't see that. It's always the other way around. And so, you know, it, it, it makes people feel like they have to, this racial div, division, they have to only go this route. You know, like, oh, you're not black enough if you don't wear your pants saggy to the ground. You can't dress in a nice suit and look presentable. You know, you have to have your butt out because all black people and Mexicans and Hispanics and Latinos and whatever have their butt out. No, we don't have to. You can't dress respect. You got to be wretched. You can't dress in a nice gown, a nice dress. And you have to have your butt out. You know, women, you got to have your titties out, you know, or breasts or whatever. That's how they train you, you know. Not to be, you know, your own person, but to be who society wants you to be, as if, if that makes sense. Let me let me speak on that real quick, um, and we sure. can continue. Give me one second. From, I'm from, just gonna I'm gonna let everybody know I'm closing the messages so that okay. you know if you're not able to leave them, it's because I'm closing them down. Okay, go ahead. From the mind of a man, um, when she was talking about you know women dressing and outside of uh, I know I know I'm back in the suit and tie. Shout out Rara. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of um, me in particular, right? <laughs> Generally speaking, most men will fantasize, will lust at the, you know, the thought, look, right? The um, mm -hmm. the certain looks, right? They will ruin a good home. They'll cheat. They'll do a lot of things. They will not, not not quality men that you actually want to be with, right? They will not make that a wife. Mm. There's a there's a difference there. Wow. Once again, true. once again, going back to it, the quality men that women actually desire to be a certain aspect in their life and they live up to that, right? They mm -hmm. don't want to marry the uh the leggings that are worn outside of the gym. They don't mm. want to, you know, marry the woman with the uh tennis skirt that's off the court. It's like if I was to walk around and I had on my, uh, you know, long johns and they weren't under my clothes, my, 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 my jeans fit that skinny. If I was to wear my, my boxers and it just didn't have a slit in the front and I didn't wear that under my clothes, but I wore that out. A woman mm -hmm. would look at me like, okay, I want that to be my husband. Men don't look at women like that. They may say, ooh, I can do this. I bet they got that. It may be a lustful intent. It may be a, a conquering intent. But that is not mm -hmm. wifey potential. That is not what a man wants to bring around his family for Thanksgiving. Or he he he's now trying to change her. Maybe you need to put some clothes on. Uh-uh. When you met me, I was like this. Okay, cool. Can't turn a hoe into a housewife. Exactly. <laughs> so we understand. Understand. 
understand. <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, that that's for most people, and I understand that. I, for me, I don't necessarily a hundred percent view it that way because, yeah, if you really look for a certain type of person, of course, yes, you might want them to have a certain appearance that you may like that'll make you say, yeah, I definitely want to pursue. For me personally, yeah, I don't always look at every single person that dresses, you know, provocative or something I'm thinking, oh, she's white, you know, but I don't just always judge it based on their attire or what they wear most of the time, like, because I don't mm. know them fully. Now, I can understand for certain types of men, of course, they're going to look at the certain appearances and they're going to make their judgments like that, but I don't, and maybe it's me speaking I can speak for men, but I can see it from a woman's perspective. Their attire as well is not going to just automatically make you think, yeah, they're not going to be the wifey material. They're not going to be the person that you may want to marry. You know, mm. they could, their attire is what their attire is. And when, once you interact with them, you'll probably see they actually do fit what I may want. You know, they mm. might actually fit the type of wife I may want or they might be the type of person I want to be with you know again that's not saying you give them based on that attraction to them with their appearance and then you try to make them change that if you're not comfortable with how she's dressing or whatever don't don't go after her if you're not comfortable with that when you think of long term or think of marriage fine I, I totally understand that you know go after the type of person you want but I'm not going to just solely anybody that dresses certainly that they are off the market as being like um not being white material like because again it's about that. who the person is you know yeah i respect that so mm -hmm. for, for me right um you know you only get really only one chance to make a first impression right. and, and <laughs> granted uh with women you know i'm not body shaming i'm not telling you how to dress or what to dress um some women they worked hard for their results. Some right. women worked hard mm -hmm. to buy their results. However right. it goes, right? It's yours. But if you have a right. closet full of insinuating, you know, uh, uh, you know, outfits, because right. you're seeking that validation, you're seeking that attention. Mm -hmm. Me, for me, it just is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. We we are in a space in 2023. Where, you know, once again, talking about that whole concept of protection, respect, yeah. it's not given. Mm -hmm. You have to position yourself right. as such. So mm -hmm. as a man, you know, if you have people verbally assaulting your wife based on what she's wearing, if you have people that feel as though it's potentially okay to approach your wife, knowing that she's with you, but because she's dressed a certain way, they feel mm -hmm. as though she's still looking, she's still on the market, or even mm -hmm. worse, they want to sexually assault your wife, they want to physically touch your wife. Now, mm -hmm. you, as a man, are put in a position, a very, very dangerous position. What I'm saying is, a certain caliber would not sign up for that knowingly. Um, so certain choices from these impressions, first impressions, there's a, a box, if you will, that a lot of people get lumped into that they don't even fit into. But it is the first impression and it's done from a place of what do I want in my life, real time, quick assessment based on who I'm going to actually approach and entertain. So when people say, well, where are the good men at? 
the other men are saying, well, where are all the good women at? Because the other women that are operating in that space usually are married. Mm. Usually have a ring on their finger. Usually dress a certain way, have a certain conversation. Um, so it's like when we go outside of that and we're and just looking, now it's like, okay, now I got to navigate. Now I got to decode and, and poke at the mind, check on background history, family, trauma, past experience and relationships. But it takes time because I can't do this at first off the muscle because it's weird and it's too much information. Right. That is true. So I'm just saying, let's make it easier. If, if you're looking. Right. If you're looking, uh-huh. right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's get these messages and we out. I already locked it up. Amy, I'm not going to lie, not at all for y'all uh, for a minute, but definitely a lot of wisdom uh, here. Going to be looking to see, uh, watch, listen to this on the replay. But before I get off of here and just cut this phone on off for the night, I came in in the middle of y'all's uh, commentary on um, saying happy uh, Father's Day to a mother about it being disrespectful. And I'll say it's uh, disrespectful. Um, once again, if you had a, a positive father in your life, um, to him to say that I could step into and do and be that role. Um, but then also, if you're blessed to have any men, whether it be your father, your brothers, or another uh man a father figure pouring into your children's lives is to say what you did don't matter um and you taking credit for that good night y'all good night appreciate you all right we got shea butter square biz that's exactly what my brother did that's exactly what he did he said i i looked at what we had at home and I said, I don't want to do that. I, 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 that's not what I want. He said, so he started looking at people that he admired and he would emulate them. You know, he would learn from them, you know, and, 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 and it was a blessing because most of them mentored him. You know, they, they actually, you know, his band leader, um, you know, um, you know, the coach, like, um, like Hennessy said, you know, so he had, he was able to have, and it, it was some positive men, and they were positive men. They embraced my brother, you know, as a, a, a mentee. So that was awesome. So, it, you know, when you can find it, it's a blessing. That's why I say, don't, you know, we just need more of it. That's what I was trying to say. But love to talk. I appreciate you. All right, so, we got Hella Tudor. Tick, tick, tick. Uh-oh. Helly Tudor here, founder Clean Talk for Clean Folks. Greetings, panelists, and good evening. One mentioned something that sounded rather monolithic and incorrect to me about coolness and dreams. Well, if you start dreaming after puberty, maybe that's true. I know I dreamed of flying long before I was 12 or 13. My father took me to the bank, met the banker, learned to shake hands with him. My mother arranged my first Thoughts with work, with uh, volunteer service, and working with, I don't know, Brother Decent and his little uh, snow cone truck. First time I ever worked. My first actual job was with Brother Gonzalez, learning how to wash dishes and shop safety. So if your parents start long before puberty, you won't have to be worried about things like coolness and peer pressure. Oh, man, those are some gems. Uh 
mind of a man, men do that. Men will bring you to the shop. Men will bring you to work. If you want to make a little bit extra change on a spring break um, during the summertime, they'll introduce you to legitimate men who they respect and will have you work beside them to earn your keep and then put you in a position of understanding the value of your time, effort, sweat equity, knowledge, money, etc. These are fundamental things that have to be done. Um, also, uh, single mothers, if you're trying to get your young man to, depending on his age and if he's willing to do it, uh, nation, nationwide, there's a group called, um, what is it called, man? Um, it's a speaking group. They, they help you develop your um, ability to speak. Um, God, I'm going to come back to it. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to come back to it. Okay. All right, you think about that? I'm going to hit these messages. Shea Butter. Yes, that's so true, Square Biz. You know, we got to allow our young boys to, you know, be able to access the other mentorships, like uncles, you know, male uncles, male grandparents, grand, you know, grand uncles, you know. You know, it's some men, you know, it's some men who are looking for, um, you know, even the older generation, you know, um, they, they they might want to mentor young boys, you know, you know, um, you know, just, we just have to let them have all the opportunities because women will coddle boys. They, they will, they won't let them play sports. I have a friend, she wouldn't let her son play anything. She didn't want him to get hurt. Everything was, oh, he's going to get hurt. Oh, he's going to get hurt. But he needs to let loose that testosterone. He needs to have that interactment. Absolutely. I remember it's, uh, it's called Toastmasters. Toastmasters mm -hmm. is a nationwide uh, program that's offered in almost every state in multiple cities. And they'll have multiple groups in these cities. And basically what you do is you just go to an event. The first event, it's free. It's a very, very low cost. Random mm -hmm. topics, you'll expand on the topics or whatever you want to talk about in front of a group. It shakes you out of the space of uh, being nervous to speak in front of people. It's an excellent networking um, space because people that are looking to tap into public speaking, shake mm -hmm. the fear of public speaking and learn how to do it in a concise manner using Toastmasters. So Toastmasters is a great way to have young men tap into a space where they get that validation, they get the appreciation, and they learn the skill set while networking with quality people. That's what's up. I've never heard of that. I'm going to have to look into that. That's pretty cool. I like that. All right, let me get these shea butter. Yes, Brie Toss. That's a good one. That's a good one. And, and, and me talking to a lot of men, um, working at the barbershops where I worked and I've heard this a lot. You know, I've heard men say, yeah, when I was 12, I was the man of the house. When I was eight, I was the man of the house. But they don't say it in a good light. They don't say it like they was, it's something to be proud of. You know, they say it like it was a burden. And I think that we, we shouldn't do that to them because they're not the man of the house. Let them have the opportunity to be a child, even though, you know, I ain't going to go there. Let me shut up. Let me stop. I was going to say something. Lord, help my mouth, you know, because I know, Lord, don't say it. <laughs> Let them be a child. <laughs> so that way, when they grow up, they won't continue to be children. No, 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 I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Just forget I said that. But let them have their childhood. <laughs> nah, real talk. Could you imagine what it would be for a woman to finally step into freedom if if uh, a single father said, hey, baby, you, you're not a woman of the house. I need you right. to cook, clean, fold up the clothes, take care of this, take care of that. And when she finally breaks free, um, mm -hmm. she, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hella tuta. Before I was double digit age, before the age of 10, my father showed me how my mother and my father showed me how value was gathered and what to do with it. That's how I first learned how to fill out a check, to pay a, a house note, a gas bill, a water bill, taxes, etc. So learning where value comes from and what it means to shake hands and give your word or your affirmation is key to becoming a man. You have to start all of these things while you're yet learning to read, write, and cipher or learning how to learn. If you wait until after puberty to do it, you've lost their attention chemically and you wind up flailing in the bask of uh, all of this innuendo that one described. Yeah, I will have to say being from the finance um, industry, you definitely people, you got to teach your kids how to balance a checkbook. You got to teach them that. They're not teaching that in school. I'm sorry. You got to teach them how to deal with credit. Teach your kids that early. They're not teaching them that in school. And those are life lessons that they need. So I'm just saying from the financial aspect, yes, teach them to be financially literate, please, because they got, they're not going to learn that in school. All right. Next message. Get you a man to run the house, you know, um, yeah, because that do put them in that Oedipus complex, you know, where so when you do get somebody, you know, now he's taking over the position of being a man of the house and now he's feeling threatened because this is what he, you 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 ordained him as that mm -hmm. in that position. And now here comes the man of the house that the, the true person who supposed to be the man of the house in the house. And now it's war. <laughs> so yeah let you know let a child what they say stay at a child's place yeah single mothers they do that a lot you are so right that is problematic mama don't need no man she got me y'all tripping right right, right. <laughs> and then they wonder why you know little man want to buck up well you gave him the title and now you're trying to bring someone else i mean it goes against the grains <laughs> of a man you know what i mean it's competition at the end of the day, it's competition. All right, we got Shea Butter. You so right, Hennessy. And I have to, um, and I have to admit, I have failed victim to that. You know, I have failed victim to that because I'm gonna be honest, the men in my life personally failed me. You know, they failed me. So I, I let that aggression go. Never with my children though, but I, I have been in conversations with women and other women you know, and men, you know, not very speak, not speaking fondly of them, you know. Um, but I was, I, I had the awesome opportunity to meet a couple of really good men, um, married men that were really good to their families and really positive individuals. And, you know, and I said, you know what, let me start changing my, you know, my tone because, you know, 
and judge everybody individually and not as a whole, you know. But sometimes, <sighs> let me. <laughs> sometimes folks get to be. If you develop into the kind of man that's worried more about impressions than reality, worried more about what you look like than the value that you gather and the control that you have over your finances, you're probably not going to be a good provider and you're probably not going to be a good husband. I remember my father giving me some typical statements that he talked about. The morons at his job talking about, yeah, you better ask somebody. If you want to know about me, just ask some women. So the boast about being a cheater was the way that they announced themselves among other men. And the men standing around thought that that was funny and cajoled it. So he prepared me for some of these idiot conversations when I got older. And sure enough, they're still roving around today. Men who aren't men. There you go. And you know what, Bree talks when you when you brought that up, um, it made me think about something else about what single mothers do that bothers me too. Um, you know, the the hate they have for other women. Mm. You know, I I've seen that where they they have so much hate for other women. Um, the body shaming, the body, you know, oh, she's not pretty, she's not this, she's fat, her um, hair is this way, her body is built wrong, um, she's short, she's too tall, you know, all these different issues. And I noticed that, you know, young men internalize that. You know, I've heard men who's, who... You who would say they wouldn't date a woman because she was this way or that way, and he didn't want her to be. He didn't want his children to be this way or that way, you know. Instead of um, embracing, oh, she's been the block on that. It's instead of him embracing femininity as a whole, he's looking at her overall aesthetics, you know. Um, like one of my clients was saying that her boyfriend, you know, was. Beautiful girl. I'm gonna just say this. She's an absolutely gorgeous girl, and her boyfriend consider was telling her would she consider getting a BBW or BBL or, you know, get a uh, uh, the surgery to have the big butt and everything. And I'm like, where is that coming from? When he met you, he seen how you was built. You know, be absolutely gorgeous girl. But she's, you know, I just hope she doesn't get the surgery. Um, because she looks perfectly fine, but I think all of that comes from being with a single mother. Why, why sometimes men could be more critical versus, you know, when a man just looks at a woman just for her overall beauty from a man's point of view. It's more like a woman's point of view. If she does get it, she ain't going to stay with him long because after right. she get it, what's going to come to her is going to be so much more than what he has obviously provided. Cause that's mm -hmm. bananas. She gonna be wilding out. <laughs> if y'all hear a weird noise, it's my dog. He's chewing on a bone and he's hella noisy. So I'm just like, no, you understand? Yeah, yeah, you good. All right, we got Shiba. Plus, I'm I'm starting to believe that, you know, it's dangerous sometimes for a young man to grow up with a mother, um, by himself sometimes because. Sometimes, um, 
they can make a man talking about a man and destroying a man's character, destroying a man in general, saying all men are weak, all men are this, you know, all the stuff that a lot of women will say. I think it would turn their boys because they uplift women, right? This strong woman, this strong, they uplift with women. And I think maybe they say, well, you know what? Hey, I want to be a woman. I don't want to be a man because men are look at it's You know, they don't have any value, but they do. But because they've heard it their whole life, I think that could be an issue as well um, that we need to look at, too. You know, psychologically with children, you know, because their development starts so early. And that's what I was saying. When men in those situations prioritize how to be better to prevent from hurting women like their mother were hurt, they mm-hmm. forego how to prioritize being better for themselves while mm. maintaining certain morals of respect of women. So they start this pedestalizing and, and caping thing and they get butt hurt and it becomes this resentment. And it's like, how am I not enough? I've gone through all of this to become this for you and you're still not satisfied because it was never mm. about them. It was always about you and making quality choices for your own life, but you never got that class. Uh, huh. That is true. And you did say that earlier too. It's like yep. it's almost takes away it strips away their self esteem in some aspects too. Like it, 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 it demasculates them because they don't yes. see the value in themselves. They only see the value in the women because that's all they have. So it's it's paramount that they have the exposure of other quality men, whether it's sports, ROTC, mm-hmm. you know, uh mentorships gatherings, quality friendships with their friends who have fathers, where they can go over there and let boys be boys with a solid father in the household that the parents Mm -hmm. have already vetted and went to meet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's a a good point. That's definitely Mm -hmm. a good point. All right, we got two more. We got Hella Tudor. I remember when my youngest son, um, uh, one of his classmates in middle school, um, he brought her home because she didn't have, a, she was sitting outside and her mother was late. So I texted her my driver's license and made sure she knew where the little young lady was and contact numbers and everything. And she was really late. It got dark and he wound up feeding her. And it was steak and potatoes and, you know, some vegetable medley, something like that, fresh food that was cooked in our home. The young lady didn't know how to use the knife and fork. So wow. Dimitri was surprised and he showed her the things that I had already taught her, taught him. It's amazing the absence of a father in a home, what hole it leaves in your psyche. Shout mm. out to etiquette. It's important. Absolutely. All right, we got the one last message and it's from Remy, my girl. Great, great, great build, guys. Thank you so much for all the intellect up here on this panel tonight i have enjoyed myself i hope all the listeners that came in got some insight and uh amen spread the love follow each other all that good stuff spread some love you know spread some intellect to each other and learn from it um and until next time you know we got to talk with the ladies tomorrow, ladies and gents. Hey. Go ahead and chime in. Your girl Remy going to be on that thing. Trip motherfucker do say going to be on that thing. You know what I'm saying? I forgot who else. 
But yeah, y'all come through. Love y'all. Good night. Ram the fuck out. Good night, Randy. <laughs> so, uh, any last statements, gentlemen, before we close out? Uh, I just want to say thank you, Bree, for inviting me to do this. Uh, this has been way more than I expected. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you wanted me to be up here for this. Thank you. I did learn some stuff as well, so I appreciate uh, you letting me be up here. Oh, I appreciate Absolutely. you. I want to um, also make give you your flowers. Thank you for creating a space. I think it's important. Um, the ma- the mind of a man. The, the most important aspect of the mind of the man is the realization that it exists uh, for the mm-hmm. night. Majority of our viewers um, that I've seen kind of sticking around have been the ladies. Um, so right. they provide a certain perspective, um, an awareness level even, um, that there is so much more, even though it may not be communicated, <laughs> right? right. Um, there's so much more to the mind of a man. It's just, um, this is just one perspective, one level mm-hmm. of understanding. And we greatly appreciate everybody that came through and showed love. Once again, shout out to Bree. Shout out to the Elevated Bliss. You know, uh, Ra Ra, Baby, Rami, Dr. Poetry, Just, Doughboy, uh, Worm, Heli Two, the man. Shout out to you, Clean Talk, Clean Folks, Coco, man. Peace and love. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Could have been anywhere else, but you know, big love, big love. Square business, all is one. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And once again, thank you, gentlemen, so much. This has been so amazing. The knowledge, the actual facts, the straightforwardness, the respect. Um, I definitely appreciate both of you. Um, We do have a show tomorrow with the ladies for the ladies aspect. And um, I plan on doing this show once a week and try to get other men up here. So definitely keep a lookout. If anyone wants to join the panel, let me know. And um, I appreciate you both. You you guys are really amazing. I am so taken back that you guys are so young. (laughs) But so wise. I love it. I love it. I love it. The beginning of a new breed. Right. Right. Hey, you know what? If we touch somebody, if somebody's perspective out there changed, whether it was a single mother, whether it was a young, you know, guy in the audience that's 20, 30 something, you know, even 40 something, um, I think we did our job. You know what I mean? I think we did our job. So let me go ahead and close this out. So keep your hands and feet in the car at all times. And keep your head on a swivel, because the devil continues to deceive us all. This is A&M blowing through like a gale force wind. And on that note, smoke bomb. Smoke, smoke bomb.